welcome to the 252nd episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are humongous supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently talking about 1980s New Teen Titan series, a series that really, really started it all over. You know, establish who the New Teen Titans are. Marv Wolfman, George Perez, great stuff. So you can hear about, about that as they fight against Trigon. Uh, I will sometimes talk about movies and I'm, I, I know I've been kind of not really teasing. I've been talking about it for a while, but I'm kind of waiting for this uh, first story arc to end. I'm, I'm thinking of doing like some off my mind. It might be a little shorter, might not be 30 minutes, but just like random topics, just, just going diving deep since I tend to go on tangents normally here. So I might do that there. But if you can't commit to monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two as ko-fi.com slash gman from heck all right uh what's happening this week uh, i hear that's that's it's debatable as i try to spit my words out i'm starting off I, i'm already i can't talk it's probably gonna be a long episode there's still a lot of shows we're saying goodbye to the Time Traveler's Wife and Obi-Wan Kenobi. I don't know if there's going to be a season two of the Time Traveler's Wife. I Because Warner Brothers, I, I think it was like Friday, Warner Brothers mentions like, oh, the cast and crew talked about the season uh, or what, like the, the fir- you catch the first season on digital now. It's like, wait, the first season? And I get if it's just a generic um, Warner Brother entertainment, whatever, Instagram, you know, whoever is writing that. Co- sometimes they may have an official copy. Or maybe it's just someone writing. Here's a post. I'm. I got. Yeah. I gotta put out a post this time, this time, and, and so forth. I just don't know if there's gonna be a, a second season. It, they they could, but they they kind of almost finished a book, and I can't really. And I, I'll I'll talk about the difference. Like I'll I'll spoil the whole episode because I do TV, so you have your warning. Go watch it if you haven't already. It's been a week now, and I'll I'll talk about like the things that they kind of allude, sort of allude to in this the six episodes, but what they don't fully get to in, in the, the last episode. So I don't I don't know, but maybe it'll be back. Uh, they, they definitely could do a couple more. I don't think they they need to. And I part of me kind of doesn't think that they should. Anyway, so we have that. Obi-Wan Kenobi is over. Same thing. Will there be a, a season two? Who knows? Um, and then the same thing. There probably shouldn't be. They could. Maybe not. So we'll see. And then uh, like The Flash and Superman and Lois, they have, I think, one more episode. So there's this week. And then, uh, I mean, this week's episode, podcast episode, I'll talk about it. And then this coming week. They're going to show it a season finale, I think, for both of them. So next week's episode, you'll get one more time. Um, so we have all that. And I still need to debate whether I'm going to talk about Westworld. Maybe I'll just do that briefly. And then the, the other, the big, this is like the longest intro, which is, okay, because there is not a lot of news, and I'm, I'm for real about that. Uh, the big thing is, I don't know if I'm going to talk about any of Umbrella Academy this week. So it came out last Wednesday. And you would think, like, oh, that gives me plenty of time to watch the whole thing. Nope. I, I don't know what happened with, with Summer 
and just I mean had it had some major things to do around the house, but I just yeah it it didn't I didn't watch the whole thing, so I don't know if if I'll talk about any like maybe the first episode or first couple episodes. I feel like this episode is going to be already be long enough, so maybe maybe I just put it, I, even though I hate doing it, but I guess maybe it doesn't really matter. I mean. How many people are like, man, if you don't talk about Umbrella Academy this week, then I don't even, oh, la, 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 I don't hear it. I mean, so maybe next week is okay. Maybe, maybe if I even do all of it next week or half, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's my show, right? So it's not like I got the corporate overlords like, you must do this now because no one, <laughs> no one really, really cares, whatever. That's this week. And then, you know, Ms. Marvel is, I, I, I love it. Oh, also, I'm going to talk a little bit about Spiderhead. You know, I, I don't really want to spoil. I don't spoil the movies, but so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that. And um, Time Traveler's Wife, uh, or not, I first mentioned it, The Man Who Fell to Earth, and then the the movie feature is The Black Phone, which I really liked. So apologies, I did not go to see Elvis. I don't think I'm going to see Elvis in the theater. My dad loved Elvis. Oh, he really liked Elvis. I don't wouldn't say he wasn't like obsessed or anything. I just. I don't have a strong desire to go sit in a theater and watch it. It looks like it's going to be good. I mean, the the trailer, it looks it looks good, but I just don't feel like I need to watch it right away. So maybe I'll wait till it's streaming somewhere. I don't know. With the news, so as I mentioned before, there really honestly truly is not a lot of news this weekend. I don't know, it's kind of weird and um summer i guess maybe people are busy who who knows there was a, a tra- another trailer i didn't didn't realize there was going to be another one so we're going to another trailer for thor love and thunder that means we're probably going to get a bunch of tv spots which a lot of them will kind of recycle the same footage some of them will be like sprinkled in here's another spoiler and the same old footage old footage here's another spoiler so it'll probably be, be that and I have to say, I love Sweet Child of Mine. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that. I love that song. And they're really getting their money's worth out of it. So I'm assuming Disney had to pay to license that song. So they're probably like, you know what? We had to pay this much money to license it. We're going to use it in every single you know, dingle trailer that we, we show. That's fine with me because I don't know what it is about that song. I I, I, I did it. So we see some more, um, and I don't want to really spoil anything from the trailer in case some people you know avoided trailers. But uh, people that they had the premiere of it. When was it Thursday? And um, I didn't read any of the reactions, but I I I believe and I assume that their reactions are positive. I mean Taika Waititi is 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 brilliant. So I am super, super duper excited to see that. And I'm also super duper pooper excited. Not really pooper. Because uh, my, my daughter's actually <laughs> is able to carve in a little time in her, her crazy schedule to, to see it with me. <laughs> it was funny because like, uh, so last week on, on Father's Day. Oh, I guess I could talk since there's no news. But last week on, on Father's Day, <laughs> we actually, <laughs> finally, she watched uh, Black Widow. <laughs> and, and she liked it. And uh, the reason I kind of want to watch Black Widow is because we've been very, 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 very slowly picking away at Hawkeye when, when she's around and when she has time and, and stuff like that. And we got to episode four before where at the end, a certain person shows up. If you, I mean, it's no spoilers here, right? 
And so I was like, well, it probably would make sense to see the movie. And plus, I wanted her to see Black Widow movie because she loved Black Widow in, in the movies, obviously. And with Disney Infinity, she was always like Black Widow. So uh, we had that. Um, so, yeah, finally got to watch that. And then we watched, uh, after that, we watched uh, episode five. And at the end, she's like, man, what, you know, with a, when you, the, the big spoiler, if, if you remember back to episode five of Hawkeye, <laughs> the Disney Plus series, where you see Kate Bishop with a certain person she's like man why is she with him <laughs> uh because yeah anyways so uh what was the time oh thor love and thunder yes she's gonna go see it with me so i'm 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 excited for that um speaking of uh spiderhead before journey smollett is that how you say your name smollett smollett journey uh, i think that that's such a cool name journey anyways she, i guess she kind of teased black canary you know, there, there's been talk of a Black Canary HBO Max movie, and it's a lot of things are kind of in limbo. A lot of things got canceled because of the change in the Discovery head, the CEO, whatever, all, all that stuff. Like the oh, the Wonder Twins movie got canceled. I, I really wanted to see that, unless it was going to be really bad. But she, she's like, well, yeah, I obviously can't we can't really talk about it, but you know, I'm getting excited, and you know, so basically, that's kind of confirmation, right? I think she did a great job. She she owned that character. So I I I would, am dying to see more to see what what they, they could do with that. So I mean I, I like her. I think she's she's a really great great actor and I I applaud the you know the opportunity that we get to see more of, of that because I feel like this this could be a way to go. Nothing against a big production, but it, it almost feels like the smaller production i mean you look at peacemaker that was such a great show i mean so much fun not not you know no no knock against the suicide squad because i enjoyed that too but it almost feels like with the big theatrical there's almost like there's more pressure on there i mean look at flashpoint i mean was there like reshoots and this and that and everything and where is it at now it, it just feels like it takes so much longer and there's just so much writing on it where a movie i mean like the bat girl thing i mean isn't that done you know, shooting and production, and now it's just post-production, whatever. So I feel like uh, that you know that that's the way to go. So um, I, I look forward to whatever date they could come up with, and it would be awesome. But I really don't think we'll we'll get it, and we don't need to have it. But it would be awesome if there was like a Harley Quinn cameo or you know anything like that. So we'll have to see. Who knows? Um, one thing I did not know about is there's another Lego Star Wars special coming out did i watch the last one i'm gonna gotta look into this but of course no freaking time uh there's gonna be a, a lego star wars summer vacation special so there's a trailer came out the movie is coming out on august 5th and there's like a new weird al song in a, in a trailer it looks silly i don't really understand you know there it almost looks like we're gonna be looking through at different time po- or points in the timeline because you have you know, you have like Finn and uh, Poe and Ray, but then you also have Darth Vader and the Emperor, which you know all that stuff doesn't doesn't work together, and it it looks like it's gonna be silly and fun. So I'll, I'll have to check that out. But I need to check out. Wasn't there like a Halloween one? I don't think I ever got around to seeing that because it, it kind of somehow, even though I knew it was coming, it was it like spring up on me. And I was like, oh man, I didn't, it was, I could have talked about that on the podcast and then I missed it. So then I was like, well, I missed it. So I'm not going to talk about it. And then I forgot to watch it. 
there apparently is going to be a Green Hornet and Kato movie. I don't know if I, I heard about this or ever talked about this, but uh, Lee Wimmel, who directed The Invisible Man, he's in talks to direct. It could be interesting. I mean, I, I guess my big questions, when is this going to be set? You know, Are they going to try to do it kind of like retro time, which I think I think that's the way to do it. Are they going to try to modernize it? Because if you modernize it, sometimes it just it they they try getting too edgy or too modern, and it just it doesn't feel right, doesn't work. You know, there there's some things that it just the time different time period feels better. I mean, you look at I think that's why Tim Burton kind of you know you look at Batman, Batman Returns, all that. Even though it was kind of modern, it was also sort of like a vague timeline. You know, you don't really know specifically when that takes place. So I, I think that there's something about that. Because then you don't have to worry about some of the little things like, oh, how come everyone doesn't have a cell phone and, you know, this and that. And, you know, just just little things are, are there's a lot of little easy, convenient things like, oh, I'm being chased by someone. I just need to whip out my phone and call 911 or, or anyone or text someone. Or I, oh, I got I all these mace um, contraptions that, you know, they didn't have before. I don't know. So, and then the other thing is, are they going to change Cato's role? Because wasn't people feeling that that was like stereotypical that he was his chauffeur or his, his, not he wasn't his butler, his assistant or something like that. I, I, I don't see, I mean, is it? You have you have a dude who inherited money. Whether they go the route that he was, he owns a newspaper, or his dad owned it. Was that one of the things? There's like a, there's a newspaper company. So he had money, and then Cato was his a uh, valet, his a chauffeur, his whatever. And um, it it had nothing to do with his race. It's just that hey, he put out an ad or something. I don't know. Maybe they change it. Or maybe they're friends and. Then they're they're partners. You know he doesn't have to drive them because we all know Cato kicked more butt than Green Hornet, right? I mean I'm not a Green Hornet expert, so what do I know? I still need to see the the Seth Rogen version, which I was gonna maybe I'll I'll talk about that on a, a secret podcast episode at some point. Could be now's the time maybe. Uh, Stranger Things four, so that comes out this week. I think it's it's this coming. Yeah, I think it's it's uh, this this Friday, so that's probably going to be next week's feature, and um, I'll have to try to watch those. But there's a new trailer, a uh, lot, the whole <laughs> Kate Bush man, a lot of lot of use of talk about using trailers, you know, licensing music, whatever. So we, we get more of that, and um, watch a trailer if you want. Don't watch it if you don't want any minor spoilers or anything. Uh, it, it's going to be big and crazy. Is there a season five? That's my, my my big question. I thought this was the end. When I look on on IMDb, which isn't always hundred percent accurate because you know it's user submitted and you know they're whatever, but it says that there's a season five because you know a lot of times they'll put like a stub page for the coming season, even though there's not information or not a release date or anything like that. But they have it listed on there. I thought this was it. We'll see. Obviously. If it's making money, they could keep going, and you know you could always focus on different characters or different that this or you know, but we'll see. And um, I'm I'm a little I'm a little not skeptical, but I'm a little worried about this last episode. I just hope that it's not like oh here comes eleven to save the day. You know, she's the savior of everything because I feel like the other kids have been like holding their own, like kicking butt and all that. 
that I don't think it all needs to resort to Eleven being the one. And part of it is I just find Eleven's character annoying just with the constant screaming. I don't know. But maybe uh, hopefully I'll be, I'll be pleasantly surprised. And I, I feel like I'm dragging this news out even though there's like nothing. So last bit of news, uh, I guess the end of uh, phase four for the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to be announced soon. We don't know like which movie is the end. A part of me, for me, I was like, I don't really need to know this stuff. Just just keep giving me movies and TV shows. I, I don't care which is the end of, of this phase or that phase because they're all inter- they're all connected still. And just just keep giving me awesome movies with the characters that I love. But I guess we'll see like what's like the next main focus. It it all doesn't need to be tied in, even though I just said it's all connected. And we really haven't seen a whole lot because you know there there's been talk about all the end credit scenes because before they all kind of led towards Thanos or whatever. You know, there's like something big's coming and and we really haven't had a whole lot of that. I thought we were gonna get more stuff with Kang. I thought Kang, spoiler, I thought Kang was going to be, have something in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, but we, we know Kang is supposed to be in uh, Ant-Man and Wasp Mania. but I thought, yeah, I thought we'd get more. But I guess there there is still talk like with uh, the Shang-Chi and, and scene where something about the the rings sent out a message to space or I don't I forget exactly is that what they said am I totally crazy in making stuff up I don't, I don't know and then you know there's talk maybe Ms Marvel's bangle will you know be connected you know or something and we'll, we'll see but like I said uh I don't need a next big threat you know that's gonna yeah it's cool to have all all these connections but we'll see. And we'll see what's next because that's going to be the news for this week. With comic books at uh, Image, uh, there was a Walking Dead Clementine book. I think that came out this week. You know, I have a, a copy, and it's not listed on previews, and I don't know if it's because I, it's I, I don't know. So here's the thing: I'm I as I'm behind on everything, especially Walking Dead. I've only played how much of Walking Dead? I think I've only played like the first chapter, like very, very, very little, like almost like nothing. So I, I, I'm just kind of familiar with Clementine's story. I have, I've had Clementine's hat that I got from, from the giant bomb guys. Cause I think they had an extra or something like that. So yeah. So I don't really know a whole lot of the story. I, I know of like virtual nothing out of story, but uh, I was, I got a copy of, of Clementine. So I started reading it. It's like 200 and, almost like 250 pages or something like that and i'm i'm like not even halfway through it's it's good it would probably be better if i had an attachment to the character since she's such a huge part of, of that story from what i understand but i i do like the at that it's it's like just a different take you know it's in the walking dead universe so it's it's kind of cool to see like where she goes and how she's surviving and, and you know and, and stuff like that so you can um check that out if if you are into it because uh that that came out but yeah like i said it's it's not listed on uh previews so i but i went looking elsewhere maybe it was listed last week yeah that's what it 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 came up as last week and i know sometimes and i don't know if this was the case here where uh comic stores will get books like a week early and then like their wide release like barnes and noble or whatever like the following week amazon so it gives like comic shops like a, a week's heads up or you know head start 
so I don't know. I don't. I don't. Not sure if it came out last week because I, like I said, I didn't get it. Anyways, so you you can check that out. It it like it it looks it's really good. I'm I'm enjoying it so far, and I, I definitely I want to finish it. Then there was Deadly Class Fifty Three. Oh man, part of me it's like I don't want to read these issues because we're getting close to the end, and uh, so we're we're seeing. You know, we we have we have time jumps and everything like that. So you know, we're seeing where Marcus. I don't I don't even know if I should mention who Marcus is with, because it's like is is that a spoiler? If if you know you mentioned that, but I will say that. Oh wait, you know what I realized <laughs> with my reluctance or thing. So I didn't read fifty two last month and i was like oh man i forgot to read it so then when 53 came out then i was like oh wait i still haven't read it because i'm just being so reluctant so i actually read 52 knowing that i had to read but then i didn't read 53 because i just opened up 53 to see like the the year that it it, it takes place because we're in um 2008 it looks like but as i look at her first page i'm like wait a minute i didn't see that so (laughs) uh yeah i'm i'm still i'm still behind um but i just i love this series so much and i just don't want it to end it's it's kind of it's kind of hard seeing the character so far and it's not that far because you know it started in the, the late 80s i think it was 87 i could be wrong and you know seeing where they're at and just having survived everything and you know trying to live like a normal life instead of going down the route of being like an assassin or, you know, just killing people. And, uh, last issue was, was really tough. <sighs> so yeah, you, you should definitely be reading it. And like, I keep saying it, if you haven't read it, man, you are in for such a treat because, uh, it, it's, you, you, you owe it to yourself to, to check it out. It's, it's definitely worth it, worth it. Um, gunslinger spawn issue nine came out. I, I haven't talked to anyone who's reading this because I don't talk to anyone. <laughs> uh, I just feel like I'm so enclosed here. you know. So I don't know what people are thinking about this, but I keep wanting to read it. I'm just, I, I don't know. And I, I think I have most of the issues. I just don't know if uh, I need to know anything about Spawn or if there's like any backstory, or if I could just, you know, I just have no idea. But so that, that's like my, my hesitation with it. I Hate This Place number two came out. So this is a... I, this is an interesting book. So it's by Kyle Starks, then Art uh, Artyom Toplin um, does the, the the does the art. Did I say that? Art? Yeah. Maybe I'm like, wait, did I already say art? But it's Art Artyom. I think that's what's throwing me off. And Lee Luridge does the colors. So we we have this couple. Uh, one one lady. She inherited this like farm from her like great aunt who, who or something like that. She doesn't really know. So her and her wife, I think they're married, right? They they both go out to this farm because they, they figure, well, why not build up the farm for like a year, sell the cattle, sell the farm, you know, make some money, and we can go, you know, let's start our life. The only problem is the place is like friggin' haunted. And there's like this weird room with like all these videotapes in there. So like here they're, they're trying to figure out like how can we get an exorcist or whatever, and we got to get back home before before nightfall and you know lock all the doors and and then there's like this uh bank robber dude who's like wants his money where it's buried out in the woods and because he he killed his the guys he was working with and 
so there's there's like other drama and stuff as, as well and and you know and i like it because it's something different so it's you know i don't just want to read super as much as i love superhero comics i don't just want to read superhero comics all the time okay then there's a newborn 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 issue eight so this is a comic that um always throws me out it's chip sadarsky casey gilly um sue lee does uh the art um because also is there like jacob phillips it the cover says chip sadarsky and jacob phillips but when you read it it says um the credit says casey gilly is a writer so i don't know chip sadarsky and jacob phillips maybe they're like they came up with the idea did they come maybe did they come up with the plot and then Casey Gillies writing the script? Does, I have no idea. Anyways, Newburn, it's this is a really cool comic. So Newburn is this character. He we we find out like after I don't think we find out right away, but so spoiler, we find out he used to be a cop, but now he's sort of this um he he kind of works on his own. He's independent. He works with like all the different like crime families and everything, and he works with the police. And he, he kind of has this, like, immunity and this power where he just, like, goes around. And so even though, like, all the different families, like, hate each other and, you know, they're just always at war, he can just, like, doot, 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 like, weave in and out. And and there's a little bit of tension once in a while. Like, he did end up going, get, getting sent to prison. And, you know, there's some people like, oh, I'm going to get revenge on you for, you know, whatever. So there's all this stuff. And he's, he's recently... Uh, kind of taken out a, a partner, an assistant, this this woman who was in uh she was in his apartment next door, blah blah blah, all this stuff when this this one case thing went down. But we found out last issue, like what her past was, and that was like a holy crap, really? And then there's some huge trouble from that past. It's like coming to light now and it's like is newburn gonna be able to do anything or is she gonna get killed and so it's 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 a it's a cool comic and um you, you sh- i think this is the last issue for now and then it's gonna it, it's taking like like a little little break and it'll be back let me uh flip to the end yeah so this is the end of volume one newburn returns fall 2022 so just like like normal you know, you just give them a, a little little buffer. So we'll probably get the well. This is issue eight. Has there been a trade? Maybe there'll be a trade collecting the first eight issues, and then you know you can read that, and then more issues come. So you should um, definitely be reading that. Noctera issue eleven came out. So this is Scott Snyder and Tony Daniel and uh, Marcelo Maiolo doing the colors. Uh, this feels like this is like the end of a volume because. Uh, things are just hitting the fan you know just the fact that that they're sort of teaming up with this black top bill guy who's evil basically he's a he's a deranged evil killer so they're trying to uh work with him and you know because part of it is is the sun is has been hidden gone and in the darkness there's like all these night evil creatures so you have to like stay in the light type of thing and you know they're they're you know this one place has been attacked and they're trying to get to this other place and uh but the thing is can you trust blacktop bill and uh our our main character val um all i'm gonna say is (laughs) things may not (laughs) go too well radiant red issue four this is issue four or five so this is in the the radiant black universe and um, so Radiant Red is a woman who 
got the suit and got the powers. And uh, we've seen her story, which is interesting because when she was introduced in comics, you don't really it's almost like you don't really it doesn't register like who this person is that this is an actual character so we've seen like her and her fiance you know her fiance's had some unfortunately some gambling problems and you know so i think she was a isn't she a teacher and you know just trying to steer through that and she's like well maybe i can you know steal some money from a bank or whatever but then it's like well what do you how do you the money you can't just spend it because it's you know clearly gonna be tagged or you know sequential numbers or who knows what and so then she's taking on this other job and her fiance doesn't know about it right away and of course things aren't gonna go too smoothly so we'll have to see what happens there but i've been enjoying this too then there's rogue sun issue five so this has been a, a interesting series as well this is is by ryan parrot with uh See, who did the art on this? Yeah, because uh, uh, Solicit just said Abel. It's Abel's... Um, I'm assuming this is one person, Abel Simone Ragazzoni, or is Simone Ragazzoni another person? Maybe they're, maybe they're two people. So maybe Abel is just one person, because it says artists. So um, what's the cover say? Yeah, Abel Ragazzoni. Okay, yeah, so Abel is an artist, and then Ragazzoni is another one. Nat- Natalia Marquez does the, the the colors. So Rogue Son, Rogue Son was this hero. He gets killed, dies in action, whatever. He had a kid who's like I think he's like fifteen, and he never knew his dad. His like dad left him when when he was like an infant. So he infant. So he's obviously he's angry. He's not doing so well in school. You know he's just a typical teen, not typical teen. He's got you know all all this stuff like that. But then it turns out that his father left him the power of Rogue Son. And it's like, what? Because, oh, the other kicker is it turns out that his dad had another family. And they're, like, really, like, well-to-do. And, you know, there's, uh, there's like, a daughter and a little younger kid. So they're kind of mad because they were hoping that they would get the power of Rogue Son. They don't know why he would, you know, they're, they're that dad would leave it to their half-brother who, you know, they don't really know. And uh, while this this kid uses um, what Dylan, while he uses the power, he can like speak to like the spirit of his dad. He's like talking to him, and you know, so he's he's faced a cut like one of his uh, villains or whatever like that. But then the question is like, who killed Rogue Son? You know, how, why is he dead? And then there is last issue. We got this big kicker, this big like shocker. Who is did is this person responsible for killing him? And um, what's the connection to Dylan? And so we we get a lot of that in this issue. And and I don't want to spoil anything more of that. But this this has been this. What I like about this, and you, know, what I say, I'm I'm so glad that I read the first issue because I I feel like you know, especially at Image, you you have to take a risk, take a chance, and and just read you know the new number one. This, does this sound kind of interesting? Just just check it out. Because a lot of times it, it's worth the investment of you know reading that first issue, because it, it's it's a really good series that I and again because I'm in my little bubble here I don't know what other people are, are saying about this but I I just this has been a, a really good and fun comic and I like that it's brand new characters you know so you don't have the decades and decades of history to worry about you know Rogue Son was this hero there's all these villains that he's fought and are has, has like imprisoned or you know put in a, this prison thing or whatever so it, it's 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 cool 
Then there is a, oh my goodness, this issue, Silver Coin issue 11. And uh, this was kind of creepy. It's, it's, I don't want to say it's a simple story, but it kind of, it's a sim- simple premise. But it's just, it works so incredibly well. And just Michael Walsh's art, it's, I just, I've been, I'm such a huge fan uh, of his art. And I'm kicking myself for not buying this one page of Secret Avengers one time at, at, at a convention. But, you know, I, I can't afford I couldn't afford it then. I absolutely cannot afford it now. But I do have a, a picture of him <laughs> that he drew Ultron in a bathtub shaving his legs. Yeah, and uh, but the, oh, what makes this this story especially good is it's uh, written by James Tynan IV. And James Tynan IV, in case you don't, you're not aware of it, he can write some creepy ass stuff. And yeah, I I don't normally say ass a lot on the podcast, but this is creepy ass stuff. And um, it's basically what does it even say here? Okay, this here's the thing. This synopsis is completely wrong because this says. 1978, a firefighter strange finds a strange silver coin in the charred ruins of a nightclub. Wasn't this like a couple issues ago? This issue, because you can see on the cover, it's it's called a diner, and there's this creepy chef, you know, because or cook on there. He's not a chef; he's a cook. And there's it's just you know it's just like the black and white cover with with the red highlights. Um, it takes place in a diner, <laughs> and uh. It's not the, not quite like the cover might lead you to believe, but things get get dark and 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 yeah. So just just read it. Just do yourself a favor, man. This this is such a this is horror horror comics don't usually work. They I, I feel like a lot of times it just it just feels too artificial. But this this series is just you know each issue is like boom boom boom. It's a one shot issue, and you know they're all written by by different people. So this is good. You sh- you should definitely be reading the silver coin. Oh, and now is the time I kick myself again. So I, I knew there was nothing at IDW and because there's like so much at, at image that kind of threw me off. And then I, I forgot to read my boom books. So something is killing the children. 24 came out and um, this is uh, James Tynan the fourth. I, I just, I've been, been re- really, loving that series and um i'm enjoying this this current story arc so you you should definitely be be reading that so yes dumb dummy didn't didn't read that so check that out all right let's see at dc earth prime heroes twilight issue six came out when i when i saw this listed i'm like wait what issue six Earth Prime Heroes, Twilight. Like, how did I miss the first five? This has been, like, the comic that's been dealing with the CW characters. And they've they've been pretty, you know, pretty good, considering. Uh, a lot of them ha- have, have decent art, you know, you know, writing teams or whatever. Because, like, like, this issue, uh, art's by Will Robson, who's... I think I'm familiar with Will Robson's art. So this is written by... Jeff Hirsch and Thomas Pound. I don't know if I haven't been paying attention if they've been writing the other ones, but it's basically the like I said the CW characters and we have Magog here. So this issue in, in itself uh, focuses on on uh, Nora and Bart, and so we get to see like kind of older versions of the characters and 
and everything like that, like Supergirls in this, is, and we we do see Superman and and everything like that. But it was funny. At one point, there's kind of this, this big reveal, and I'm like, because there's like someone in, in like a a green like a like wearing like a hoodie or something like that. I'm like, who's this person like that? And then they you know re- remove it at the end. I'm like kind of I'm like, wait, who's who's that? Who's that supposed to be? And what it, <laughs> no offense to the art, but, you know, probably creative license or, or, or likenessness or whatever. It's supposed to be um, Oliver because he's a specter. So spoiler, but, but it, that, that was a, that was, it was, a, a, it was a, a good story. Then there's Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen's boss, Perry White. So this is like an, an oversized, it's, it's about like 50 pages in that. The problem I have with this is there's there's like a eight page story by Matt Fraction, Steve Lieber, and Nathan Fairburn. So they did Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, amazing, amazing series. You that awesome. It's hilarious. It's so well. I you know thank you Matt Fraction for writing this. It just cracks me up and just the art and the colors. It's everything is such so good. Um, I bought the trade paperback. I don't know where where that's at, but it's it's good stuff. The problem is that's it. It's just eight pages. Because then the the second page actually comes from Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. Um, I forget which issue from J- July 2019 issue. So if you've read that that series, you've already read this. Actually, it might, might have been the first or second issue. And then we have uh, a story from Action Comics 461 from 1976. Um, Action Comics 436, 1974. Uh, Superman 80-page giant, 2011. And Superman 18 from December 2019. I mean, for, for me, reading the... The two from the seventies that that'll be cool. I I stopped reading. Um, I didn't check those out yet, just because of time. But other than that, it's just like, yeah, you're only getting eight pages of Matt Fraction and Steve Lieber and Nathan Fairburn. But it's it's still it's 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 worth checking out, especially if you haven't read the other other ones. Um, Nightwing ninety three came out. This is just such a such a good series and. Um, so we have this. Oh, what's this heart guy? His evil, creepy dude. You know, blockbuster has this his sight set on Nightwing, but then this heart dude is like confronting blockbuster because you know they're both bad guys basically, and there's no basically about it. They are, and you know, Nightwing is still trying. You know, he has started his foundation to help you know those in need in the city, but of course, a lot of people don't like it. Blockbuster hates the idea and. And everything like that. So there's there's a lot of that. So it's just really well written. And you know, I always complain about Dick and Barbara, like their living arrangements, whatever. But she even at one point she's like, Oh, maybe you should stay at my place, or you know, because they aren't living together. So I thought she was moving in with him, or there's like something like that. So she it's it's mentioned that she's clearly still like in Gotham or the Gotham outskirts or whatever. So yeah, that was good. Then we have uh, the Flash 783. So with this, basically, it's the search for for Barry Allen. Um, it's it's been kind of interesting because Wally and Wallace, or Ace as he calls them, they've been been teaming up a lot lately. So we we um, have them together, and um, the first page is like crazy, and uh, they they finally decided they need to find. 
Barry Allen. So they're they're working with uh you know Mr. Terrific. You have Max Mercury. You have Jesse Quick. You have uh Jay Garrick. They're all gonna they they were able to like track down like some energy whatever vibes of Barry Allen and they pinpointed to like three different places. So they're gonna try to go there and see if they can get him. And they're gonna have like these little watch things that once they detect it, they you hit the button and it and opens up a portal and you come back home or something like that. So as they're they're preparing for this, Linda comes in with the two kids, and they're like, "Oh, we want to go too." They're like, "We have powers. We can do this or whatever like that." So what do the kids do? As as the adults are talking, they reach on a counter, and there's there happens to be two extra watch wrist things that they use, and you know they. they 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 take off on their own even though it's it's like this is a, the craziest thing and i know sometimes kids do crazy things without thinking but the the fact that they just do this and no one sees them and then like iris gets gets it's or iris linda gets mad at him she's like bring them back and mr terrific's like i can't they have to tap the screen manually and she's like is there a manual override or something mr not so smart guy and like Wally's like Linda, but it's it's like dude, okay, um, you you blame Mister Terrific for this? Why are you bringing kids into like a basically a superhero lab? And why are you just letting your kids run around, not keeping an item when you know that these kids do crap like this all the time? They just got back from their adventure where they snuck out when you're supposed to be watching them. So it's like, uh, I think you need to be keeping a better eye on your kids and then blaming someone else because your kids snuck off and stole this tech and used it without anyone seeing. So anyways, uh, but then we see like, it's it, we're, they're going through the multiverse and they have to try to find their Barry and not another version of Barry. And we're seeing other ones. And yeah, so it's not going to be that easy. Then there's a Dark Crisis, Young Justice, number one. And following a whatever recent, you know, Death Out of the Justice League, where, you know, everyone's in mourning that the Justice League are, are dead and stuff like that. But then something happens and Bart, because um, like there's a mention like, why isn't Bart here, you know, to help look for Barry? And they're like, I don't know. And this is why. So Bart, Tim, and Connor, like, disappear. And um, Cassie... Cassie Sandsmark, right? She's like, she notices, like, she's like, hey, where'd they go? And no, and the annoying thing is, like, no one cares. The adults are like, you know, she's like going up to him. She's like, uh, I can't find them anywhere. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, we're busy. You know, uh, Wally is like, yeah, we're busy. You know, they'll be fine. You know, don't bother us and type of thing. It's like, uh, it's, you're being kind of rude and that. And yeah, so then we see where they're at. They're, they're kind of like, in the past, they're like, wait, we've done this before. And they're like, I don't know if they're in a multi alt whatever. So it's, it's kind of interesting. And then there's this one, this one, um, I forgot her name, but she's basically a miss. I got to look her up. Oh, her name is the mighty endowed. And I don't remember her. So this, it might've been in young justice. Maybe I, I don't think I read like all the issues, whatever. Cause Tim's like, yeah, I remember this now. This was weird. And, and then Connor's like, not enough therapy in the world um, for this. So, because she, when she comes in, she's like, the mighty endowed will defeat you like I always have with these. And she kind of has like her, her, her fists up. 
So I was like, what? She talking about her, her fist? But then there happens to be like, <laughs> there, there always happens to be like, like smoke following her along. So the smokes are like, are kind of in front of her boobs. And she's wearing, you know, she has a, a it, there's a, a cut to the top, you know, so you, you, you can clearly see cleavage, but she, her boobs are covered, but the smoke is constantly covering like every single panel. Why is the smoke clean? There's no other smoke in this, this room, but there's, there's constantly like smoke around every single time they're fighting their smoke. They're fighting. It's, it's like the smoke is glued to her. So I don't know what what the it, it maybe it was in order to keep this comic with a let's see what's the rating on this you know maybe they wanted to keep it thirteen plus I don't think she had like a see through you know is is, is it erect nipples I don't know what what it's just it's weird that there's constant and again it's not necessary yet so there's there's no point you know you don't have to. It's just I don't know anything about the character. I guess I must have missed out, and it's it's just I, it's just kind of funny. Where okay, you're trying to hide it, but then you just have this magic smoke that's like glued to her costume. That's always always there. That's just how it is, I guess. Um, Catwoman forty four. I this was a this was a, a decent issue. Uh, you know, better than some of the ones in in the past, like in this this series, I've been kind of like they've been hit or miss with me. I really like Catwoman teaming up with Harley, and while Harley sometimes can be written a little annoyingly, uh, I, she was fine here. And then you know, Catwoman fighting Red Claw, and you know, because Black Mask is still trying to get revenge on on Catwoman. So I I like this all you know for for the most part like all around. It, it it was it was a fun issue and and just seeing the team up and all that. So check that out. Black Adam issue 1. This was a weird comic. So it's a 12 issue series. I I totally didn't even realize that this this comic was was coming. And that at first, when I was like, "When does this take place?" But of course, like one of the the first things it says, this takes place before the death of the Justice League. So with that, it's just like, ugh, I, and th- that's all fine, and everything like that. But then that that just kind of limits certain things that can or can't happen because we've seen Black Adam after this. So yeah, so you have that part. It's written by Priest and Rafa Sandoval does the the art. But the, the weird thing is, so this is 12 issues. Something starts happening to Black Adam, but he must get better from it because I, unless I'm totally forgetting or missed it, I don't think this was an issue later or in Justice League. I don't know. Then there's Batman The Night, issue six. So this is written by Chip Zdarsky and uh, the art by G- Giancomo Dio Nico. I am horrible with names. Um, uh, this is uh, Bruce Wayne in training. Yeah, we see when he he missed Ghostmaker. Is that his name? I'm I'm just losing it today. Every week, I'm always losing it. And uh, it's it's interesting, you know. There, there's kind of like at a crossroads, you know, things happen. And the the only problem I have is how when Bruce is meeting with all these different people training, he's he's pretty open. You know, he doesn't try disguising himself so much. Uh, and you know he's I don't know if he's said his full name but he's definitely you know uh, his name is Bruce so it would just be weird if all these people are gonna remember it's like oh 
yeah, Bruce Wayne, you trained for this. Bruce Wayne, why, why are you learning how to do this? And and everything like that. And then all of a sudden, Batman comes on the scene operating in the same town. I don't know. But there's that. Uh, Batman, uh, Superman, World's Finest, Issue 4. I, I really, I'm enjoying this. This uh, And this is a, the rare time where I'm embracing the out of continuity-ness of, of the book. Because you don't have to worry about other stuff. And, you know, going to Black Adam, if that was like out of continuity, then it's like, okay, here's a story. We can enjoy it. But with this, I, I know, and, and I'm, I'm going to be hypocritical where there are some exceptions. Because in some cases, I might be like, well, if this is out of continuity, quote unquote, what does it matter? It's not going to affect anything. But with the Superman and Batman, even though a lot of those like past series, um, they've they've kind of veered off into out of continuity, and it kind of bothered me because it didn't just felt like these are just throwaway stories. It's like okay, here's this adventure, has zero impact on the overall you know history of the characters. But here, this I, I maybe it's, it's just you know the, the creative team. It's it just it's. I, dare I say delightful? It's just really good. You know, Mark Wade. I, I like his his writing, and and I've been missing his. I don't know what he's been doing, and what or why I haven't been reading what he's been doing lately. And Dan Moore's like art is just so good, and uh, uh, Tamara Bond villain's colors. It this is just such a good looking book, and we have this interesting story, and you know, there's stuff going on, and we're seeing Batman and Superman fighting against Hal Jordan, and Hal Jordan has kind of been enhanced a little bit. So, you know, there, there's like stuff going on and uh, I just, I really, I, this is just such a good book. I'm just really enjoying it. And, and maybe part of it is because of my frustrations with certain thing where I, you know, that the fact that we don't kind of, we don't really have Superman in the comics. He's, he's on war world and like barbarian outfit and he's deep, depowered and, and you know I love Jonathan Kent, but I don't need Jonathan Kent to be Superman. You know, he give him another name. You know, if he's not going to be Superboy, which we don't need him to be Superboy because we have Connor. So I just I like this, and you know we have Supergirl here, we have Robin here. So it's just it's it's a really enjoyable book. Then there's Aquaman and the Flash, Void Song. I was hesitant. I'm going to fully admit it. When I saw this, I was like, okay. I like Flash. I'm okay with Aquaman lately. I'm I've been like super excited about Aquaman. I was like, do I really need to read this? You know, this is like a 50-page comic, and um, it's written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. I like most of their stuff. There's some stuff I'm just like, mm, okay. Um, the art is by Vasco Georgiev, which um, I'm not familiar, but it, it, the art is really good here. And then Rain Barreto does the colors, which Rain's art or colors is always always really good. So what's interesting here is we have different things. You know, it, basically, Flash and Aquaman are like the only heroes left. Every, everyone else kind of, I don't want to say falls under a spell, but like something happens to, to everyone. So they're trying to figure out. And there's a little tension. Aquaman, Aquaman, Aquaman. It's, I don't know. Every time I say Aquaman, it just sounds so weird. Aquaman is being just such a jerk. You know, it, this is like arrogant, loud, angry Aquaman. More like Jason Momoa, not really Jason Momoa, like Snyderverse Aquaman. I don't want to blame Jason Momoa for that. 
But and he, but he's he, Jason Momoa has been kind of happy, I guess, some most time. And he's just a very angry Aquaman, and uh, you know, they're just trying to do the right thing. And you know, Aquaman's all, all about his kingdom or his people. It's like, dude, you're not the only one affected by this. It's an interesting story seeing them team up, like the reluctance of Aquaman. But it's um, it's interesting. So I yeah, I don't know where where that's gonna go. So I, I'll I'll check out the the. The next issue. Over at Marvel. Oh, I gotta catch my breath. Um, Amazing Spider-Man issue four. Uh, I have to say, I'm not like super duper crazy about this like time jump and um just uh let's let's cake on more of the you know bad things that that happen, you know, the, the Peter Parker luck and, and all that. So things are bad. The, I, my, I think my big problem, aside from that, is just when we're getting Peter and Mary Jane back together, we have this time jump that's at least six months, because this is six months later. So there might it might be a little bit more than six months, but something happened. Everyone's mad at Peter Parker. You know he's in debt, probably from his hospital stuff. And you know Aunt May even feels betrayed a little bit, but you know she's still staying, you know, standing by his side. But the the fact that Mary Jane has like this other family, you know, she's with this other dude, she's living with this dude, and there's I think there was two kids, maybe at least one kid. The girl looks like her, what, and she calls her mom, which is so. Did she marry this guy? Did she just move in? I mean, that's that's pretty fast for six months, and then for this this kid to call her mom, I don't even know what's going on. And I know we'll find out, but it's just annoying. When it's just like, oh, just wait and see. And it's like, do you really know? I'm sure they do. But the other thing is like the whole Tombstone stuff. Like Tombstone's such a jerk. I've never been like a super Tombstone fan. I can respect him as a, as a villain. You know, he's fine. His connection to, to Robbie is, makes things a little, you know, interesting. Sets him apart from the others. But, you know, there's his his fight with, with the Rose. And he's trying to set him up. And um, Spider-Man practically demolished uh, last issue and yeah things uh things get get a little little dicey here then there's immortal immortal x-men issue three this is basically like the destiny um irene adler comic and i this is all kind of fascinating while i'm not super crazy about the whole krakoa stuff though you know there's a lot of reference to her past and the fact that you know she wrote these 12 books because I, I don't know if that was the 80s or if it was the 90s the whole thing the the books of destiny and you know all the stuff that was supposed to predict all all this stuff so the question is how much was written in there and i think it was mentioned that you know she kind of wrote some stuff in code so it's not like everything was perfectly laid out so there could be hints of Krakoa stuff in there that just wasn't easily interpreted in the beginning. But, you know, just, just seeing her knowing that, you know, like she knew she had to die in order for Krakoa to happen. And, you know, she couldn't let Mystique know that because Mystique, you know, wouldn't want that to happen under any means type of thing. So there's just a lot of stuff. And, and you know, she's has you know obviously more visions and you know she's seeing what's coming up and you know she knows what's coming and what has to come and uh, yeah so there's some interesting things and then just the whole fact what i don't what i don't like is how they're so anti moira mctaggart you know because of her powers that if she dies it resets the timeline or whatever and then you know she retains her memories and she starts over 
I don't know, but um, I, I, I'm, I'm digging this book. Knights of X. I'm not liking this as much. This is okay. I love the characters and everything. You know, I, I love Betsy Braddock. I love that, that Kyle, Kylan is here. Um, that we have uh, Meg, Megan, Megan from, from Excalibur. You know, there's a lot of this stuff, uh, of those, these characters. The fact that they're fighting Merlin and they're in Otherworld, mm, you know, I don't know about that. But, you know, we have Richter, we have Shatterstar, we have Rachel. Um, I, I love Rachel. I, I hope, I, I, I got it like a hint that they're trying to change something about Rachel. And I just, I don't f- think it's necessary. And I don't know. If, I, I hope they're not going to go there. Like Rachel and someone else, maybe. But, um, yeah, so now they're, they're trying to find a siege Perilius, which to me is always seems like it's bad news. But we'll, have, we'll see. And just the fact, I just, I don't like Merlin, you know, because he's just so evil and, and all this stuff. And Arthur, you know, whatever, just go away. <laughs> Maestro World War M. So this is basically Maestro versus Namor. Namor's kind of like unhinged, but he's he just wants to kill the Hulk because he blames Hulk for killing his family, and you know he's got this like giant shark man creature that's like attacking the city just to attack Hulk, Maestro, and everything like that. And Doctor Doom, you know he's he's in Latveria. He's kind of bummed after getting defeated and. He sees what's going on, and then we have abominations. Like, well, where is he? You know, sit on on this, and so there's some some. I, I like this issue. Then we have Miles Morales and Moon Girl issue one. All right, so I was a little confused with this. I'm not the I'm not the biggest Moon Girl expert, but what I got out of this, if, if her parents don't know about her superhero activities, I thought they did know. I thought they knew about her going out. I thought they knew about her like super intelligence. And I thought they knew about Devil Dinosaur. But it feels like they don't know any of that here because Moon Girl's out on patrol. And it almost looked like she was chasing after the Bodega Bandit from uh, Spider Woman from or Spider Gwen. So maybe this is the regular Earth counterpart version of, of him. But as she's chasing after this dude then devil dinosaur disappears and she's like wait where is he at and she figures he just took off or whatever like that so she as she's trying to track him down then she's like oh i need an excuse to get to the other side to brooklyn or whatever and and so she signs up she arranges it so she can do like an overnight tour of the the visions academy or whatever where guess who goes there miles morales so then there's like a team up between her and, and Miles, and so it, it, I, I like this. I mean, it, it was a fine book and everything. I was like, oh, you. I actually like Miles in here more than Miles, Miles What If comics and his current comic. But this was just a one shot issue because then next is going to be Moon Girl and I think Captain Marvel. So I think they're doing like a series of like single issues to continue the story, but. Yeah, it almost felt like that this is taking place further back in continuity because I I thought her parents knew. I read most of the Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur series, uh, but maybe I'm just not remembering correctly. Miles Morales, Spider-Man issue 39. I feel like I didn't read issue 38 because it starts off where Miles finds like this old, old man Peter Parker 
who's been drained and everything like that. And so he's like in an alternate timeline. Everyone's like kind of older and stuff. And yeah, I am not really digging it so much. Moon Knight issue 12. Uh, so we have, you know, Moon Knight is fighting Zodiac. I just feel like Zodiac is just like so amped up that this this fight has been going on too long. It's like Moon Knight should have dealt with them already. So things are happening or anything like that. Issue that I have, and this so this is kind of a spoiler. So, you know, at the end, blah, 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 things happen. And Moon Knight gets a hold of, of Zodiac and... and uh, Zodiac or Moon Knight's like I'm gonna put an end to him, and and he's in front of his uh his that the vampire girl that he saved because you know she's angry she wants to kill him for something that Zodiac did but he's like no you can't do that because once you do that once you come and kill it you go down a different road or whatever like that he's like so I'll do it I'll put an end to him because it's the only way blah 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 all this stuff like that but then Moon Knight gets stopped by Stephen Grant so I'm like what. So it's it's like wait is this Disney Plus Moon Knight episode seven? His he doesn't his personas don't like take over his body and prevent him from doing something like it was in the TV show. So it kind of bothers me. I mean, unless I've just totally missed it. And you know, part of also like going back and reading like the the first issues of Moon Knight, you know, on the Secret Podcast. He he had his different personas, but there was a reason for them. And he had, he would get into character type of thing. And he you know Marlene's like, oh, who am I having breakfast with today? Type of thing, because you know he just gets in his role. But it wasn't like a different persona taking over. It's just like, okay, this is what I'm going to do now. I have to go out hit the street. So this is Jake now. I'm getting ready to go in the cab and do all that. So here we have where Moon Knight. Mark or whoever is about to kill someone, and then Steven's like, "Oh, you can't do that. You you can't do this in front of her because that'll change the way she looks at you. Whatever." It's like <sighs> I, I don't know. And then I, I was looking at like on Reddit to see like what the Moon Knight people on there, and there was this one post that someone put, and I was like, "Oh, this was great. I loved it. I loved it." So it's like, all right, and uh, you know, I know on Reddit, I I've, I assumed that there'd be like hardcore fans because. You know, there was a lot of, and maybe not because there was a lot of new fans that started going on Reddit because of the show. Awesome, that's that's great. You know, you found a, a place to go where you know everyone can talk about their love for the character or whatever. But it just seems, and maybe I should go back and find that post and and see if there's any. But it felt like all the comments, and there's like only maybe like five or six at that point. It seemed like everyone really dug it like what happened that development and that you know people have been enjoying jed mckay's series and i've been too but it's just i i was expecting people to be like hey wait a minute this isn't how it works in the comics i mean am i just totally wrong remembering and and i and obviously you know characters change and evolve over time but yeah i just wasn't super crazy about that but other than that, I, I love the series. I absolutely, absolutely love the series. I just didn't like that last part. New Fantastic Four issue one. So this is another comic where I'm like, uh, you know, do I want to read this? Whatever. So it's written by Peter David, and um, the art is by Alan Robinson and Mike Spicer. 
this takes place shortly after the new Fantastic Four appearance was like 462 or something. I guess I can. I'm not going to look it up. You, you can look it. So we have like uh, Joe Fixit, Hulk, Hulk uh, Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Ghost Rider. So the two issues where they became Fantastic Four, stuff happens that kind of drives them together. And, and, you know, this is shortly after that. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll read the, the rest of however many issues this is. But, you know, the fact that this takes place like shortly after that. So it's one of those where like, okay, obviously there's not going to be any huge ramifications off of this because we've never heard about it that you know that's all fine because you know i i liked what peter david's been doing with with uh maestro with with all this you know world war hulk or whatever stuff and what he's been doing with uh spider-man in black and black costume you know we're, we're getting these other adventures that could have taken place back then but sometimes it just feels like, okay, because you're limiting this time period, again, nothing drastic can happen. Because otherwise, they might be like, man, that was crazy last week when I did all this. And it's like, nope, it wasn't, wasn't that memorable. New Mutants uh, 26. So th- this uh, this was, was okay for me. Um, the the art, art was good. But just the whole limbo stuff and... Yeah, so uh, I don't know. It just it. I didn't really feel it. What else I didn't feel was a uh, Punisher War Journal Blitz. So I'm not familiar with this creative team. So it was, it was written by Torun. I don't know how to say this. Gronbeck, but the O is like a capital O with a line through it, and there's two K's. Um, Land Medina does the art. So basically. This is current Punisher as leader of the hand. He's going after like this weapons dude, hate monger, whatever, this other guy. I don't think this is like regular hate monger. I don't know if this is a different hate monger. And there's like a connection to Frank's past and everything like that. But it's just basically Frank going after like an arms dealer or like a bad guy. And uh, it just... It's weird because like we had the regular Punisher series, so this yeah awesome. Let someone else get a chance to write the character and tell a story about this current you know new status quo or whatever. But I don't feel like it added anything necessarily, and it's just like man, did I just pay for that? You know, there there's that question: is it worth it? It's you know it's a it's a fine story. You know, it's entertaining if if you're like really into Punisher, yeah, definitely check it out. If you really like what's going on, you know, check it out. But I just didn't like. I feel like a few months from now, I'll I'll forget about this this issue. And I hate to say that, but again, I'm I'm just being honest about it. Silver Surfer Rebirth issue five. This has been another one. You know, it's Ron Mars and Ron Lim. I loved when they were working on Silver Surfer. You know, this great so much so many great stories, great art. This series, this is another one because it takes place back in that era. It's almost like it's confined or constrained to, you know, what happened shortly after that between the issues or whatever. This is when this is supposed to take place. That there's there's nothing really major that can happen, even though you know we we see some pretty crazy things. And the end of the arc has anything you know big happened or changed? I mean, kind of not really because it just goes back, but. But it, it was it was it was fine, you know. It, I for me it was more so like the nostalgia of going back. Star Wars Crimson 
Rain, issue five. So this is, I believe this is the final issue of this Crimson Rain story. And basically, uh, Lady Cora from the solo series have been kind of establishing her thing, you know, playing like all the different sides and just trying to manipulate different things. And Palpatine finally gets a word of this and, you know, he's not, not too happy. And, um, it's setting up, there's going to be another crimson something after this. So it, it's fine. I'm really curious to see like wh- where we're going with this character. And I'm not super crazy about seeing the Knights of Ren here because they seem like dorks. And on part of it is, I don't know, like the, their designs, I, something about them that just don't, don't really get me excited. Like when we had the, the tease of them and, the last Jedi or whatever force awake no force awakens I don't know so we'll see but I, I'm really curious to see what's gonna what where Lady Quora is gonna go and I hope they don't just like randomly kill her off because you know since we haven't seen her she whatever then there's X Men issue twelve um, this felt like this is the last issue and uh, you know they the the main team takes on you know a big threat you know in game world. But then we also see stuff with uh, Cyclops and um, and Ben Urich, the whole like the fact that he know, knows the X Men secret about resurrection or immortality or whatever. And then there's uh, stuff with Doctor Stasis. So I don't know when Doctor Stasis was revealed. Was it last issue or was it this issue? So we find out who Doctor Stasis is. Doctor Stasis is has this agenda against mutants and X Men, and he's in that. Um, or Oriasis, whatever thing. So to me, that's like, holy crap, this is kind of like an ongoing thing. There, There's definitely going to be like big repercussions from that. But they're also looking like we may be getting a new team. So I, I think they're going to put it, maybe it's going to be at the Hellfire Gala. There's going to be another vote. And then, yeah, because some of, some of the, members are i'll stick around i'll stick around others like yeah i gotta go do this but if you need me type of thing so we'll see but yeah i I did i really like like that issue it just i i've been yeah i I love the first few issues and then kind of like in the middle it's it's been it was good but it was just like okay but then this last issue just something about it it just it just really i really enjoyed it and uh I really enjoyed talking about comics this week, but that's going to be... It. Somehow that that went long. I think it was like all those image books. I don't know. But that's comics for the week. With Superman and Lois, Season 2, Episode 14, World's War Bazaar. So we're getting close to the end of the season. <laughs> and the reason I laugh, the fact that like the main villain is this Allie Alston, this this woman who was just like, kind of had like a cult. I guess, you know, that's that's a threat, but the fact that she's gained so much power is just ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, Superman is just demolished. Uh, Lois wakes, she's um, sleeping in a chair next to Clark's bed in the hospital. He starts to wake up, and then he, like, says her name, and she's like, oh, you're back. So then at the farm, the boys are sitting at the kitchen table. Jordan hears that they're they're, they're coming. So they, they put their phones down, but then both phones glitch for a second. They miss it. Outside, they they hug their dad. He gets out of the car. He's like winded, just getting out. And Lois is like, he's gonna be okay. But then he like stumbles going up the steps, and he's he's like, oh, I'm not getting better. But Lois is like, well, the, you know, the DOD said that Allie completely drained 
your solar energy. It'll take time for you to get better. He's like, no, he's like, something's wrong. He's like, the sun's not recharging me. So he's like, I need to see my mom to find out why. So Jonathan nudges Jordan. He's like, oh, you're going to have to fly him. He's like, to the fortress? What if I lose control or crash or something? I don't even know how to land. And, and with dad like this, I, I don't know if I can do it. And Lois is like, it's okay. She's like, you don't have to. She's like, we can ask John Henry. So John Henry and Natasha are talking about Allie being some sort of energy vampire. Nat points out that his suit didn't have any exposed wires or anything like that, and she still absorbed his powers. So they need to figure out how her powers work so they can defend against it. There's a knock on the door, and it's Clark. John Henry is like, oh, it's good to see you on your feet. And he's like, oh, it wouldn't be if it wasn't for you two. And then he thanks Nat again. He's And you know she's like, the world needs Superman. So she says you know, they're, they're trying to figure out how Allie steals powers. Clark says that he was wondering the same thing, which is why he stopped by. He says if you know John Henry's up for a little trip, he might know someone who can help out. So um, it's morning. Alana's a little cranky with Sarah because she isn't ready to leave. She's like, come on. And she's like, go get dressed. And, and then Sophie yells from the other room, Mommy, there's a scary lady on TV. <laughs> it's like, how old are you? <laughs> and uh, Allie's addressing everyone. But it, I mean, it's all red and it's kind of glitchy. So she's addressing everyone somehow, hacked into, I guess, all the communications. And, you know, she says that there's just one thing left for us to do, merge both Earths into one. And Sarah comes in. She's like, who's that? Lana's like, I don't know. So, so people are probably like, what the heck are you talking about? At the Gazette, Chrissy Beppo is getting frustrated because her computer is glitching out. And then Lois comes in. So she's like, how's Superman? And Lois like, she says, uh, oh, it looks like he's going to be okay. And Chrissy's like, wait, what, what's that mean? Is he still hurt? And Lois is like, I don't have all the details. And Chrissy's like, well, we'll just publish what I have. And Lois is like, wait. Chrissy's like, well, we both saw what Allie did. If she could do that to Superman, you know, what chance do the rest of us have? You know, it, it's not going to stop until she combines both everyone from the other Earth to this Earth. So it's their job to warn people. Lois is like, yeah, but it's not our job to create panic. Chrissy says that, well, we don't get to curate the news, so we can't determine how people react. I, I mean, the thing is, is it because she wants to tell the news or is it because she wants to get the hits on her website you know, or her for her newspaper? Because I'm sure it's not about physical paper. I don't know. So she's like, you know, all we can do is report what we, we know. And then her computer flickers again. And she's like, oh, it's been doing this all morning. So Lois kind of looks at it as a flickers and then it kind of changes and everything's backwards. And there's this article on there. So if you read it backwards, Alston's Deadly Faith. And there's like some stuff about it. Superman talks to his mom at the, at the fortress. He mentions that he's been powerless. She says that she knows why. So she, she must have scanned him. His cells have been severely damaged. They've been altered. So until they heal and can absorb energy, he's going to remain how he is now. So it's hard to be certain for how long. It's just like when he arrived, you know, when he was an infant, his cell needed time to adjust. Clark thinks about this. He's like, um, I didn't develop powers until I was four. And he's like, there has to be a way to speed this up. Well, she's like, well, perhaps there is one. It just requires... And then she starts glitching out too. Because <laughs> I guess she's just a... Even though she's a Kryptonian hologram crystal thing, I guess she's just another piece of tech. And there was something like, you could die, Cal. <laughs> and John Henry gets his attention. He, outside, the, you can see the sky's turning red. And you see like a, a red cube out in the sky. 
Chrissy and Lois see the changes in Sky 2, as do Lana, Sarah, Sophie, the boys, and Kyle. He's in town, all people in the streets. So they, they can see... I, at first, I was like, is that Bizarro World they see in the sky? Or is it, I guess it's the Bizarro World sun that they see that's also a cube? I don't know. Sam arrives at the farm. Lois is there now. Satellite data is, is inconclusive. Lucy is co- cooperating with analysts, but she only knows what Allie wanted her to know. So you know, she, Lucy doesn't have all, all the answers. John Henry and Clark arrive. He tells them that inside they you know they sit around the table his mother said there's really nothing that they could do his powers uh should come back but it could take weeks months or maybe even longer so what do they do now john henry says that he and nat can go up and get some readings from the red sun sam's like well you'll have full support from the dod he's like whatever you need lois gets a text chrissy set up a meeting with lana because she wants to go public with everything that she knows sam's not happy he says that he's like i knew we shouldn't have brought her when we were tracking lucy but lois like I think she's right. And as is, is she's saying that just to, to earn some points with Chrissy, I don't know. And Sam says that the DOD is already coming up with the cover story as they speak. Clark's like, well, we can't keep lying to people. Sam's like, yeah, we can. And he tells Lois, he's like, shut her down. And then he leaves. Lois tells the boys it's going to be okay. She wants them to stick together. And then Jordan, um, she tells Jordan, keep his ears on high alert. Because if he hears anything, tell her dad right away. So they, they kind of leave. Clark's being all mopey. He's like, oh, the world needs my help. And uh, what, am I taking a sick day? Lois is like, uh, she's like, it's like you said, there's always another way. You just need to find it and fast. There's a news report at the diner. People are watching it. There's a meteorological event sparks concern. Um, there's they're like, this is a rare thing. The DOD has mentioned sunlight refracting off atmospheric ice particles. It makes it look like there's a second sun. People are arguing both sides. They're like, oh, yeah, right. They're like, well, why would they lie? And stuff like that. Lana drops the, the girls off with Kyle because she has her meeting. You know, she's going to hold a, a like a town hall meeting in the gym because they don't have a town hall. But, you know, she has to take care of some stuff before because, you know, meet with Chrissy first, I guess. John Henry and Nat fly out. The red sun is apparently putting out less than 3% of the total solar radiance of their normal sun. So Sam's like, is it a mirage? And Nat's like, no, it's real. The energy is growing fast. So it's shifting in from the other universe. Sam says that they need to identify the energy source that's driving it. Clark, um, he gets up. He's upset because there's nothing he can do. Sam's like, well, don't beat yourself up over this. He's like, you know, the only reason Allie's able to do this is because he stopped to save his life. So... You know, Sam's like, if you wanna, if you want, you can blame me. And Clark's like, saving a life is never a mistake, especially yours. So that was a nice kind of touching moment. Lana talks to Chrissy about the news report. So you're saying none of that is true? And Chrissy's like, not a word. And you can prove that. Lois comes in. She's got this big binder. She's like, yeah, but it's not exactly like reading. So then Lana asks, is this actually happening? You know, after they read through stuff. Our world is combining with another? Then Lana asks Lois, like, have you talked to Superman? Because, you know, she knows Clark's Superman now. She's like, is there anything that he can do about this? And Chrissy's like, no. No, there isn't. And she's like, why? Lois says because Allie attacked him and she stole his powers. And then Lana's like, is he okay? Because, again, she's asking about Clark. Lois says that he will be in time, but we can't count on him to save us. And Lana's like, well, why are you telling me this? You know, to keep lying to the public? Lois says that there is times that she withheld facts to protect people. Sometimes it was the right decision and sometimes people got hurt. 
So she's arming Lana with this information. So as mayor, it's up to her to decide what to do with it. Jordan's like listening to Clark's heartbeat. Uh, him and Jonathan are on the porch. He tells Jonathan that his heart is just weak. And he's like, watch. He's like, dad, dad. And he's like, he can't even hear him. But then uh, Jordan does hear something. He's like, get inside. Rushes to Clark. Bizarro Lana lands right where he was sitting. And Jordan's like, stay stay away from my dad. She zips up to him, slams Jordan back with her hand. So it's like she's grabbing him by the throat, like choking him. She headbutts him, and then her eyes start glowing white. And Clark's like, stop, stop. He's like, take me. And so she lets Jordan go. And then uh, the irons land, Nat and John Henry. And so she takes off because I guess she got scared. John Henry t- says that they have bigger problems than her to worry about. He says that according to their calculations, they have less than 12 hours until the merge happens. Nat says, uh, must be a subatomic merging, you know, something like that. But from a subjective standpoint, if you merge, you die. John Henry says that they seem, there seems to be a distinctive energy flow that's coming from the Schuster mines. So Sam, he's like, well, why don't we just blow it up? And Nat's like, well, we scanned the mines. There's nothing there with, with, Allie's level of power. So Sam says, well, then, you know, where the heck is she? Clark's like, she's on the other side of the portal. And John Henry says that he'll go down to mines. And that's like, no, we'll both go. So Clark's like, asks, what, what can I do? And John Henry's like, just stay here and keep everyone calm, which Clark doesn't like that. So Lana's like, she's in her office. She's thinking Kyle comes in. She's like, where's the girls? He's like, oh, they're in the lobby. He's like, I thought that, you know, we should talk first, whatever. So she asks him, she's like, what's better, knowing something terrible is going to happen or not knowing and be able to live without the worry weighing you down? And then she, you know, she says she doesn't know what to do. Uh, he says it, it depends on who you're trying to protect and who has to be the one to, to tell the bad news. So she, you know, then she's kind of like, is this why you didn't say anything about Tanya, the one he cheated on her? And he says, well, there's that. And it, he was also ashamed. He knew it was wrong, but it was like, if you you know you have a secret and then it starts to feel like it isn't real, so the, the lie you create becomes the actual truth. So she says she's like you knew I'd find out eventually. He's like yeah everyone always does you know everyone always finds out eventually. You just have to be brave enough to tell when it actually matters. So he suspe- uh, he wasn't but he suspects that Lana is. So she wants to talk to the girls before the town hall. Lois rushes home. Jordan's upset because he almost let Dad get killed. Because uh, Bizarro Lana totally kicked his butt. Lois is like, it's not your job to protect your dad from people. He says, it's a good thing because I can't. And he's like, well, what if she comes back? So Lois um, says that everyone is in the town is terrified. Lana is trying to figure out what to say to the people at the town hall. Clark says that she shouldn't have to deal with this. Lois is like, but she's the mayor. And he's like, yeah, but you know, she, I should be able to handle this. And then Lois is like, then do it. He's like, well, I can't. I don't have my powers. Lois is like, you're more than just your powers. You know, you say people look to you to, to save them. And I'm, she's like, no, they look to you for hope. You inspire. You inspire me and the boys every day. She's like, it's not because he's strong or because he can fly. It's because of his heart. And he's like, I don't want to give people false hope. She's like, then don't. You know, just go out there and just be Superman. So at the town hall, the high school gym... <laughs> Lana's talking. She says that the red sun is real. Then someone, of course, so they lie to us? You know, they interrupt and get all annoying. She says that she doesn't want want to do that. 
she wants them to be prepared. There's another world like theirs, an inverse world, and it's the sun from another world. Something wants to merge their world with ours, uh, and then the the old mayor and other people start laughing at her. She says that you know soon they'll see people from the other world, doppelgangers, and she needs them to understand that they must avoid them at all costs. And she says that they have to trust her. So the old mayor, of course, he's like, trust you? And Chrissy's like, it's the truth. Then he's like, then why haven't you published it in, this in your paper? And Lana's like, because I asked her not to. She's like, Alana's like, I wanted you to hear it from me first. And he's like, oh, the two of you are in cahoots. She tells him that they're trying to save lives. And he's like, looks like that job is best left to Superman, Ms. Mayor. So then, then you know, people are laughing and whatever stuff. He's like, unless your plan, you, you plan on flying in and saving the day. And, you know, the crowd keeps laughing and just making comments. Lana finally says, Superman's not coming. It starts getting a little quiet. The old mayor is like, what's that now? And she's like, Superman has lost his powers. He will not be coming to save us today. So the dork's like, well, that's convenient. I suppose that means we'll have to rely on you to save us. And he talks to the crowd. And he's like, well, the problem's obvious. It's like, our mayor doesn't have real answers. It's just the frightened talk of someone who's in way over her head. Kyle's like, hey, that's enough, George. And George is like, we need answers for someone we can trust. Then from the back of the gym, maybe I can help with that. So Superman's there. Jordan and Jonathan ask Sarah, they're like, are you okay? And she's like, I'm not sure. She's like, but that's Superman. Because, you know, she's not used to seeing him all the time. And they're like, yeah, our mom's been investigating this for weeks. And Superman walks up to the front. He's like, Mayor Lane. He kind of gives like a little wink. So he says, he's like, I hope by now you all know me as a friend. As a friend, I've come to assure you that your mayor is telling you the truth about everything. But that doesn't mean everything is lost. He's like, you, you know, they all saw this, what this town was capable of last year, the way they all protected each other. He knows that they can do it again. That starts by listening to their leader. He knows because she's there for them. She's not there for her own, just for her own interests. And he looks right at the old mayor when he says that. And he kind of like <laughs> shrinks down a little bit. So then he gives the floor back to Lana. So she says the best thing to do is to go home, surround yourself with family or loved ones. Beware of anyone who doesn't seem like themselves. The people from the other world may look just like them, but they have their own agenda. So she's like, stay by the people you love and we'll get through this together. So then she says, thank you to Superman. Nat finishes, uh, you know, she's spraying like XK reinforcing on, on John Henry's suit. The AI asks if it should power up the suits and he's like, no, just mine. Then he's like, initiate protocol vapor lock. And that suit kind of glows blue. So he safeguarded her suit. He's like, sorry, but you're not coming. She's like, don't do this. He says that, you know, he's going to go through the portal to stop Allie and he'll be right back. And she's like, the last time you said that I lost you, I think she said for six months. He's like, it's different. He's like, we, you know, we have family now. We have the Kents. They, you, know, you need to be here to protect them. He says that her suit is on a, on, a, on a time limit, you know, on a timer, 10 minutes. He's like, I should be back. So help him by staying at the comms to guide him back. He's like, you know, we're still a team. We always will be. And he's like, he says that he loves her. And then he goes, flies out, signal loss as soon as he enters the portal. Kyle tells Lana she played it exactly right. You know, the room was ready to go off. She's like, well, I had some help. And, you know, then she's like, well, I'm going to go, you know, track down Sarah. She's like, then we'll meet at home. And then he's kind of like, you see there's a little like, she said home, like 
him going there too. So that was a good thing. Then Bizarro, Lana, and Jonathan land behind her as she enters the school. So Bizarro, Jonathan says backwards, they're here. And then he he can hear Superman inside. So <sighs> takes a hit from his inhaler because he's he's a little wimpy drug addict. John Henry's flying through the portal. Then you know he gets there's like some some impact or whatever. You know he's kind of like thrown around. Signal returns. He tells Nat that he's in the void be- between the portal and he sees Allie. He's like you know we we don't have much time. Sarah's talking to Jordan inside. And she says that the thing with the two worlds sounds so crazy. And he's like, oh, you don't know half of it. And she's like, is this why you've been, you know, you're so distracted? He's like, oh, some of it. She's like, why don't you just tell me? And he's like, oh, I, I wanted to, but none of it was my decision. And she says, she's like, well, I can handle it. And then Lana enters the, the hallway. Sarah's like, whatever it is, I can handle it. And then, you know, so Lana must have heard this. Lana looks at Jordan and he like, he shakes his head like, no, I didn't say anything. Then Lana's like, Sarah's like, we have to go home. And then Bizarro Lana appears from the other side of the hallway. And Sarah's like, oh my God. So Jordan's like, no. And Sarah's like, what are you doing? You can't. And then Jordan looks at her. His eyes are glowing red. Run. And then Jordan charges at, at Bizarro Lana. Um, Sam, I, I don't know if he was always in the gym, but he's there with Lois, Jonathan, and Superman. Sam says, he, he hears something like, that doesn't sound good. Then Bizarro Jonathan says, oh, it's not. Superman's like, you're not going to hurt my family. And Bizarro Jonathan laughs. He's like, what are you going to do about it? He's like, you don't have powers. So Sam and Lois are like, oh, you're, you're, you know, you don't have to do this. You're better than this. He's like, oh, well, I'll be better soon, except for him, except for Superman. He's like, that's the irony. He's like, if my dad was still alive, then you could have merged. He's like, you could have fixed him, could have made him whole. But I guess since he's dead, you might as well be too. So he flies at Superman, knocks him back against the stage. John Henry still flying to Alley. He locks target, shoots a missile at her. Boom! He laughs. But then um, she's turned around, and she kind of sends a blast back at him and knocks him back hard. Connection's lost. He's just, like, tumbling through the void. Bizarro Jonathan's knocking Superman around, tells him that he should at least put up a fight. Jonathan says, uh, regular Jonathan's like, leave him alone. And he's like, what are you going to do, cry about it? Sam draws a gun on Bizarro Jonathan, but he he zaps it with his ice vision, and then he grabs Superman by the throat, and he's like he tells him that they've lost. Bizarro, Lana, and Jordan are fighting. She sends him flying back, and he's like, pathetic. And then Jordan hears, "Please don't hurt him." You know, Lois is like yelling, so he gets ready, slams Lana, boom, 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 like back and forth through the walls in the hallway, and then they're like they crash through the gym. Bizarro Jonathan looks up and then lets Superman go. So Jordan's like on top of her and uh, then her eyes light up. So Jordan turns his head, uh, turns her head and then her beams zap Bizarro Jonathan. So he's able to get the the hit, just the timing, just right. He whips her to the side and he he goes to his dad and then you're like behind you. So Bizarro Jonathan shoots ice vision at Jordan, which uh, meets Jordan's heat vision. So it's like, like, you know, they're going up against each other. Nat tries getting contact with her dad. The AI says the suits on her suits unlocked, but the sensors have detected a superhuman attack in their vicinity. So she's either going to have to go rescue her dad or go rescue people with the superhuman activity. So the eye blast battle stops. They're both like, they catch their breath. Bizarro Lana zips up, punches Jordan 
And then uh, Bizarro Jonathan joins in. So they're both about to blast him. And then Nat shows up. So she decided to go after to help them. Jonathan moves towards her and she knocks out his legs with her hammer and slams him in the back with it. And then she throws it. She whips it at Lana. This is bad. Because then she sidesteps and it's, it, um, it's heading at Jordan. But then he grabs it. He spins around and slams Lana with the hammer. The DOD arrive. They carry them away. So they're like bound up or whatever. Dampeners, all that stuff. Sam comes up to Clark and Lois says that they took down two of Allie's acolytes, but they still have no idea how to stop her. They've lost contact with John Henry and he'd feel a lot better if they could, uh, if he could get them to secure location. Clark says that they're going to take Lana's advice and go home with the people they love. And Lois says she's that Sam should come with him, but he's like, there's more to do at the DOD. So, you know, just like keep the boys safe. She's like, they're not so bad in a fight. Are they Clark tells Jordan he did real good. Where's Nat now? Jordan says that um, he's like listening. He's he found her. So she's at at the farm. She's staring at the computer. She's got tears. They all come home. They sit with her. Clark's like, that's twice you saved my life now. And you know she's just nods at him, doesn't say anything because you know she's just so upset. And then she says, uh, she's like, you know, when you guys invited my dad and me to stay with you, I thought it was a mistake. When I moved out, I was so stoked to have our own place, and now here we are and it's the end of the world and I'm staying here because I don't know where else to go. Clark's like, it's not the end of the world. And Lois is like, you know, you can always stay with us, you know, as long as you want. She like looks at Lois for a second and then she's like, I can't locate my dad. And she's like, I just have this feeling that I'm never going to see him again. And Lois, she's like, Nat, your dad is a hero. It's like, I know it's scary, but he's out there fighting for us. You got to believe that he'll come back. She's like, and she's like, I do. So, and then Nat just goes into Lois's arm. John Henry's still floating. He's unconscious. Sarah's sitting in her car with, with Lana. She's like, you knew, didn't you? You knew Jordan had powers. You didn't even flinch when you saw him. His eyes, that, that way, he's like, you've known for a while. And when you disappeared for six hours, you didn't go for a walk. You were covering for something because the next day I felt like you were going to tell me something. But you just pulled away. She's like, that's when you found out, isn't it? And Lana nods. And she's like, yeah. Then Sarah's like, why didn't you tell me? And she's like, because I wanted you to have a normal life. Sarah's like, that's bull, mom. Jordan said that some of the decisions weren't his to make. I know him. I know he's been wanting to tell me something. And this is it, isn't it? And she's like, mom, I broke up with him. I wouldn't have if. And she's like, you should have just told me. And she gets out of the truck, like walking in. She's like, it would have made a difference. And Kyle's like, what's going on? And Lana's like, let me handle this. And then she's like, Sarah, and you know, they're in the other like in, in the other room or something like that. She's like, What? Lana's like, We're not finished. And she's like, No, I don't want to talk to you. And Lana's like, Well, then you better listen. So Sarah kind of rolls her eyes a little bit. And Lana's like, That secret you learned is important in ways you don't understand. And I need you to promise that you will not say anything to anyone. What are you talking about? And then the world starts flickering. And she's like, What's going on? So I don't know if Sarah really put two and two together. She knows that Jordan has powers, but I don't think it's necessarily sunk in that Clark is Superman. You know, it's it's if if Tag somehow got powers, it's still possible that Jordan could have gotten powers from the the cave. You know, whatever the XK stuff. So she doesn't necessarily know, but it shouldn't be that hard to figure out. 
So in town, like trucks are flickering back and forth. Chrissy's computer changes like from a laptop to an old iMac or whatever, like the big color thing. A mug at Lana's changes from like Smallville rats into like a cube that's uh, or from the, the Smallville crows to Smallville rats, but it's like a cube instead of a mug shape. Lana and Sarah come like out of the kitchen. Lana asks Sophie, like, where's your dad? And she's like, I don't know. So something happened to Kyle. And then Lois asks at their place, she's like, what happened to our home? And Clark's like, uh, this is the ho- their home from the other earth. Cause there's like dishes everywhere. Things are busted, whatever. And we see Allie in between. She just smiles and that's the end season finale next week. So we'll have to see how they stop Allie. Cause Superman is basically powerless. So he's not gonna be able to do it. So I don't know. Then the flash season eight, episode 19 negative part one. So it starts off Central City 2049. Bart and Nora are about to play. They're about to play some video games, some like virtual real. It's it seems like it should be way more modern. And it's weird because they have a headset, but it's only covering one eye. Oh, whatever. So I guess they don't have any other friends. They're always hanging out together, which is great. You know, that's sweet. But uh, Nora ends up kicking his butt, even though she doesn't know anything about the game. Uh, Bart gets a little upset. Then an incoming call comes in. It's, it's from their mom. So Bart zips into like a college sweatshirt, has all his books in his hand. And then Holo Iris appears over the phone. And um, it's it's whatever. It's, she's just, or he's like, like, oh, it's funny you called because I just pulled an all-nighter. And she's like, no, you didn't. And this, I hated this part. Nora looks at him and she's like, don't try to fool someone who won two Pulitzers. It's like, that's so stupid. It, and okay, so, oh, Iris got two Pulitzers for doing what? Does she even write anything anymore? And when did she ever become like, <sighs> you know, it's like all she does now is like a podcast. And, you know, sometimes she doesn't even do that. And now she's not even in the present. Anyways, Iris tells Nori, tells Nora. <laughs> that her last story did so well that she'd like to ask her to do to write a follow-up. So we know Nora was going to become a writer, but I guess she's working for mommy now. Okay. So she's like, yeah, it's like, when's the deadline? Iris starts to answer and then dissolves into like a bunch of green particles, cubes or whatever. So like still for stuff. Then Iris reappears in her living room and it's like modern day Iris in the 2049. So they're like, what's she doing here? So the last thing she remembers is being in her office with Taylor. Then she was lost in time stream. Uh, So where's Barry now? He's off world with Uncle Jay conveniently. So Nora, she's like, okay, well, I better get you back to 2022. So she, you know, takes her hand, goes run, but then they kind of like bounce back. They're still there. Nora's like, I've seen those particles before. I think the still force is keeping you here. And Bart's like, why would Dion do that? And then Iris gets one of her, ah, one of her like big headaches or whatever. In the present day, Mina she gets this new suit. So it's a it's 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 pretty slick looking. It's a black like flash suit, and she she's like, why do I have to wear something like this? And I think she's probably a little reluctant because it's like so skin tight and everything like that. But Barry's like, oh, it it monitors your vitals and allows us to communicate with each other and keeps us safe in case something happens. It's like, okay, really? Or did you just want to see her in the suit? 
they start doing some training. Um, you know, she's like running like on a super treadmill thing. So she's going double her last speed. She's pushing herself. You know, she's like at 1.7, but she wants to get the Mach 2. Eobard's like, oh, that's too much. She ends up going, goes flying off the treadmill, slams into some equipment. And Eobard's like, what were you thinking? He's like, you know, speed healing doesn't make you invincible. And she's like, don't you think I know that? And it's like, yikes. And then it's kind of awkward. You know, Barry and Chester are like, Mm-hmm. and then she's like i'm sorry she's like you're right she's like i'm a disaster she runs off Barry's like oh, i'll talk to her so he goes after her she runs off she goes into like some alley and by you know just some dumpsters kicking some garbage bags barry somehow is able to find her right away and she's like she says she appreciates everything that he's done for her but she's not ready for this blah 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 whatever and she says that she doesn't have what it takes. He's like, well, I think you do. And she's like, look, I'll never be the person you are. So Flash reveals his identity. Takes off his... He, his mask comes off. And he's like, Barry Allen, CSI. And she's like, surprised. She's like, so the fastest man alive is a badge with a day job? That's so... And Barry's like, ordinary? He's like, that's the point. He'd be surprised at what people's or when their capacity to rise up, you know, happens. He's like, you, you just need the opportunity. He's like, the suit is your opportunity. You'll be surprised at how well it fits. <laughs> Which is like, okay. And then, she, you know, she just has to give herself a chance. And she's like, fine. She's like, I have a suit. Now I just need a name. And he's like, you already have one. Fast Track. Because it's Fast Track Labs. And she's kind of thinking, she's like, I don't know if I, 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 I kind of like the name for my lab. I don't it just it's always weird it's like hey fast track should we go get a pizza it just seems like a weird name at the argus supermax prison deanne's talking to thon he's like so or deanne says that you know he's he's there to fulfill his destiny then he's like well first get me out of prison and then get me my speed back and deanne's like oh yeah you'll get everything you deserve and thon's like and what's this gonna cost me deanne's like just one thing your life snaps no he dissolves into green particles and then there's like a mummified corpse left on the floor and Deanne just smiles like a maniac so uh i guess that's the end of tom kavanaugh reverse flash he's dead now he's been mummified he's like just old and whatever energy surge detective barry zips over to star labs allegra and chester are there he says that there's like temporal isotopic energy whatever so Deanne is at the prison Barry arrives. He sees Thon is dead. He's aged. He aged about a hundred years in an instant. And Allegra's like, "Why would Dion do that?" And Barry's like, "Well, he has been himself, you know, since they started looking for Iris. So he's afraid that her sickness may have affected him." Joe finds out that Cecile was out patrolling last night. He's like, "You told me you were working late." She's like, "Well, I was sort of." And you know, she's like, "You don't have to worry about me. You know, I, I don't just throw emotions about." She's like, "I can induce vertigo too." And he's like, "Like Rosa Dillon." He's like, that's not good. So is that, what's the top? Is that who she is? And she's like, you should be happy for me. He's like, I am, but you know, I wish I knew how all this happened. And she's like, oh, speak of the devil. We're about to have a visitor. So she goes to the door, opens it, and it's Rosa Dillon. So he's like, hold up. No one invited your criminal behind inside here. And she's like, really? I think she did after she stole all my powers. And he's like, what? Is that what you did when you leveled up? <laughs> someone finally says it again and cecile's like well apparently 
you know, I can, she can tap into any psychic that happens to be nearby. She wasn't sure if she could do more than just her, her emotions about, but there was someone in danger. So she tried taking the power and it worked. If that seems kind of rude. <laughs> Joe's like, well, we'll have to test it. So he calls someone, get them a visitor pass for two to go to Iron Heights Meadowing. So Iris, Nora, and Bart visit, I think it was Joan, uh, Joan Allen, no, Joan um, Garrick, or Joan whatever her name is. Iris's body is flooded with negative tachyons, so they're the cause of her time sickness. So they're increasing exponentially, and it's putting an incredible strain on her physiology. Iris gets another flash, and somehow she's getting temporal visions or something like that. Nora and Bart look at each other. So someone has to stay with mom. So Nora's like, she'll go back to 2022 to get help. Because if anyone can save mom, it's dad. Eobard tells Mina that she's going to burn herself out. You know, she trained all morning with the flash. And now instead of resting, she's pushing herself even harder. She says that he's worrying too much because uh, she has to keep training. But then there's just like, there's a rumble. Deanne and the other two forces, they show up. And Deanne says that they've been looking for Eobard. And Mina, Mina tells them, like, you have to get the heck out of my building. So she clicks, turns on, on her helmet, and it looks a little weird on her or whatever. And she's like, you need to get out here before I make you. They don't look too impressed. Deanne says, he's like, we're the true forces of the universe. We're here to kill Thon so he can fulfill his purpose. Uh, Deanne freezes them before Mina can move. And then he says that he's the last Thon left. So he's like, I hope you enjoyed your time because you're all out. So they can sense Flash is coming. So Dion freezes him as soon as he comes in. Fuerza, she says, I'm going to crush you like a grape. It's like, why is she so, so angry now? Uh, Flash manages to break free with like energy sends them flying back. Mina and Eobard are free too. Barry's like weakened from that. He says something's wrong with his speed. And Barry, you know, he can barely stand. Um, Chester hacks into the comms when Barry's vitals went down and he asks if they can get him back to the labs because uh, he has company there because Nora's there. At Caitlin, Mark's he's like, why are you helping again? I thought you weren't going to do this. You know, she's, you know, to bring Frost back. She's like, well, I, I did stop, but when I saw your designs, I realized that I'd never stopped trying. So they have this chamber thing built. Uh, she goes inside and they turn it on. So I don't really know what's going to do. Nora explains that the negative tachyons in mom's body won't let her travel through time. Nora says that there was just negative um, Alexa, Fuerza, Dion, and Bashir. But there was no negative Nora. So where is he? Barry says that Dion said that uh, he had to pay for what he did. So he stopped Thon by severing his connection to the negative speed force, which may have erased negative Nora. So Chester says that that might be why they're weaker now and why they blame Barry. So they must have known Iris's sickness would take out the positive forces. So Chester asks, what if the negative ones are the only ones left? So Barry says that then all of the, the speedsters would cease to exist and Barry tells Nora to, to go back to 2049. 2049. That's a, I don't know why that doesn't sound right when I say that. So she and Bart have to watch over mom. And she's like, but you're too weak. She's like, what if they come back? And he says, he's like, oh, they will, but no one will die tonight. He's like, well, I'll figure out a way to save mom. And Chester says to Barry that the forces are literal gods. So how are they supposed to stop them? Cecile's at Iron Heights. She meets with Mona Taylor, from the, the queen from the Royal, Royal Flush Gang, to see if she can read her mind or something like that. 
And then, uh, so Mona starts to read, you know, tries to, but then she's like, my telepathy has gone. And Cecile's, she's like, she's got her powers now. She's like, I can read everyone's mind in town. And Mona's like, how can you do that? Because uh, they mentioned the walls are meta dampened. And she's like, and even I couldn't do that. You know, she couldn't read everyone's mind. And Cecile is like, she's like, I don't know. And she's like, something's wrong with, she's like, Barry, like way to blurt out his name. So Iris is out. Joan doesn't, she, she's like just laying there. Joan doesn't think her body can take another attack. Mina wants to train more. Eobard asks her what's wrong. She says that she's worried about letting him down. This was supposed to be his dream because she never wanted to be a speedster. So, and she's like, I still don't. So she wanted to help people like, you know, you whatever use this to help heal their bodies and save lives, whatever. Eobard says that, you know, she's risking her life to fight alongside the flash to save his life and the cities. So she's still living the dream. He's like, I couldn't be prouder. And she said, you know, only if there's a way for the block, that machine, to give Eobard powers. And Barry comes in. He's like, there is a way. He's like, I'm going to show Mina how to show, how to share her powers. And so he's, he says he's going to turn Eobard into a speedster. So Mina is in the block machine now. The negative forces arrive in the, in the lobby. Chester, Cecile, and Allegra meet them. And they're like, what's this, the B team? So Barry gives Eobard um, reverse flashes like ring. He's like, you put this on. It's like, I guess that's supposed to make him in the mood or something, or get in the mode, what, I don't know, mindset. Mina and Eobard hold hands. Barry tries talking her through how to share the power. Cecile starts uh, trying to take uh, Deanne's powers. So she's using her whatever stealing thing. Allegra, Allegra tries going after Bashir. She sends a blast at him, but then he disappears and starts laughing because he's going to try to scare her because that's what his powers do. Fuerza takes a giant leap to smash Chester, but then you know he's just standing here looking at her. Then he puts this device down where she'll land, and then she ends up in like this energy sphere. It's supposed to be like some inverse energy prison or something like that, so the more force she uses against it, the stronger it reinforces it against her or something like that. Bashir is just like playing around with Allegra. Um, he's stupidly just, he's like cackling and everything like that. He keeps appearing like, boo. And then she tries to send a blast at him. He disappears. He appears somewhere else. So then uh, this goes on, on for, for a bit. Cecile can't keep up her part eventually. Forza breaks through to, manages to break through to energy prison. Dion breaks, breaks free, snaps his finger, and then they're outside. So the then the three forces are standing over them, and Deanne says, "Looks like y'all gotta bounce permanently." Then Barry zips him away. He zips back. He tells him to back off. He's like, "That's your only warning." Deanne says, "Seriously, that's all you got?" Bashir's like, "Huh," and, and it's weird because they're like they're they're standing side by side like in a line. It's supposed to make him look more intimidating. And uh, Bashir's like, "Oh, it's three against one." Barry's like, "Well, it's a good thing I brought backup." And then Mina and Eobard in the reverse flash suit show up and they start fighting. Iris sits up in the future. She's like, Barry's fighting the forces. This is a new memory. The timeline is changing. Then Iris is, says that the, the visions are they're not random. So the three negative forces and uh, three speedsters, it's like they keep, they're fighting or anything like that. Then they keep lining back up in, in, a, in a line. <laughs> it's, it's like, are you about to like square dance or something? Iris is like, she's like, I have to give in. It's the only way to see what's really happening. And she says that the sacrifice isn't thought and it never was. So like, why do you have to see what's happening? Are you just nosy? Mina and Eobard are zipping around the three, running in a circle. Barry runs across the city 
and then he comes back so he can build up speed to throw the energy lightning at them. At the last moment, Dan snaps his finger, and then Iris is like, the real sacrifices, and then she disappears from the, the future. She's standing right in front of Dion in the present, and then she gets hit by the, the lightning bolt. So Barry go takes off his mask to catch her. Eobard and Mina, they take off their mask too, which is, I don't get why. He's like, can you not see in there? Why are you wearing it? And then Dion's like, told you, Flash. We're tired of taking a back seat to those opposite of yours or something like that. So he's like, sacrifices had to happen, and they ain't the only one. He snaps, and they're gone. Then Iris turns into green particles, and the green particles go into Eobard. And he's like, oh, he's like yelling, something's wrong. And he starts, like, ripping his face off, and Mina starts screaming. So he's tearing his skin off, and then Tom Cavanaugh, reverse Flash, is under there. And then he whispers, thanks for the resurrection, Flesh. That I, I don't know what happened. So somehow Iris, zapped by speed force energy, turned her into green particles, which went into Eobard Thon and turned him into Tom Cavanaugh. Because <laughs> that's not even his original face. The other Eobard, Eobard was original. I don't even know what's going on. But we got one episode left. All right. With The Man Who Fell to Earth, Season 1, Episode 8. So I believe this is 10-episode season. This episode's crazy, man. It's 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 almost like stressing me out. Not, not really, but kind of. So uh, the pretty things are going to hell. Last episode, uh, it, it picks the same thing. Uh, Faraday goes to the department, puts on, old, you know, puts on music, old girls playing. He walks up to Justin like they're going to dance or whatever. And he's like, they're listening. There's a man outside. And then so he's like, I heard his message. I'm not going home. I'm never going home. And neither is he. He wants to bring them here. He wants to bring the Antheans here. So then he closes the curtains, whatever. And it's weird. It's like, I don't know if they just... It's like they're talking normally. The music's not loud or whatever. But anyways, he's, he says they're... Their choices are now time sensitive. She says that the plan was to save Earth. He's like, that's still the plan. She's like, it doesn't sound like it. Uh, Justin says that. And then, you know, he was supposed to take the machine to Anthea. And, um, you know, has Newton been lying this whole time? Faraday says that he, he doesn't know. But they have the machine. They'll bring Earth back from this precipice. Her children and her grandchildren will have a place to live. That was their agreement. And she's like, what about your family? And he just like goes and sits down. He's says Newton's been transmitting instructions to Anthea hidden inside a tone. It's like the CIA has a tone, but they can't decipher it. And she's like, no, they will. She's like, once they have it, they will take the machine. Faraday says Newton would never allow that. And she's like, Newton isn't protecting us. You know, they'll come for the machine. They'll kill us and anyone who even knows about it. And we see Clay's in the SUV. He's with like a, an armed dude, whatever. And he's uh, like, he, he says, like, does this guy know we're coming? And he's like, yeah, let's assume he does. So I guess they're coming for Faraday. Justin says that they're alive until they have the machine. It's their only leverage. So they have to hide it. They have to hide everything. So she has to get Molly away from him and her. And then Molly's like, eh, I don't want to go. She's like such an annoying kid. It's like, okay, you don't have a choice. You are not being asked. And, and this is the, the problem where I don't think she understands the gravity of the situation. 
So maybe you're just like, hey, kid, we're about to die. You need to get your butt moving. <laughs> you should, I don't want to go. So she's going to go with uh, Portia, Justin's friend, who just came to the, the town, came, came to the country. At origin, Faraday, he's in the lab, turns on the TV, so Lisa's feeds cuts out. Then uh, him and Josiah, I think Justin's there. Yeah, she starts, uh, or they start smashing everything. Uh, Josiah's like smashing the big glass sheets with all the formulas on it. Justin's like, she's erasing the data from the computers and she's like uploading it, I think, to like some secure location. Clay and his squad of SUVs are now approaching over the phone, Lisa's like, yeah, they just got here and he turned off my screens again. So Clay's like, oh, he's taking the machine. I'm taking the machine. I'm taking all of it. And she's like, do you have the clearance for that? And he says, they gave me green light to do this my way. So it's fully my operation now. And so why would you give this guy any uh, any clearance to do anything? He is so whacked out of his head. And, and the CIA is just so stupid for I still understand the whole thing, how he betrayed Drew so easily. And she's just, she's done. And she's just like, you know, so Justin's doing the secure upload. Faraday's like, they're almost here. He takes out the core from the big machine. And he says that she needs to go. Faraday tells Justin to take the core. And she looks at him. She's like, no, it's like, we're all going. Faraday turns to Josiah and he's like, take it. So, and Josiah obeys, takes the core. Faraday tells Justin just to go. He's like, I found you from Anthea. It's like, I'll find you again. But it does seem like, why can't they all go? I mean, so three SUVs pull up. And Clay like even has this little smirk on his face because he's just so psychotic. So they're just like driving like, they drive like between a building. There's like people walking. They don't care. They're just like plowing through their maniacs. Faraday's uh, releasing some sort of gas from these big like canister tanks in the lab. Lisa meets him outside. They have their guns drawn. It's like, why are you being so paranoid? They don't know what's going on. Armed soldiers take position. They go inside. Clay's like, hello. He's like, where's your partner? And he's like, and where's the core? So they're, meanwhile, driving away. Uh, Justin and Josiah are, are in her car or whatever. Then Faraday's like, he's like sniffing. Clay's like, what is what is that? He's like, why are you doing that? And he's like, all the testosterone s- smells like grapefruit juice. And Clay's like, you need to tell me where she is. In the car, Justin's just driving like crazy. Then she's like, this is BS. And then she starts to turn around because she doesn't want to leave him there. Clay raises his gun. Where's the rest of the machine? And where is Justin Falls? And he, then Faraday's like, grapefruit so clay is like oh fudge your grapefruit then to his men he's like alive please they start to move towards him and faraday's like no guarantees he tips over one of the giant canisters a soldier shoots him in the side but when the canister hits flames erupt they start shooting you know they're they're in shockwave they're flying back and their guns are going up but they're like shooting up at the, the ceiling and everything like that they're like just all quickly engulfed in flames so you would think like everyone's dead, right? No, it's not that easy. Clay wakes up on a the ground. There's little, little tiny bits of fire. So maybe it was like a clean gas flame. It was just all, you know, more show or just blast and not really catching things on fire. So Josiah, um, as, as Clay's kind of waking up, you see Josiah, you know, he's on the ground. Josiah just returns, picks up Faraday's body and then, you know, walks out. Justin's driving while they're in the back seat. Josiah's applying pressure to his wound. See, it just made, made more sense. He should have just gone with him in the first place. Justin starts to ask, like, how's he doing? And he's like, he's lost 0.8 liters of blood. Because 
Josiah is like turning into like a robot, like an Anthean or whatever. She's like, we need a hospital. And Josiah's like, you know, that is not an option. And then it's like, you know, they'll be tracking them. So they need another car. Clay tells his men he wants everything taken. Edie comes in. She's like, what did you do? She's like, what makes you think you, he slaps her. I was like, what? What are you doing? Clay gets mad. He's like, you start, you know, and then, <laughs> but Edie slaps him back. <laughs> so I have to hand it to Edie. I've been like, I couldn't, I just really didn't like Edie and everything like that. She, she gets slapped out of nowhere. Doesn't miss a beat. She just regains composure, slaps him back. And she's like, I've never known a man as incompetent as you lying like a child. So then a uh, baby Clay, he's like, it was Hatch who lied to you. He's been lying to you for years. He's like, he did steal a patent. So it's like, okay, so Clay's like caught with his pants down or whatever, his finger in a cookie jar. And so, oh, let me throw Hatch under the bus because I'm a little whiny baby and I got no ground to stand on myself. So he's like, he did steal the patents and tried to sell them to Thorn. So he's like, they always hear about these things when the documents are, are classified. He stole from her, but also gaslit her for suspecting him. He left her twisting in the wind and laughed at her. It's like, when how, what, When did he ever laugh? And how would you even know if he laughed? He tells her to go home and wait for him to contact. If they try to go after him, we'll have them arrested. And and Lisa just like watches him as like the escort, as the soldiers are escorting them out. Because she's like, man, this, this dude is, is a nutbag. Josiah somehow got the keys to a different SUV. I don't know because he just he goes. I thought he's like going to break in or something like that. He walks up, sticks a key in there. I, I don't know. Faraday says that his pain is different from when they arrived because he can feel it, and he says that he knows where they can go. Someone who knew Newton, someone who loved him. So we can figure that out, right? Portia and Molly arrive at like a hotel or something like that. And little Molly, she's in this pissy mood. She's like, oh, they have a pool here. You know, do you like pools? And she's like, oh, you don't. Maybe I should get a room as far from the pool as possible. And she's just, Molly's just being just a, oh. So Justin makes a, a call on a payphone, as Faraday instructed. And they're in the car. He tells Josiah that the machine must reach Newton, even though she'll want to destroy it. So they arrive at Mary Lou's. Uh, her like rehab place it's nighttime Josiah carries Faraday out of the car um, she greets him she sees him and she has him go inside the veterinary obstetrician ladies are and Justin says uh, that he was shot about 14 hours ago and Josiah's like he has lost 1.1 liters of fluid his eyes kind of flicker for a moment when he's like on a table and this surprises some of the other ladies. They're like, what's going on? They use like a clamp to try to, he's got like a big gash from where the bullet like struck him. So must have, I don't know. It's kind of weird how it is, or maybe it just ripped his skin, but they kind of use like the pull, clamp things, whatever to open it up a little bit. And you can see his like alien reptilian skin underneath that. And they're like, Ugh. then these little like te- tentacles kind of like pop out and like that, like startles him. One lady looks at Justin. She's like, what is he? And, and then she's like, hey, I'm a doctor. Mary Lou's like, he's an angel. And this like kind of throws the other ladies off because, you know, there's like a monastery vibe to, you know, to this, this place, whatever. Mary Lou says, she's like, this is the fight. You thought it was all raising chickens? She's like, are we servants of God or not? This is God. She's like, we are the fortress of love. And she's like, it's going to get a little weird. Everyone just needs to get their poop together. So Doc starts uh, like digging in, um, finally gets the bullet out, and she says that the bullet is what made him septic. So they may not know what he is, 
but she can tell when someone's on the upside or downside and he's on the downside. And she's like, I'm not going to lie. And Mary Lou's like, then have a little faith. It's like, this one is the reason God kept me alive all these years. And she says to Faraday, she's like, you're not going to die tonight. It's like, no, you're not. How's my Tommy? And Faraday's like, he's a flipping liar. <laughs> Edie sits in her office and Hatch comes in. As She asks him if he thinks they have the worst father in the world. And Hatch's like, well, he was pretty bad. She asks him what he thinks the worst thing their father ever did to her. And he finally says, uh, he made you believe that you weren't entitled to be here? And she's like, really? He's like, yeah, that's what he was doing when he measured your upper arms every morning at breakfast. He was saying you didn't deserve to take up space. She says it's so interesting that he took it there. She just assumed it was his endless parade of horrors that were like thin. So she had to be thin like them. And that's how he saw all women. But he was so ashamed, so disgusted by her that he wanted her not to exist but it couldn't have just been about flesh or the fat, though. She meant something disgusting to them. So it's like the only time she had any value to him was when she was shrinking. Hatch looks at her and says, like, you know that he was wrong, right? And she's like, you don't believe that he was wrong? He's like, of course I do. And she's like, you flipping liar. He says he was obsessed and he tried to sell a patents so he could get some help to study them. Everyone told him he was crazy, but he knew something was off about them. And he's like, and, and they were from outer space. He's like, this is bigger than us. And he's like, and I'm sorry, I did something stupid. I was afraid. And I'm begging you for the license to have done something crazy and awful. But you have to know, I still love you. He's like, I do. She says that she thinks that he thinks he does. And it's all right if he loves her. She's like, but I hate you. I hate you more than I hated him. And then she gets up. So, so they're, it almost looked like they were going to work things out, but no. So uh, Clay's guy, Tim, the, the guy at the, the computer, he tries to figure out where they may have gone. He's like, there's 22 different possible routes from where they lost him on the cameras or whatever. And then he, he tries to ask, he's like, what if he did a, a thing and clay mocks him he's like what you think like maybe like teleport out of here did some did a cup blew on an alien whistle and he just and he's like just get out of here he's like i'll find him myself so clay's just like such a jerk then a little bit later clay's like out in the hall smoking lisa tells him the cia and mi5 have been calling all day to like coordinating something because they know an asset's in the wind he mocks her he's like oh acid and wind he's like does that make you feel tough to say you know, say it like that and she's like, okay, let me put it this way. You're not long for this world. They're coming for you. And the first debrief is me. And he's like, I'm sorry. Are you threatening me? And she's like, I can tell them the truth. She's just like, what doesn't acknowledge him. I can tell them the truth. You're wound way too tight. You're obsessed, volatile. You fudged this all up. He starts saying, and he's like, nobody cares. What you. Shut up. Shut the fudge up. Or I confirm that Finch tipped off her asset to fudge you. <laughs> because you betrayed and humiliated her. I'm offering you a lifeline. He's like, why? Because you're still the only one who has the best chance of catching him. If you get your poop together, and he's like, no, why? He's like, what do you get? And she's like, why did you hire me? And he said, because she sold out her own family, and he found that patriotic. And she says that she has goals, like he does. You know, She doesn't want to be 50, looking for lost woman, lost wives, some, whatever, you know, stupid, simple task. She's like, so we're partners now. Portia and Molly are sitting in bed. They're just like, I have a pile of candy, whatever. Then the phone rings. So uh, Justin had a new phone for Molly. So Justin calls. Uh, Portia puts on her speakerphone. Molly won't talk. She's just sitting there. 
then you know she just says she's sorry she loves her she's like everything will be okay molly still says nothing like a little brat justin says she knows that this is scary but she wants her to think about the little prince her book she's like okay you know he went through the desert all stuff you know he was brave you're just as brave and then molly's like i'm your kid she's like and she's like what she's like you're supposed to pick me and justice justin says like i am picking you and she's like you know one day you'll see you know we were asked to be part of something bigger than us and she's like, I love you more than anything. And Molly's like, I don't believe you. And she gets up. It's just like, oh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Just stay in the other room, then you little brat. <laughs> and maybe we, we don't need to see her in the next two episodes. She's done. She's gone. Hatch uh, has a meeting with Henning, the dude working for Thorne. And, you know, they're just at like some like rich bar or whatever. Thorne. Or he uh, Henning says that Mr. Thorne would like to buy Hatch's share of origin. And Hatch is like, why? He's like, you know, why go to me and not Edie? And Henning is like, well, she would never sell. And Hatch, is, Hatch says, well, you know, we no longer have the machine. We can no longer sell anything to anyone. The place is worthless. He's like, you'd be, or Thorne would be buying controlling shares of a worthless company. Henning says, 15 million. And Hatch is like, fudge off. Excuse me? Hatch says, nobody would offer $15 million for nothing unless they really wanted it. So he's like, he's like, I'll bet you, I'll bet you $15 million that Thorne sent you here with a mandate. You can't go back and say that you blew it or you lose your job as, as an evil henchman or whatever it is you do. Henning's like, at this point, I would give you $15 million to shut up. Hatch is like, no one would make a deal like that unless they were so desperate. He's like, you're not saving me. I'm saving you. And he's like, 50 and then Henning's like, fine. Then he's like, fudge you. He's like, 60. And do a wire transfer to Edie so that she gets all the money. And Henning's like, asks him, he's like, do you think that'll take out the sting? He's like, no, but 60 million will help. Henning's like, well, what do you get out of this? Hatch is like, I get to be done. He's like, that's it. I just get to be done with all this. So that's kind of crazy. At uh, at uh, Mary Lou's monast- rehab monastery place, bees are buzzing, whatever. Josiah is standing outside just as they're buzzing around him because the bees are like the, the drones on Anthea or whatever. Faraday wakes up a little bit. Justin walks in, and he's like, Molly is the only one who can make you look like that. She says her daughter's in danger out there. She can't get to her. She's being chased by horrible people, and her dad is not her dad anymore. He's made her an alien on her own planet. So she knows that she's a scientist again, but she says she's never felt this helpless since she's met him. He says that she'll never be helpless. And Mary Lou's like in the room. And then she, you know, she kind of overhears like some of the stuff going on. She's like, takes down some shotguns from the, the rack on a wall. She hands them to the other lady Chantel. She tells him to watch the roads. Josiah comes in and Justin's like, like, what's wrong? Whatever. He's like the bees, their queen is dying. And he's like, she's dying because he is dying. Because Faraday's dying. Faraday looks at Josiah and says, you wouldn't survive it. And Justin's like, what's he talking about? Josiah says, he needs to be replenished. I can replenish him. And Mary Lou asks, how you know? How could he help? He's not a Nephilim, like, which is like an angel and a human. You know, one who has the blood of both or something like that. And Justin's like, she insists. She's like, it's not an option because they're not set up for it. And the lady doc, she's like, yeah, we're not. But, um, but then they're like, well, you did it with the cows or something like that. Faraday tells Josiah that he'll die. Josiah's like, maybe. And Faraday's like, she needs you. And then Justin's like, he's correct. Josiah says that they never could have thought that 
he'd be needed for this purpose at this moment. He's like, there is no one else. Justin's like, I need you. Doesn't that matter? And he's like, not anymore. We have a mission. You must let me go. So the house is being looked over the, the apartment, house, whatever, for anything that could give them a lead. Lisa finds some, she looks at some paper, whatever. She gets a call on her phone from unknown, but then she's like, puts her phone in pocket and starts to leave. Clay's like, where are you going? She's like, oh, I'm, I'm going back to the lab. She's like, they left too fast. I'm going to go see what I can find. She walks outside, her phone's still buzzing, whatever. Uh, when she's out there, she's like, oh, I'm surprised to hear from you. She's like, this wasn't the arrangement. There's like some distorted voice, but it's like, I couldn't really hear it. It was like just based off the closed caption. Uh, the voice says that this is a new situation. And she's like, yeah, it is. And then it's critical that they find them before Clay does because he's desperate. His exposure is massive and she may have found something. So Justin has some words with Mary Lou. Um, she's like, that's my dad. And she's like, keep your Nephilim stuff to yourself. And Mary Lou's like, we're both in the most exclusive club. And Justin's asked, she's like, what did you do to the other one, to Newton? She's like, oh, I wasn't enough for Tommy to hold on to. He, you know, she's like, I was like sand. And she starts talking about things from the movie when you know she was a house or, or she was a maid and you know she met he had trouble with elevators all the stuff she introduced him to gin he was her best friend and it ruined him uh, it made him an easy target tommy didn't know love until he met an alcoholic so she asked justin if she loves him and she's like she's kind of like laugh she's like right now she's like i hate his guts so no mary lou says that she loved tommy and she loves him now she became human when she met him. She was just sleepwalking before. She doesn't know what he became after her or what he is now. Justin says that she doesn't want to know. She's like, it won't be easy, but Justin will know what to do. You know, she has a child and she knows how to care for people. So she thanks Justin for the second biggest gift that she's ever had, the chance to make up for destroying the first biggest gift. Justin says, she's like, well, don't thank me. You know, there's probably someone followed us and is on their way you know she's like clay and mary lee's like oh yeah i've met him so clay is in molly's room he's looking around he looks at the drawing that faraday made of them this agent comes in he's like we got him and so they're looking on some little little tablet car was reported stolen this morning they have footage of justin on a payphone they do some tracking she's calling an organic farm mount reeve priory a rehab clinic so clay obviously knows where that's at Mary Lou lights some candles, says a prayer. The transfusion is about to begin. Um, Clay's driving there. He's talking on phones. He says, uh, he says something, uh, meet him. There's a gas station by the, the rehab place. So like, meet him there. He's like an hour away. So it's like, is he calling Lisa? But I don't think he was. Uh, Justin asked for a moment alone with Josiah. Uh, she puts her feet like on the tips of his toes. She's, you know, reminding him how he taught her to dance. They kind of do it for a little bit. And it almost seems like he's momentarily back because, you know, they, they're kind of like hugging and stuff like that. But then he pulls away and he lies back down. So Lisa arrives. I don't know if she went to the gas station. She's somewhere. But then because um, Clay had said something about it was off the grid and she, she switched something on her phone. So I don't know if she switched SIM cards or did something or maybe to get a stronger signal. But she calls someone. She's like, he found him. So Clay meets with these two other guys. He gets into like their their truck and the, the truck drives it quietly pulls up to the rehab they load up with guns you know they got all these guns in the back they walk up to the place as they're walking up clay gets shot like in an i guess in the it looked like he got shot in the shoulder but he got shot in the neck unfortunately 
it wasn't close to his head or whatever. So he yells. He's like, suppress that poop. So they, they, they shoot back, whatever, and they, they try sneaking around the back. All three of them are still together instead of spreading out. But they uh, they shoot. They miss. Mary Lou calls out to Jay because I, I think that was the name that Clay gave her. And, you know, you hear like a mooing in the background. She's like, that's the, the calf that you birthed. And he's like, send them out with the core. He's like, and we'll go away. And she's like, that's not going to happen, Jay. And he's like, stop flipping calling me Jay. And then um, he like ducks out, starts shooting, and he like roars and he ducks. He's like, send them out or we're coming in. One lady's like, we're almost out of ammo or whatever. Mary Lou bluffs. She's like, you know, there's a lot of women in there. They have a lot of rage and all this stuff like that. Then uh, the two dudes with assault rifles, they start shooting like that. And Clay shoots too. And he's like, woo! He's, he again, he's just, he's losing it. Uh, Mary Lou goes downstairs to like the where they're doing a transfusion. She says that you know they're buying time, and she tells Justin, she's like, if you hear the bell, that means everyone's running for the hills. One of the guys is like like whistling whatever. This lady inside like shoots and misses, shoots and misses, you know, like twice, and then she goes for a third, and then the other guys somehow he snuck up to the window, grabs a rifle, and like buck, bucks, bucks her, butts her, butts her in the head, <laughs> bucks her. Butts her in the head with the the end of the rifle, so she's out. Mary Lou's uh, she's in a room. She's starting to reload, but then she's like looking in her pocket. She's out of shells. She's out of shotgun shells. So the three, the two dudes and Clay are inside now, and Justin can hear like some movement from like the other room. Then like the bell starts going off. So one dude gets hit in the head with like a pan or something like that, and the lady like you know runs away. Um, then the the doctor and the other lady did tell Justin it's time to go, and you know, Justin's just like you know thank you whatever. And so she kind of motions for them to leave. Mary Lou, since she doesn't have any weapons, she just like kneels and she's like starting to pray. Clay comes in be- behind her, puts a gun up to her head, and she asks him, she's like, "What's your name? Your real name?" And he's like, "Yvonne." He's and then she's like. Ah, Yvonne, I'm going to try to save you. And he whispers, like, no, thank you. And she says, then, thank you. He's like, for what? She says that she thought that she was Judas, but it's you. He starts to, you know, he's like thinking about that. He almost starts putting the gun down, but then he lifts it and he. <laughs> Justin goes out in the hall with a rifle. I don't know why. She hears Mary Lou like choking because I guess she's apparently just literally in the other room. So she starts like going, you know, she's her on the ground. There's like a bullet wound, whatever. Then Clay's like, he was hiding because he's a little baby, little whatever. And he puts the gun up to her. He's like, ah, ah, ah. he takes the, the rifle from her. They go into the room with the other two. Uh, the other guy somehow magically found a core in the freezer. It's like, why would the heck would you? think to look in a freezer is is there i don't know maybe there's some scientific reason and clay's like oh look in the freezer so then uh, he goes up to faraday and he whispers he's like oh he's still alive and he, he looks at justin's he's like this could have been so much easier and he's like bring him and her the other guy's like what about him because josiah is still laying on the other like table and clay's like he doesn't flipping matter justin like kind of like lunges at him and then dude just knocks her out and he like just slings her over her, his shoulder so they, they put Justin and Faraday in the back seat. Uh, Clay carries the core. They drive away. Mary Lou dragged herself across the floor to Josiah. And she's like reaches up because his arm's kind of like hanging off the side. It almost looks like she's like checking his pulse or something like that. And Josiah starts to wake up. And then he like kind of sees her. You know, he kind of like takes her hand. And she's like now that she's laying on her back. She's like bleeding out from her wound. 
and then she like lets go of his hand and she's just laying there the pooling blood is just keeps pooling and it makes like angel wings around her and that's the end so uh that's the end of of mary lou um thought she would i guess she never got to see newton again um but yeah so at least josiah still has a chance of surviving you know he's going to be weak from you know whatever giving his fluids out but maybe he still has a chance at, at least clay didn't just like kill him right there so we'll have to see what, what happens so it's just it's still crazy when you think back to the first episode and it's like how are we going to get there so we probably won't find out next week before right a week after and now the final episode of the time traveler's wife episode six so i like this i like the series and the, there are some things that they they kind of omit they, they kind of gloss over they they hint at them very strongly but i'm just like wait what so i'll i'll reveal like some of the stuff that they sh- they hint at in in the show but they don't necessarily confirm so it's, it's kind of weird they leave you hanging on a couple things but um with the little uh stuff that they 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 talk about at, at the end um you, you you it makes sense so with episode six we see old henry he says in the camera he's like i hate video so then it cuts to henry 28 claire's 20 they're sleeping in the bed and then suddenly he time travels wakes up on the floor and it's like their place in the future old henry says that most people love nostalgia that's why they love video but nostalgia for time travelers like a bear trap so henry 28 he's you know he gets up he's naked he's looking around the living room he sees the tv is on and it's like a shot from the room it's like the the chair that old henry records his videos from but the chair is empty old henry says that memories are like trap doors then he's like wait i already said that and he's like starts coughing and then he disappears so the camera is actually pointed to the corner of the room and there's a desk there and you see it like really quickly. There's a type of chair there that maybe it's not super noticeable right away, but this is something I've been waiting for. Um, then he walks around, 28 walks around and he sees that the chair is a wheelchair and there's clothes folded like on a chair. There's like a mini videotape on, on the desk and it says the wedding final edit. So then a voice is like, Henry, is that you? He's like, are you back? And so it's Claire's voice. 28 turns, but then he disappears. And then the tape just like drops on the floor before they see each other. So back at the clearing, Claire's 14. She goes to the box. There's only um, shoes inside. And this is something that's never explained in the show. So we see Henry 42. He calls her from the other side of the rock. So this is like the oldest Henry or whatever. And she asks, she's like, don't you want your shoes? Then he's like, what was that music, whatever? And she's like, oh, that was my mom playing something like that. And she's then she looks at him, she's like, you seem sad. Uh, and then he's like, oh, it's just memories. And she's like, is it because of the song? And he's like, yeah. So it's a song that we'll hear later. That church, we see Henry's parents. Henry's dad is, is watching the video of his wedding. He's drinking. He goes to get another bottle, and it's... He, he like there's something wrong with it so he figures henry did something to it at first i thought it was empty or something like that he goes upstairs and this is when he walks in on henry and henry and then henry gets up gets dressed runs downstairs his dad's just sitting at the table with the bottle and he's like do you want me to turn that off the tv and then he's like i'm not gay if that's what you're thinking and a dad's like there were two of you and he's like yeah and the other one's gone he tries explaining and he's like i'm not gay 
he's like, you know, my particular circumstances allow opportunity. And I think if more people had that opportunity, the dad interrupts. He's like, Henry, I don't care if you're gay. He's like, I'm a professional musician. Everybody's gay. He's like, there was two of you. And then he's like, yeah, well, uh, the thing is, I'm a time traveler. I travel in time. And he's like, it's true. It's like, sometimes there's two of me because you know, I meet myself. He's like, you're what? Henry slides a bottle over to him and dad's like, that's all water. And Henry's like, well, it's not all water. So that's, I see, I thought the bottle was empty, but I guess Henry's been watering it down, you know, drinking some. At first I thought he, he was trying to keep his dad from drinking it, but he's been drinking it. You'll, we'll, I'll, we'll get to that. Then he says that, um, you know, all those times at school when he was disappearing, he wasn't skipping class. He, he was, was time traveling. And, you know, he couldn't help it. And dad's like, why would you say stupid things like this? And he's like, it's true. He's like, why can't you just tell me the truth? Then he's like, I saw you kiss her in, in rain, mom. It's like the very first time you stood outside her apartment and, you know, she walked inside. You did a little dance. And you didn't think anyone could see you. He's like, you're wrong. I could see you. And he's like, I dance too. He's like, I'm a time traveler. And I saw my parents first kiss. Then he's like, can I turn that off? He's like, I can hear mom's voice. And dad's like, I like to hear her voice and he was like i do too but i i hate video so then we see claire 20 she's like why do you hate video so they're at her place for making wedding plan wedding plans or like that looking at floral displays and he's like why you know so he's like not in a good mood or whatever and then uh, gomez and sharice are there she's like oh he time travel and sleep and it makes him cranky he's like i'm not cranky so sharice asks she's like is your dad bringing someone is like is he seeing someone then they're kind of silent then he's like oh I, you know i just realized my dad's gonna be there so later, Claire said that, you know, she's looking forward to meeting him. And Henry's like, who? And she's like, your dad. And because she's like, we're going tomorrow, remember? And she's like, why do you avoid him? And Henry's like, I don't. He's like, I see him. She's like, hardly ever. And he's like, well, he drinks too much. And she's like, well, so do you. And then he says that when he looks at him, all he sees is that his, his wife isn't there. Uh, that night in bed, Henry tra time travels again. He, he looks out the window, like in the backyard. He looks at the leaves on a tree. And then he like looks in the pantry. He sees a wheelchair again. Older Claire is like sitting in a chair watching her wedding video. And she like, you know, look at first he must have thought she was sleeping or something like that. Because she like kind of reaches for a tissue. And then he's like, Claire. But then he time travels out of her. Lands back in his, his present. Claire's like, are you okay? And she's like, you're gone most of the night. He's like, oh, it was just, you know, two minutes for me. Then she's like, Where'd, where'd you go? He's like, Oh, it's fine. It was nothing. So then in the car, she's like, Did you ever think of going to the doctor to get examined? He's like, uh, Examine, that sounds you know too close to dissect. And she's like, that That's not going to happen. You know, they're not going to like lock you up, not let me get to you, whatever. And then she says some stuff and and she's like, basically, that's I love you with more words. And she's like, look at my face. He's, and then he's like, oh, like, you know, all this happiness, it means there's a future. He's like, that's not good. And she says how it's the best thing. And he's like, no, love is what gives hopes to mortals. And it's it's like the cru cruelest thing that he knows or something like that. Because, you know, he's, he's just like so, it's like, why are you even getting married when you're, he's just so pessimistic and everything. And he doesn't want to look forward to anything. I, well, I don't know. They arrived at his dad's and um, she's like, oh, I'm very pleased to meet you. And then he, his dad's just like, you're not blonde. And Henry's like, uh, this is Claire Abshire. Then then the dad's like, not blonde. And he knows your last name. <laughs> and then he's like, what, are you getting married? And he just kind of laughs. 
Claire's looking at the wedding album of you know Henry's mom, whatever, and his dad says like, "You seem lovely." She's like, "What on earth is your interest in Henry?" And she's you know without missing a beat, she's like, "Well, to be honest, he's exceptionally good in bed." And Henry smiles, and dad's like, "Oh, I know he thinks so." And then Claire laughs at this, and Henry's like, he stops smiling. He's like, "It was an opportunity. I think anyone given the same opportunity would have, you know." So then after that, in the car, they're driving back home. He's like, you liked him, didn't you? She's like, he kind of reminds me of you. And he's like, is that a yes or no? She's like, a little both. So lying in bed, time travels again. He's back in the living room. It's pretty empty. He looks outside the tree. It's really small, so it's a younger tree, so it's earlier, whatever. The door open and he hides. This lady's showing the place to Henry and Claire. And she's like, oh, I think you'll like this place. So Henry's 30 and Claire's 22. Henry um, kind of like runs in, whatever. And, and she's like, why do you always do this? You go straight to the window and you look in the backyard. And she's like, you never even look at the rest of the house. So the lady's like, oh, do you want to see the studio down here? And, and Henry like asks for a moment. He's like, the studio is going to be great. He's like, this is the one. She's like, we haven't even seen it yet. He's like, I've seen it lots of times. This is the house that we're going to live in in the future. He points out the little tree in the back. He's like, I've seen that at every kind of height. And she's like, well, I want to be able to make a decision He's like, you do. This is it. Then she's like, how can you? How can we afford this place? Are we going to win the lottery? So as they start walking, then he's like, the lottery is tonight at eight. And she's like, who are you talking to? And he's like, a ghost. So then Henry twenty eight, he gets up from behind this like chair that he was like he ducked behind. And then later we see him at a convenience store. The, the TV, the lotteries come on there, and he he like sees the winning lottery numbers and he tries to like remember them. When he returns, he puts a piece of paper with the numbers inside a book. He goes to his dad's again. He's like looking through his like his meds for any type of tranquilizers. And he tells his dad that he's been time traveling a lot because of the stress. And, you know, the dad's like, well, why don't you, you know, you could always drink. And he's like, well, I would, you know, don't want to be drunk at my own wedding. So that's why I guess he's probably started drinking when he was younger. But he said that, you know, he's been traveling because of the stress. He talks about the stress of his wedding day. And dad's like, why don't you just go to the doctor? And he's like, I can't do that. Blah, blah, blah. That's like that. So then at night, time travels again at the house. He hears Claire, like, coughing and sobbing. She's lying in bed. And then there's, like, something. It almost looks like it was, like, a book on her nightstand. And she's, like, kind of, like, touching it, whatever. He returns with a thud. And she's like, where were you? And he's like, oh, nowhere interesting. Then she's like, you used to tell me, you know, why'd you stop? Then he sees the box on her nightstand, so it wasn't a book. He's like, what is this? And she's like, oh, it's nothing. She's like, my mom gave it to me when I was little for all my precious jewels. And she opens it. She's like, hint, hint. He Henry talks to his dad on the phone. He's like, it's happening again. He's like, I keep going to the same place. And his dad's like, like with your mother's um, death? And he's like, yeah. He's like, you know, bad memories are like trap doors. But now it's a future that I'm worried about. He's, you know, he's out shopping with Claire and everything like that. And his dad's like, well, you know, it's nice you started calling me. And Henry's like, I'm worried. And then his dad's like, well, it's nice that I'm who you call when you're worried. Henry says that it's worse than worried. It's hope. And then he sees Claire looking at like some teddy bears and like some baby, you know, clothes and stuff like that. Travels again, lands hard, falls down the little stairs. Tree is bigger, but it's not the biggest that he's seen. Henry and Claire are sleeping in bed. She gets up and goes to the bathroom. So he walks over to his nightstand and kind of reaches for the box. But then he time travels, gets thrown across the bed and, and hits the wall like in his present. It's a week to the wedding. Claire's parents are talking to Henry's dad about his wife and everything like that. Oh, Claire's parents want to throw this huge, humongous, crazy wedding because 
it's all about the prestige and everything like that. Um, Henry's inside. He's looking through like a medical book or something like that. Then he, I guess he's looking for drugs. So he makes a call. And Claire's like confused. Like, where is he going? And he, she kind of like motions a Gomez or something like that. So I don't know if this is the same day or whatever. But, but Henry goes to like this like bad neighborhood to meet with an old friend. Gomez shows up. And he's like, he's like, are you following me? He's like, no, I'm meeting a, a client here. So uh, this guy pulls up, and I, th- I think Henry said that he knew him from the library or something like that. And then I think his friend said that he has AIDS, so he he sells drugs, he makes drugs, he does these pharmaceuticals, whatever. So Henry says he's looking for something so he's not stressed out for nine hours. And uh, the guy I, apparently knows that he time travels. So he gives him a pill. He says, this is morphine plus. And Henry's like, plus what? He's like, plus none of your business. So Henry's like, is it safe? Whatever. So he tries it. He passed out. <laughs> then Gomez knocks on the door. He's like, you know, let me in. Whatever. He's like, I've seen you. He's like, I'm a lawyer, and I know what what you know people you know because I have clients here. I know what you know goes on here. And he goes inside, and then whoosh! All he see is like a pile of Henry's clothes. So Henry's lying in the ground in the rain. Claire's twenty nine and Henry thirty six. They're inside the house arguing. So he's in in the backyard under the tree. They're like arguing. She's like, oh, can't, I can't believe it. all this like that. She even throws like a glass of wine at him, but he like ducks and it like hits the, the, the glass window. She's like, I'll never forgive you for this. And then uh, uh, 28 outside, he like stumbles and kind of travels again. And then the tree's cut. And then you see older Henry's like sitting out in the back in a wheelchair and he has a blanket over him. Then uh, he like looks up and younger Henry like walks towards him, but then he travels back and he's like throwing up. And he's, so he's back at, at the dude's apartment. And Gomez runs in. He's like, where the heck have you been? And and then Henry travels again. He's still throwing up some more. He's back in the, in the backyard. Someone someone like runs by, like by the windows. And is, is like, is that Claire? She runs to the door and then like opens it. And then there's a gust of wind blows all these leaves like in his face. And then the light from inside makes it so he can't see her. But it's like, wait, was that Claire? Because she looked a little shorter or maybe it's just an angle or whatever or something like that. Remember this part. This is something they don't ever re- reference this again, but I'll talk about it at, at, at the end. Then he travels back again. Then he, he sees he's in the backyard. He sees Gomez hugging Claire in the backyard and he like hind, kind of ducks in the bushes. There's like a lot of people inside during black. Hmm. Then he travels again um, back to when she throws the wine uh, he, he travels again. He's back to the friend. Henry's dad's there now. So Gomez said that he called him. He figured maybe he'd know something. And he's like, you're getting married in seven hours. And, and I'm freaking out. So this before is a week before the wedding. And now it's, it's like seven hours. So Gomez is like, he's like, you've been gone a whole day. So maybe it wasn't a week. Maybe it was just a day before. He travels again. He's back at the house. He sees he's inside now. He sees a smashed wine glass. Walks down to Claire's studio and he sees her box on the table. So he opens it up. He sees a bunch of like used pregnancy tests. Pregnant. So Henry's twenty eight. Claire's twenty nine. She's on the floor and she's crying. She's like, "Go away!" And and then you know she has her head down. So he leaves before she sees that. She probably thinks it's her Henry. So as he walks through the house, you can hear the other henry on the phone and he's like of course i told her how could i not and he's like well she hates me she said i was basically a murderer so he walks in, into the room henry's 28 and 36 so he's talking to david i'm like wait who the heck is david so he tells him, he's like i gotta go 
Then he's like, no, just a ghost. And 20 is like, why do you call me a ghost? And 36, 36 says, you are a ghost from where I'm sitting. So he, he then he figures out that he's from before the wedding, worrying about the future, because he remembers you know when all this happened. 28 is like, why is Claire crying? And 36 is like, because people do sometimes. He's like, no, she's not people. She's your wife. And he's like, no, she isn't. And 36 is like, I just saw her. I just spoke to her. 36 says, she isn't my wife, technically speaking. So it's like, wait, what does that mean? And he's like, sorry, Junior, you tried, but you couldn't stick the landing. Then 28 puts down a pregnancy test. He's like, speaking of miscarriage, and 36 is like, I make time travel babies. And guess what? Time travel right out of the womb. 28 is like, what have you done? He's like, whatever it is, Claire hates you. And he then he's like, he said so himself. And 36 stands up. He's like, do you have any idea what this has been like? Every time she gets pregnant, every time she thinks that this is the one this time it'll happen she's so full of hope she's so happy it fills up this whole house and i always know it won't work it won't ever ever work and you know how long i've known that since i was standing on the other side of this desk since i was you 28's like you had a vasectomy he's like yeah you didn't even tell her you just went and did it he's like yeah that's what i did then 28's like i'm not gonna do that 36 scoffs he's like that's exactly what you're gonna do and he's like how long are you here for? He's like, my memory is hazy. 28 says, again, he's like, I'm not going to do that. 36 yells. He's like, that's exactly what you, you're going to do, and you can't change it. Fudge you. Oh, what are you going to change? Do, you're going to change doofus? You can't change anything. Well, I'm changing this. 36 shoves him. He's like, fudge off. You couldn't even get married. And 28 punches him. 36 time travels before he hits the ground. Claire hears something comes up out of her her, her studio. She She's like, Henry, who are you shouting at? Then she sees his clothes like on, on the floor and in a robe suit. So they, they both um, time traveled. Then there's a knock on the door. 28 returns to the present. Gomez and uh, dad are getting dressed. They call Claire. She's in her wedding ground, gown and um, they're like, he's back. But then wait, somehow 28 is also knocking on the door and tells Claire to open up. So Henry's, so what happened? Henry's dad says to, to Gomez, like, look at him. It's the wrong Henry. So 36, travel back to the wedding day. 28, somehow time traveled outside. So Claire, she's like, come in, I'll get you a towel. And then she actually notices a younger Henry when, when she hands it to him. Then she's like, did you just punch my husband? Because his knuckles like has some blood on it. And he's like, you're welcome. Then she's like, no, I'm not ready for this. And then Henry tries saying it'll be okay. That you know. Then she's like, no, it's shoe polish day. She's like, what? Gomez tells 36, he's like, we need the other one back. And he's like, what age are you? He's like, uh, 36 by the calendar year. Then the drug guy's like, um, am I still there? And Henry's like, yeah, we we played pool last Tuesday. He's like, oh, thanks, whatever. And then he's like, shoe polish. I need shoe polish. So 28 tells Claire her husband's an a-hole. And she asks to remind her why he hates video. And he's a, it's a rabbit hole that he doesn't want to go down. So she holds up the tape and she's like, this isn't the past. This is now. So Gomez asks 36, he's like, how is this going to work? 36 says that he knows how this plays out. He does the wedding and then pings back home and Junior pings back here. So Gomez says, so he won't be married? And 36 says, well, technically, no. So then he puts on a suit coat, coat. He asks dad, you know, what does he think? Is he, is he going to pass? And he's like, your mother would be proud. And he, then he's like, well, that's all that matters, right? Then he asks dad, he's like, are you all right? 
his dad's like the way you look at me like you haven't seen me in a while and he's like dad i then he interrupts he's like your mother would be proud and so am i gomez is like we have to get going and henry asks his dad he's like was it worth it and he's like getting married yeah he's like no what i'm asking is was marrying mom worth it was was it worth losing her he's like this isn't about me it's about claire i'm aging faster than i should and i've seen enough of the future to know that i'm not going to make it all the way so for claire's sake was marrying mom worth losing her there's a pause and his dad's like that's a big question and henry's like well it's a big day and his dad's like yeah it wasn't easy but it was worth it so henry's like thanks and then his dad's like because of you i don't say it enough but it was worth it because of you He's like, give her a child. If you can't stay, do that. Give her a child. And Henry's like, well, there might be a problem with that. And he's like, well, problems can be solved. Not this one, Dad. Gomez's like, come on. He's like, I have to get you to church on time. There's kind of a joke about that. You'll see. And Henry's like, I know about the joke. I've seen the video. So 28 is watching with Claire. He's like, what's the point of this? He's like, yeah, I'm not even going to show up. Then they're at the door. He's like, no, you've got to be pooping me. Henry 36 and Gomez kind of like come in. He's like, what the fudge is he doing there? And Claire says, getting married. And Henry's like, yeah, to my girlfriend. She says that he remembers watching these videos. 36 says, a-hole into the camera. And 28's like, oh, classy and in a church. And um, (laughs) 28 flips off the TV. And she's like, he'll remember that too. Then 36 flips off the camera back, like in perfect timing. And Claire's like, yeah, he makes quite an impression on the cameraman. Gomez like shoves him along. The cameraman's like confused. You see him, he like, he's like, what the heck did I do? <laughs> so then um, the music starts playing. Flower Girl comes out. Claire comes out. Her dad's or anything like that. So 28, you know, looks and he looks at, at the, the screen. Then he looks at Claire. He's like, I thought you'd be angry. She's like, oh, I am angry. I'm going to be angry for a very long time. Now shut up and admire my dress. So she reaches the front. She looks at, at Henry as her father lifts her veil because she knows something's up. And uh, Claire's watching. She's like, yep, now she's getting it. So then she whispers to 36. She's like, where is he? And he says, oh, you look amazing. Then she's like, you smell like shoe polish. So 28 says, you must be glad I hit, hit, hit him. And she's like, why? He's like, I saw your face. I saw you fighting. You you hated him. And she's like, no, I never hated him. Says that you know she could punch his stupid, thoughtless face, but she could never hate him. Pre starts talking in a video. Henry looks at the camera and 28 asks, like, what's he doing? And 28 mouths, I love you. And Claire's like, remembering. The cameraman's like, <laughs> he's like confused again because like now Henry's like telling him he loves him, whatever. 28 looks at Claire and he's like, I hate what he did to you. And she says that he did what he thought he had to. He thought that she couldn't take it anymore because he definitely couldn't. She says the thing is she wanted children, his children more than anything in the world. 28's like, I want that too. And she's like, no, you gave up after five tries. She's like, I would never have given up. I would have done anything. And 28's like, well, how are you going to forgive him? And she says, you know, she guesses that she's going to have to figure that one out. 28 says that, you know, she's, or he's supposed to make her happy. And she looks at him like, who told you that? He looks, um, she looks at his expression and she's like, look at, at that face. She's like, how old are you there? Like 28? Or she's like, how old are you now? And he's like, she's like, 28? And she's like, then she goes, hmm, I'm the older woman. She's like, finally, I like this. And she's like, you know, we're not supposed to make each other happy. If we do, great. But that's not the point. We're getting married. We're not going on a hot date or vacation or a weekend away, but actually getting married. She's like, look at us. 
do we look like we're going to go on vacation? It's like like setting sail into a storm. You know for a fact that you both won't make it through to the other side. So what do you do? You cling on for as long as you can and know that this is as good as anything ever gets. She says, make my happy days happier. Make my sad days bearable. And if you forgive me when I hurt you, I'll try to do the same for you. Deal? And he's like, okay. Then she's like, I miss you. She's like, angry a-hole you. She's like, did I make you change? And she's like, you should come see me sometime. And he's like, isn't that whatever? He's like, she's like, we're married. In the video, whatever, I now pronounce you man and wife. You mean I'll kiss the bride. Henry tells her, don't worry, Junior will be back in a bit. And then she says that she misses him or missed him. Gomez, uh, you know, they're walking up the aisle. He stops them. Then Sharice comes out, starts singing, get me to the church on time. Everyone's singing along. Older Henry's singing with, uh, in the past, when he time traveled, older Henry's with 16 in the clearing. So that was the music that her mom was playing. Older Claire is all alone watching um, with a tissue. 28 and Claire are watching the video. So they're all, all singing the song. And then they they kiss while watching the video, like twenty eight and thirty six. And then it's and it like credits. I was like, wait, it's over credits. But then there's another scene. Twenty uh, eight's like opening bottle. He's like, oh, it's just too weird of an idea. You know, me coming to see you now and then. You know, it's it's like I'm just him. I'm basically the guy who got a vasectomy. And she's like, not yet. You're not. And then it's over. Okay, so. Let's talk about some things. One of the things that they never cleared up. In the first episode, there was a scene with all that blood in the bathroom. I don't remember what that's about. That might have been... I don't really remember what that's about. There was a scene also in the first episode where his feet are just sitting there. Now, they've talked about... And I, I talked about this. Like when he, he a kid left his tooth behind and then it disappeared. So like sometimes you leave parts of him behind, but then it, it, it travels back. So I asked the questions like, wait, what happens with his feet? What ends up happening in the book, spoilers for the book, okay? There's one time he travels, he ends up in a parking garage. It's like in the middle of winter. He can't get any any place warm or anything like that. He ends up getting like frostbite or hypothermia, and he, he has to get his feet amputated. And then um, they realize that this is bad news because if he time travels when he has no feet, he's not going to be able to run. And that means, you know, he's not going to be able to survive much longer time traveling with no feet. So that's why most likely in the show, that's why he has a wheelchair. And that's why when he traveled to the clearing, when Claire was 16 and she sees the shoes and that's why he didn't take the shoes because he has no feet. And they don't really show it. You know, maybe he's just like sitting on his feet. So you don't really see, you know, he, whatever, but that's what happened then. Cause Claire didn't, didn't know when she was 16. So that happened then. Um, the other thing that happens in the book, they actually, they do have a, a daughter. So what happens, Henry got a vasectomy, but then younger Henry 28, like how this ends, he ends up getting her pregnant. And then, they do have a kid. They named her daughter Alba, which I always thought was weird. I always thought like, oh, like Jessica Alba. That that's that's an interesting first name. I never heard of that as a first name. Um, that the the problem is Alba does have the cryo impairment thing like that, but she can kind of control it a little more. So there's um, one point where Henry travels to the future and he he meets 
Alba when I think she's like nine or 10 or something like that. And he finds out that he actually dies when she's five. So he knows that. Um, and this is a part, because I remember like when I, when I first read this book, this is like, like broke my heart. Cause uh, I forget how old my daughter was, but you know, she was maybe around that age or something like that. Just thinking like, Oh my gosh, like I'm not, you know, knowing and I, I'm going to get like teared up now, even though my, my daughter's an adult, but it's like knowing that you're not going to see your child grow up, that you're going to die before then. It's like, Oh my God. It's like, that just it killed me when I, when I got that to that part in the book <laughs> and I'm getting emotional now. So what I think happened in that, that part with all the leaves I could have swore, and I, I I didn't rewind it or anything like that, but I could have swore it was a a little girl. It didn't look like Claire running to like the patio door, and then when she opened the door, you know, it was just like super bright light, so you couldn't see, and then all the leaves and everything like that. So I think that was all but opening the door to see him because she figured he was coming or something like that, but then she misses him. So those are the the things that we don't um see. Um, oh, then there's also you know when he. He dies. He 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 comes back in in her arms, and he di- he dies in Claire's arms, or something like that. And but then I, I think he he left a note that you know he's like, don't wait for me anymore, or something like that. But but then he's like, oh, but you will see me when you're like eighty or something like that. So don't wait for me, but wait for me when I'm eighty, because I'll I'll I think he was like forty something when he saw her like that. So uh, other than that, I mean, I don't remember the other thing. I'm, I'm kind of tempted to read. I just recently found my book. It was in a, in a shelf behind some other stuff in the closet. I was like, oh, it's not like packed away in a box of books in the garage. Somehow, for some reason, I kept this book here. So I might uh, check it out again. But it, it was a good show. It, oh, and the, the after each episode, there's like a little like behind the scenes type of thing. And um, Stephen Moffat, who like wrote and directed and he didn't direct it. He wrote it and produced it or whatever. Um, executive producer. He said that he wanted to end things like on a happy note. So that's why it kind of ends with like everyone singing and, and said, so it's like, don't even talk about the fact that they have a kid or that that Henry's going to die. I mean, I guess they hinted at it, but they just leave it so vague. And, I don't think they plan on doing a second season. If they did, I just spoiled things. But there's really not much else to talk about because that's that's pretty much the end of the book. So the only thing is like they could do one more episode or something like that, you know, showing the the, the kid Alba. But <sighs> so that that's the time traveler's wife. So great series. Uh, they did a good job with it. I, I I really I really liked it. And now, final episode. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> the final episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi, episode six. So this is it. No more. It's done. Uh, everybody dies. Uh, it starts off Tatooine. There's this, uh, this like water stand in this line. This rude guy comes up, shoves this other guy. He's like, what? You got a problem or something like that? And then, you know, he just like, cuts in line. Then Reva shows up and, you know, she like knocks the water out of hand, his, his hand or whatever. You can see she's not completely healed, but... Uh, she's doing pretty darn well considering she was impaled. So, okay, Darth Vader, way to go. You're trying to kill... You failed at trying to, to kill this woman who betrayed you, whatever. She's like, I'm looking for a farmer named Owen. It's like, okay, Tatooine... 
Okay, yeah, it's a, a there's a lot of sand and desert, and maybe there's just a few cities, but it still is a big planet. And how would she know of all of the places? You know, how does she know which which city to go to? Whatever. The escape shuttle is getting chased by the star destroyer. Vader's like increase firepower. Roken, he says that the hyperdrive's almost ready. Ben walks up to him because he knows that he's like, we're not going to make it to the planet. I forget what planet they're going to. And he's like, Roken's like, the motivator shot. The power couplings are bad. And he's like, I'm working on it, but the shields won't last forever. Ben looks at like all the refugees or whatever, and you know, then he he goes to the Leia. She's trying to appease, you know, some of the kids. You know, showing them, you know, letting them play with Lola and stuff like that. She's like, oh, they're scared. Lola keeps their mind off things. He's like, oh, maybe I should borrow her, borrow her too. So we see Owen and Luke. They walk into this like part store or whatever. Uh, they're looking through some stuff because Luke broke something or whatever. Then this guy walks in. He's like, Owen, there's something you need to know. Leia, then she's yelling at Ben. No, you can't just leave me here. And he's like, it's not. Uh, it's it's me that Vader wants. And she's like, or he says, that if he goes, Vader will follow. She's like, I won't let you. <laughs> this is like attacking the kids, man. It's like Molly's being a brat. Leia's being a brat. This other lady's like, what happened to all of us staying together? And Ben's like, Roken needs more time to fix the ship. He's like, you've spent 10 years protecting the Jedi. This is my chance to return the favor. He's like, you are all the future. He's like, you are, you know, what needs to survive. And Leia's like, no. And she like walks away. Um, Haja, he's like, oh, you know, she probably needs some some time alone, for, you know, her own space, something like that. Ben tells Haja, he's like, promise, you know, that you'll get Leia back home. And he's like, oh, you have my word. He's like, but it's the word of a liar and a fake Jedi. And Ben's like, well, that's good enough for me. At the Lars farm, Baru asks Owen, she's like, what is it? He tells her, he's like, come inside. So he tell, explains to her as they're going down. And she's like, how did she know that he's here? He's like, I don't know. I just know that she's coming. And he's like, Ben is gone. And she's like, well, whose fault is that? <laughs> he tells her that she needs to take Luke and hide somewhere. And she's like, where? In the desert? She's like, I'm not leaving my home. She's like, at least here we have a chance. And she opens this like, little secret compartment. I don't know if he just didn't know about it. He's like, what are you doing? And she like pulls out like a rifle and she like kind of tosses it to him. She's like, we both knew this day was coming. And she's like, she'll come when the suns go down. We have to get in position now. So I like this that we see Baru is like willing to like start kicking some butt. And Owen's like, <laughs> so way to go, Baru. Aunt Baru. Ben uh, goes up to Leia again. And she's like, you said you'd take me home. He's like, I wish that I could. And he's like, please tell your father that I tried. He Then he's like, I have something for you. Roken found it. So it's like Tala's holster or something like that. And he's like, she would have wanted you to have it. <laughs> it's like, would she really? <laughs> it's like, okay. And she's like, it's empty. Well, I wasn't going to give you a blaster, Leia. You're 10 years old. But you won't always be. So she hugs him. Come back. And he's like, I promise. Okay, you're making promises. Like, he, Then he's sitting alone in, in some part. He looks at his lightsaber. And he's like, I have to face him, Master. Whether he dies or I do, this ends today. Roken comes up to him and says, the dropship's ready. He's like, you don't have to do this. And Roken's like, I think this, you want to do this. This is about you and him. And Ben's like, well, there aren't many leaders left. You know, people need someone to follow. So dropship exits and officer's like, sir, they've released the ship. There's one life form on it. Vader's like, that's him. 
the Grand Inquisitor is like, my lord, we must continue our pursuit of the insurgents. Now is our chance to wipe out this network in its entirety. We cannot prioritize one lone Jedi. He is not just one Jedi. Follow Kenobi. The Star Destroyer starts turning and going towards the drop ship, starts firing upon it. On Tatooine, the suns are going down. Owen tells Luke that the Tuscans are on the hunt again. They're raiding the farms along the waste. So stay inside. If anything goes wrong, he knows what to do. He's supposed to run. The dropship turns towards the planet. Vader's like, prepare my ship. I will face him alone. The dropship lands on this planet, which conveniently has oxygen, right? <laughs> Guess maybe all planets in the Star Wars galaxy do. Vader's shuttle heads down. Ben um, finds Lola, like in his cloak, whatever. And he just <laughs> he's like, oh, great. What am I supposed to do with this? Clunk just sticks it like on a dashboard of his ship. Reva's like panting. She's headed towards the farm. And uh, she has her lightsaber out, but it's not lit. Then Lars tells Brew, he's like, oh, the perimeter alarms have gone off. It's time. Vader lands and emerges. Uh, Ben's just standing there, and Vader heads uh, towards him. Have you come to destroy me, Obi-Wan? Ben turns on his lightsaber. I will do what I must. He gets into fighting stance. Then you will die. Start fighting. Vader's like aggressive as, as usual and everything as they're going. Reva's uh, on Tatooine. She's skulking around. Finally turns on her lightsaber. It's like it's a big uh, clue hint that you're coming. And then uh, Owen's like tries shooting and Reva too, but she like blocks and stuff like that. So they miss. Ben and Vader keep fighting. Ben like dives at him um, and like to like these jersey like spiky outcropping uh, stalagmites or whatever. Big huge things. He knocks them into him. Ben tries uh, making one fall on him. Your strength has returned, but your weakness still remains. And he like pushes it back, tosses a boulder at, at Ben, but Ben slices it. Um, blades. Then Vader uses boulder to knock. I like this move. So as their as their lightsabers are like touching each other, like forcing each other back, Vader uses the force to take some boulders to knock Ben's legs out. So he like falls over. He's you know he's on on the ground. But he, he dodges and he strikes. Vader slams his hand on the ground and it starts, starts to crack. And that's why you will always lose. And then Ben falls into, there's, uh, what, some magic cavern beneath, whatever. So Ben's like down there. Vader looks down at him and he uses the force to like pile boulders on top of Obi-Wan. Did you truly think that you could defeat me? You have failed, master. Turns off, deactivates his lightsaber. He turns around. Owen's, uh, Standing before Reva, pointing a rifle, she flings something at him, like knocks him down. So she's clearly tired, whatever. And she's like, "You really love that the boy, like he's your own. He is my own. Like, uh, how? Why would she? I don't understand. What does Reva know about the boy? Why would she think anything that it's not? I, I just don't understand what what she knows about him. So does she automatically know that it must be Vader's... I mean, I guess maybe if she knew that... If she knows Anakin's Vader, if she knew Padme was pregnant... I don't know. Then um, Owen swings a metal pipe, and it looks like the, the cryogenic density combustion booster thing like um, that they use in A New Hope in, a, in a, the trash compactor, and that they, they had an Easter egg in The Mandalorian when uh, he needed that. So he uh, manages to connect. Uh, he hits her in the side with it, and it uh, clearly hurts. And then she stops his next swing, and he's like, what do you want? And she's like, justice. So 
he hits her like with his fist in his side and she screams out but she punches him in the face in return she swings her her lightsaber she slices the pipe in half she force shoves him like off the walkway to Duran. he yells Baru she's coming Riva enters the door and Baru slams Riva in the face. Luke like is climbing up this ladder. Riva shoves Baru aside and he like looks up. So Luke's like running out on the surface. Riva somehow runs up or she's on the surface like lickety split and she's like hobbling after him. She's like, arr, arr. She's, like grunting. Ben is like straining under the rocks. He's like holding the, the rocks above him so he doesn't get like buried. Then we hear like Anakin's old words, like, admit you are beaten. So it's like from their other duel. Vader's like, you cannot run, Obi-Wan. And like all these overlapping lines, everything like that. And then he starts thinking about Leia and Luke. Of course, there's not many memories of Luke. There's only the memory of Luke sitting on top of the, the, the little hut, like pretending he's driving a ship that we saw in the first episode. All the other memories are of Leia from this season. So he pushes the rocks off of him. Vader's like walking slowly back. And then he stops, ignites his lightsaber just in time. Um, It almost looks like he took a hit. I'm not really sure if it was just a force or something like that, but Ben might have hit him a little bit. And then um, maybe hit him in the chest, like on his machine. Because then uh, Ben harshly shoves him back into like one of the spire things, whatever. And then like a bunch of boulders, like he raises both arms. And like all these boulders rise, you know, behind him, and he's like flinging them, and most of them are like hitting Vader like that. But he maybe he's like still kind of blocking with the force because he's not like pulverizing, pulverizing him. But so Vader still recovers, and you know he's blocking, and, he, and then he like pushes Ben back. Reva's uh, still running, but then she slows down by this rock cavern. Ben, meanwhile, he hits Vader's chest like with the butt of his lightsaber or with a, a hilt, like over and over again. Zzz, zzz, zzz. And it's like damages like the middle circuit. So now Vader's wheezing. Ben forces him back, jumps at Vader, whoosh, slices down, hits his helmet. And Vader's like on his knees, like wheezing. And he's like, Anakin. So Vader slowly lifts his his head, and we can see like his his left eye. So the the strike, the blow. Sh- cut through some of vader's like helmet like a little bit more would it like slice his head in half it'd been like slicing a watermelon or whatever and ben's like or you know so anakin he's like anakin is gone i am what remains so it's now it's a it's a little more hayden christensen talk and less james earl jones ben sighs he's like i'm sorry i'm sorry anakin for all of it vader wheezes i am not your failure obi-wan you didn't kill anakin skywalker i did the same way I will destroy you. Then my friend is truly dead. Goodbye, Darth. And he walks away. Obi-Wan! And he just glares at him. Obi-Wan! So Ben could have stopped him right there, but he still doesn't have it. And he's not a killer. But at the same time, it's like, this is a dude. This is a dude that is going to... Well, like, he doesn't kill, destroy Alderaan, but he's a dude that's going to cause countless maiming and tortures and whatever... But he doesn't do anything. But this little bit here also makes Ben a tiny bit less of a liar. Because in A New Hope, Obi-Wan tells Luke, Darth Vader uh, murdered your father, whatever. So uh, Anakin basically gives him like permission or the license to, to use that lie. So the dropship leaves the planet. Reva's uh, walking through the cavern. Luke is still moving. He's, like, um, he's like up like higher in a cliff but then he starts falling he stumbles because he's a he's a dumb kid right so he starts falling down 
um, Ben can like sense his distress. This little jump ship. Thank goodness it has hyperspace capabilities. Who would have would have thought that? I guess it maybe makes sense in case whatever. Reva ignites her her lightsaber. Luke is unconscious. And she gasps. She so she's approaching him. She's like ready to, to kill him, whatever. So she must know that this is supposed to be Darth Vader's kid. You know, so she wants to kill Darth Vader's kid, just like Darth Vader killed all the younglings, like her friends. So, but then when she sees Luke laying there, she sees herself as a youngling. But still, she raises her lightsaber because she's going to strike down and kill Luke. Ben lands outside the, the Lars farm. Owen and Brew are like, Luke, Luke. Ben comes up. Where is he? They're like, he's gone. <laughs> it's like, okay, there's a, a crazy uh, Sith lady chasing him and you're just standing there yelling out. Then Brew's like, Ben. And, and Reva's coming back with him. And okay, so here's the thing. As I'm watching this episode, this episode was so friggin' dark. I could barely. I'm like straining. What the heck is going on? And the the room that I was watching it was was pretty dark. I could barely see what's happening. So Rava's coming up. I was like, okay, I'm assuming she's carrying Luke because she's obviously not going to kill him. She sets him down. They look at her. Luke, um, is he dead? And then he finally starts moving. He's not dead, obviously. So Owen and Baru go to him. Don't even care. This woman might. I mean, I guess you know, she brought him back. So Owen lifts him away. Reva's like, you know, she's still on her knees from you know putting him down, and she's like, I couldn't do it. And she's like sobbing. She's like, I couldn't do it. I failed. He's like he killed them all. I couldn't do it. Ben crouches to her. He's like, you haven't failed them by showing mercy. You have given them peace. You have honored them. And she asks, have I become him? And he's like, no, you have chosen not to. Who you become now is up to you. And she takes out her lightsaber and she looks at it and she just like sets it on the sand. And then Ben gets up and like helps her up. You are free. We both are. Then on Mustafar, Vader Castle or Castle Vader or whatever. The probes are tracking every system within range. We will destroy everything in our path until he is found. He's speaking to Holo Palpatine. So here's the thing. I thought, I mean, unless this is totally CG or whatever, because I thought Ian McDermott, that's who's Palpatine, right? I'm not dumb and crazy. He said that he wasn't going to be in it. Maybe he just said that, or maybe they asked him last minute. Who knows? So he's like, "Uh, you seem agitated, my friend. And which is weird. He's calling him friend, where like in New Hope and Empire, he's just like treating him like a little lap dog or whatever. Vader's like, he will not evade me again. And then he's like, uh, I wonder if your thoughts are clear on this, Lord Vader. Perhaps your feelings for your old master have left you weaken. If your past cannot be overcome. Vader's like, Kenobi means nothing. I serve only you, my master. Dun, 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 dun. Starts playing. Then we see Alderaan. Leia's like getting ready. She's oh, her her little ponytail balls on her buns on her head are in perfect shape. She's getting everything. She's gloves on and stuff like that. She puts on Tala's holster. Mom comes in and she looks as like she's dressed. Is that a holster? And then she's like, I love it. So they go to greet a shuttle. Bail looks at her and she's like, You said there are many different ways to lead. And Bail's like, Looks like I was right. And she's like, If I'm gonna do this. I'm going to want to change a few things. Bill's like, then let's change things together. She grins. Then, so who is it today? More cousins? Not exactly. Shuttle lands. 
Ben and Lola exit the shuttle. She runs up. Lola! He's like, screw you, Ben. Lola's here. Ben's like, who am I to separate a young lady from her droid? So um, he goes up to Bale. He hugs Bale and then just shakes the mom's hand. He's like, I don't really know you, lady. I don't think I've had a scene with you, so I'm not, not going to hug you. Bale's like, oh, we can never repay you. And Ben's like, well, she already has done that. Then Bale's like, I fear for her future. The Empire grows stronger and bolder. Ben's like, well, if you ever need my help again, you know where to find me. <laughs> Just don't tell the whole friggin' galaxy. Don't tell the Inquisitors where I'm at. And then uh, let's hope that day never comes. <laughs> then he goes to Leia. She's like, so what do you do now? I don't know. What do you think I should do? I think you should sleep. <laughs> so she's trying to say he looks tired and sleepy. Then he's like, Leia, when I, when I said before, I didn't know your parents, Princess Leia Organa. You are wise, discerning, kind-hearted. These are qualities that came from your mother. But you are also passionate and fearless and fortright. These are gifts from your father. Both were exceptional people who bore an exceptional daughter. I wish I could tell you more. And she's like, oh, it's okay. And she looks at Bale and what's her name, her mom. You don't have to. Thank you. Will I ever see you again? Maybe someday, if you ever need help from a tired old man. <laughs> but we must be careful. No one must know, or it could endanger us both. She hugs him. Goodbye, Obi-Wan. Goodbye, princess. May the force be with you. Then he goes back to the shuttle. It's like super short trip. So Ben's in his cave, his cavern, packing all his stuff. Um, he's, he's like the, the, the sack with the T-16 Skyhopper toy, puts it in a backpack, leaves a cave. But there's still like a case there. He just leaves a case. I don't know what was in there. Owen's working on the farm. Um, ben rides up on his EOP. Luke is like fiddling with some like machinery nearby. Owen walks up. What are you uh, doing here? I thought you were going to keep your distance. Ben's like, and I will. You know, you were right. He just needs to be a boy. The future will take care of itself. The only protection he needs now, Owen, is you and Baru. Take good care of him. Then he starts walking back to his, his Yopi. Owen um, softly says, I will. And he's just like, kind of thinks for a bit. Then he's like, Ben, you want to meet him? And he walks up to Luke with the sky hopper. Here he comes. Hello there. <laughs> And I have to admit, when he said hello there, I got a little misty. I was like, he said it. He said the line. So then we see Ben riding away. He gets close to the caverns. And this part, ugh, I did not care for this part. I'm sure some people loved it. I did not. Somehow, Master Qui-Gon's Force Ghost shows up and is waiting for him. Well, took you long enough. And Ben's like, I was beginning to think you'd never come. And Qui-Gon's like, I was always here, Obi-Wan. You were just not ready to see. Come on, we've got a ways to go. Starts walking, disappears, and Ben continues. That is such BS. <laughs> Qui-Gon says Ben... No, okay, Qui-Gon, you dumb-dumb. You didn't do your Jedi training studying enough. You didn't know how to turn into a forest ghost. It took you all this time to figure out how to turn on your forest ghost abilities. It's it's not something that just I don't I don't think I'm almost positive it's not something that just any Jedi can do. Otherwise, there would be tons of Force Ghosts running around the galaxy after Order sixty six. So that was part of the thing because everyone's like, you know, when Phantom Menace came out, how come Qui Gon didn't turn into a ghost? You know, why why did his body burn? 
You know, why did they, they have a, a funeral pyre for him? Because he didn't know how to do it. That's why there was a body. Obi-Wan and New Hope get sliced. He's like the time traveler's wife. He just disappears. Just his clothes there. Naked. <laughs> how come Forrest, thank goodness. How come Forrest goes Obi-Wan wasn't naked? <laughs> he left his robe behind. So Qui-Gon did not know how to turn into a Forrest ghost. So BS, Forrest ghost Qui-Gon. I was here all the time. Yet, Anakin's going down a dark path, and I'm just going to sit back with my force bowl of popcorn and watch you mess up. Qui-Gon, he didn't know anything. <laughs> but that's the end. Will there be a season two? Uh, part of me says, no, there shouldn't be. But the other part of me is like, yeah, I want to see more. I want more Ewan McGregor, because he was great. I don't know what more there could be. I, I would say read the book Kenobi. There's a there's a Kenobi book. Um, I don't know. I think it's canon. I think it came out after Luke. I don't remember. But it was pretty good. It takes up. It takes place on Tatooine, and that's why when this this show when I was like, Ben is friggin' leaving the planet. He's meeting Princess Leia. What the heck? I had no idea about this stuff. So the book uh, deals more stuff with like Tuscan Raiders and other farmers and stuff like that. It's it's a good book. If you, if you want more, I, I recommend that. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just called Kenobi, but they they could do something like that. You know, it doesn't have to be that exact story. But I don't think Ben should be meeting other people. I don't think he should be leaving the planet. I don't think other people should be seeing him. As cool as the fight, this is probably one of the best duels that we've seen in any of the movies. Just the rocks flying and all this stuff, and just them jumping at each other and. I almost, I, I still in my gut, I was like, they shouldn't have fought. It should have been 20 years since they fought, but but whatever. So it was good. I had little nitpicky problems here and there. I, you know, I wouldn't say it was like perfect. It was pretty darn close. They did a really good job um, for a, a TV show. I mean, this, this was great. It was great production, just overlooking the little minor things. So that is it. That was Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay, then there is The Boys. It feels weird doing The Boys so late in the show because this is actually from the previous week, sort of. You know, whatever. Anyways, season three, episode five, the last time to look on this world of lies. So there's like an old uh, Russian recording. Mother Milk is, is, is watching in Moscow. There's like testing or torturing a soldier boy. You know, they're like... They, shoot him like in his mouth blow torch his face and he's like screaming in pain so he, even though he's invulnerable it's not killing him but it hurts we see kamiko lying uh she's recovering on the couch butcher asks frenchy how is she and he's like she's stable for now more video radiation sulfuric acid all this stuff they're you know doing all these tests on soldier boy butcher says that that's probably how he got those nasty new powers um he says that you know they can't hang around here looking for him so he's like he's not our problem they need to get kamiko home to a proper doctor mother's milk says he's like oh you don't care give a crap about kamiko or anyone else butcher says he's like i took a drug but it also i saved your life mother's milk says but you know he's asked him he's like did you kill gunpowder you know use your laser eyes and he's like you bet i did and it felt good to level the playing field Mother's Milk's like, the whole GD point of what we do is so that no one should have that kind of power. Then we see Huey, he's vomiting from, you know, from taking the, the drug, the temp V. Ashley's talking to the board. 
she's like, oh, I accept your nomination as CEO of Vought International. Then Homelander comes in, cuts off her like acceptance speech. He asks the board to all introduce themselves. And you can tell they're kind of nervous and everything like that. One lady asks him a question about, you know, well, what is he going to do about the inevitability profit loss with the change of CEO and the margin of something or whatever. Then he kind of blinks and he's like, you think you know better than me? He's like, do you think you should be sitting in this chair? And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. He's like, I'm so stupid and you're so great. And, and Ash is like, oh wow. She's like, you're embarrassing yourself. Uh, you should, you should go. And then she's like, who's next? So uh, this lady Barbara talks to this group about how it was an honor to lead crime analytics for the past 13 years at Vought. The Vought board decided it was time for change. So the new head of crime analytics is the Deep. And of course, his wife is there, and she's like the only one clapping. And then he's like, oh, let's hear it for Barr. She did great for someone with no practical experience. Uh, he says how fighting crime has always been his dream, that if you work hard enough, there's nothing that you can't achieve. And Cassandra's like mouthing this as he's saying it. So obviously, she like wrote this for him, told him to say this. But according to the trivia, Barbara holds dual degrees in criminal criminal psychology and statistical analysis. She speaks four languages, and she previously worked for the FBI and the NSA. So, and then the the, the this thing says it's comforting to know crime analytics is now under the capable leadership of the deep who can talk to fish. So he says she has no experience. Uh, so he says to break the ice, they brought cupcakes, and Cassandra's like with sprinkles. And the deep's like, oh, and we also need everyone to sign up for performance reviews. It was just a formality. Kamiko is placed in the back of a car. Butchers says that, oh, she'll be up and about in no time. She's like, we'll see you in the morning, yeah? And MM's like, fudge you. And he drives off from the airport. Huey's like, hey, you still got me. Huey uh, watches news on Supersonic's death. Dead of drug overdose. There's a you know tragic relapse into an opioid addiction. Annie comes in in a hoodie and sunglasses. He hugs her and he's like, he's so sorry. She says that, you know, she shouldn't be there. It's, it's not safe for him. He's like, well, I don't care. And she says, you know, Holander killed Alex. He murdered him and it's all her fault. So she asks um, if there's any good news from Russia. And he says it was a dead end. Then she's like, there's no gun or weapon. She's like, so what killed Soldier Boy? He's like, uh, you know, because he got her some candy, almond joy, whatever she likes, and some white claw. She's like, why don't you have a white claw before I answer whatever? And so she noticed, she's like, you're not wearing your cast anymore. And he tells her that, you know, and then we see her, like, it cuts to, she just downed, like, two white claws, and then she's opening the third. So he's curious. She's like, what are you, you more upset about? The part where Soldier Boy's loose in Russia or the part where I took some temporary compound V? And she's like, um, it could be both parts, uh, all the parts. He's like, but I told you right away, you know, that's, you know, no secrets. That's got to be worth some points. So she's like, you want points for not lying to me? And he's, he says, or she's like, you took an untested drug from Vought. It could have killed you. He says, but, you know, they don't have it anymore. And, you know, he wouldn't take it again. It was horrible, etc. But she looks at him. She's like, you loved it. She's like, admit it. It, it was you know, he's like, yeah, it was awesome. And he says, he's like, and I saved MM. He's like, I just teleported. And, you know, I just, I just knew how to do it. I just clenched my butt and I jumped. So she's like, it was stupid and dangerous. She's like, I can't lose you too. Then, uh, there's like at the airport, uh, you hear like some Russian people, people speaking or whatever. Soldier boys like sneak spy. So he made it to the airport. 
Butcher is looking at the pendant that Ryan threw back at him. Maeve walks in and asks, how is Soldier Boy still alive? And then she's like, she says that he looks bad or whatever. And he says that he'll be sober in the morning and she'll still be a soup. So she says that, you know, if they're so despicable, then why does he want to be one again so badly? And she tosses another pouch at him and he like opens it. There's at least five of them there. I, you know, maybe there's more in the pouch. I don't know. So she's like, you know, what's going on with those? And he just offers her a drink. She's like, no, thanks. She's like, I've been sober for four months, a-hole. He's like, oh, it's been a year for me. So she ends up drinking with him. They try to figure out what to do. You know, what about Homelander's son? Like that. Butcher asks about the video, and she says that it would just push him over the edge, and he'd end up killing a million people. They talk about gunpowder. He said that it used to take months of legwork to take a soup down. And she said that he must have loved it. He's like, I hated every second. She's like, all it did was make him more him and, you know, more of himself. She's like, that's all it does. It just amps up the bad stuff inside you. He's like, the soups need to go, every last one of you. And she's like, yeah. Then they start making out. (laughs) He, like, stops her. He stands up and looks at her. And she stands up, too. And she's like, you still think you're too good for me? And then, you know, slams against the wall. Dun, dun, dun. They go at it. Frenchie visits Kamiko in the hospital. He pulls back the curtain and he's surprised to see Nina there. So she brought uh, chocolate limes for when she wakes up. Because in the comic, Frenchie got chocolate limes for Kamiko when she was in the hospital. Then Huey was eating them when she woke up and she grabbed his arm and broke it. So that was in the comic. So uh, Nina talks about the losses in Russia. You know, she, she lost three of her Kremlin contacts and all this stuff like that. So Frenchie's like, take it up with the man who, you made, who made the deal, Butcher. And she's like, I don't know him. She's like, you introduced us, so you paid a debt, which is like such a load of crap. Frenchie, so she's like, you work for me now. And then this dude gives him an envelope. And so she wants him to kill some dude and his daughter today. So back in the room, Kamiko is starting to wake up. She's in pain, but she sits up. And then uh, she sees her gut is still bleeding, and she smiles. So she says to Frenchie, she's like, I didn't heal so she's like, give me something heavy. So he goes, he gets like a piece of equipment from like the other side of the room. And she like, can barely lift it. She's like, my powers are gone. She's like, it must have been Soldier Boy. And she's like, happy. A-Train sees Starlight in the, in the hallway at Bot, And he asks if she's happy. And she's like, Supersonic trusted you. You got him killed. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then she calls him a coward. She asks, well, you know, why are you so desperate to be with people who hate you? Ashley's looking at all of the congratulatory flowers you know she got for a promotion. A-Train is in there, and she says that she hopes that he knows how much Homelander appreciates his loyalty. Now more than ever, he needs people that he can trust. And to thank him, Homelander has agreed to a meeting with, with him and Blue Hawk. He, um, so A-Train's like, great. She's like, okay, I'll go get him. He's outside. And he's like, what, now? He comes in. He's like, oh, A-Train, I'm a big fan of you, whatever. Um, so Blue Hawk wasn't in the comics. Blue Hawk was created just for the show. A-Train says he wants to talk about his patrols in Trenton. He's like, it's a little excessive. And he's like, hmm, says who? And A-Train's like, well, a lot of black folk. And Blue Hawk's like, no, no. He's like, this has nothing to do with African-Americans. He's like, we were both coached by the same same guy, coach, whatever. He's like, he taught us to dominate totally. And A-Train's like, yeah, but you're mostly just doing it in black neighborhoods. You don't want people to say that you're being racist, right? Blue Hawk says that it's actually racist to call somebody racist. 
Then he asks Ashley, he's like, what is this? Is this a cancel thing? Am I being canceled? She just like looks at him, doesn't say anything. Then he's like, what can I do to make this right? A-Train's like, well, it wouldn't take much. He's like, maybe you can make an apology or some poop. And Ashley's like, that would be a great idea. She's like, I'm sure Homelander would really, really appreciate that. Soldier Boy, meanwhile, has made it to New York. He sees like a bus with like Dawn and a seven on the side. He sees a gay couple walking down the street. So he's just like, you know, he hasn't been there since the 80s, whatever. Then he hears like Russian music being played on this little stereo. So he starts having like flashbacks and everything like that. And this like Russian grocery worker, he's like, oh, are you okay? Whatever. And then he, he gets incinerated. His like chest thing goes off again. Uh, Janine sees the news, you know, Homelander's speech is listed as fighting cancel culture. Mother's Milk knocks on the door. So Janine is Mother Milk's daughter. Um, so Janine goes to get her backpack because they're going to go to the science center. Mother's Milk asks Todd. He's like, um, you're letting Janine watch you know, Homelander? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. He's like, his language can get a bit salty, but it's good for her. And Mother's Milk's like, how is this good for Janine? Um, he's America's greatest hero who saved thousands of people. He's standing up to the crooks, the corporations, and the, the legacy media. He says that he's like if if you're uh, if you friends me friend me on on Facebook I'll send you some stuff that will and Mother's Milk he's like I don't want Janine watching any more of this garbage and Todd's, Todd says like Homelander's her favorite Mother's Milk says Homelander is a psycho piece of poop and Janine's like Daddy then the, the news interrupts there was an explosion at Rock Downtown Manhattan and early reports say 19 are dead Mother's Milk sees that it's Soldier Boy because there's a street camera where you know you see him like like before he goes off. Uh, you know, he's got his beard and his long hair or whatever. He starts getting flashbacks to like his dead parents or whatever like that. So he tells Janine, he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, daddy's got to go. And she's like, dad, I want to go to science center. Homelander sees the news about an unknown um, supervillain. He's like almost mesmerized and, and didn't hear Starlight say, she's like, we have to handle this now. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, book slots on the Sunday shows and tell him there's not a thing to worry about. It's like, we have everything under control. Ashley and also Ashley's like, oh, that's smart. Starlight loudly says, like, she she's like, I mean, we need to stop this guy. And Homelander hisses, he's like, could you watch your flipping tone, please, darling? And she's like, I'm sorry, but don't you think the best plan would be to find him? Then he's like, I never thought of that. Obviously, he's like, God, so what? why don't you go and do it? Hmm? Why don't you run along and save the day? Meanwhile, the grownups will ha- have to worry about the share price and the EBITDA margins, okay? And Ashley smiles. She's like, she's like, thank you. And other Ashley's like, so much. So they're just like, they're just kissing his butt. <laughs> Starlight calls Huey to find out if it's who she thinks it is. And he's like, yeah, probably. They're approaching the scene. So he asks her if crime analytics people can look in on it. The building, uh, it's pretty much demolished from the blast. And, you know, this as they're there, this lady from the office, Ivy, she's like, Huey. And she sees Butcher or whatever. And, and he's like, oh, is Vicky on her way? And she's like, yeah. Then she's like, wait, didn't you break your arm? He's like, oh, it turned out it was just a bad sprain. So then he's like, yeah, we'll talk to you later. So Butcher, he detects high levels of radiation. So he like nods to Huey. Um, then he's like, there, there's Mother's Milk. Mother's, he walks up. Butcher's like, oi. Mother's Milk's like, still think he's the Red's problem? Butcher's like, like easy, mate. And M. And he like curses him. He's he's like, I'll find him myself. He's like, hey, what are you gonna do when you find him, eh? He's like, out of your league. He's like, you need help. You need us. He's like, then after that, you won't have to see me again. 
Mother's Milk agrees. And Butcher says that Mother's Milk, he's like, oh, you probably already have a lead. And he's like, of course they do. He's like, look where we are. So Butcher thinks, and then he's like, the legend. And Mother's Milk's like, yeah, want to bet Soldier Boy paid him a visit? So Starlight talks to this lady, Annika, in Crime Analytics. She says to find the, the guy, they'd have to go through every CCTV camera in the city. It would take a dozen analysts working double shifts. Starlight's like, okay, let's do it. Then she's like, uh, where is everyone? And Annika says, uh, we are everyone. It's like the deep fired most of the department. They said that they had some, uh, or they, they had some tweets over the years that were critical of Homelander. So the deep said he only wanted team players. So I guess a bunch of people got fired. A train goes with blue Hawk to do his public apology, apology at, at a, a community center. There's a camera crew there. He has a speech. He reads it without like any feelings or like remorse. He says how crime fighting involves ha- having to make split decision. He apologizes is if any of his have been perceived as being racist, but that is not who he is, okay? He's like, just ask my friends, many of whom are uh, black, like uh, A-Train, he points to him. He's like, I do not see color. I only see crime. And as a sign of my commitment to you all, I am donating $10,000 to this community center. Thank you. And a dude in the audience yells out, he's like, what about what you did to Raymond Tucker? And Blue Hawk's like, uh, yeah, he was a criminal. He was unarmed. This lady stands up and asks, he's like, would you have done the same thing to a white guy in Mill Hill? Uh, he says he goes where the crime is and the crime just happens to be uh, in black neighborhoods. He's like, that's not my fault. A train tries ending this so they can leave. And then Blue Hawk continues. He's like, do your research. Like, Blacks commit a disproportionate number of murders. Then a lady asks, she's like, what about all the black men you murdered? Then he yells, how about you tell me why they're so flippin' aggressive? He's like, I was acting in self-defense. And she's like, you have powers. They don't. And then this dude's like, black lives matter. A-Train tells Black Hawk, he's like, walk away. So he just keeps talking. He's like, all lives matter. Soup lives matter. Soup lives matter. He's like, you flippin' ingrates. He's like, a guy tells him the STFU and then Blue Hawk swats him back into the crowd. He throws this other guy against the wall. He grabs and one guy, he like yells in his face and A-Train grabs him. He's like, stop. And then like in his face, A-Train, uh, you know, he looks and he sees his brother, Nate lying unconscious on the ground. Well, there's milk butcher and Huey. They go to the legends apartment. So the legend is played by Paul Reiser in the comics. The legend was uh, one of the boys source of Intel, on Soups and Vought because he used to work at Victory Comics, which was a division of Vought American. And uh, he really doesn't like Butcher. Mother's Milk explains to Huey that the legend was VP of hero management over at Vought before Stillwell came in. He tries uh, denying that Soldier Boy was there, but Mother's Milk, he's like, don't worry, he won't trace it back to you. He's because there's like, there's like some, a mirror with like cocaine. He's like, oh, so whose fingerprints will I find if I run that in? He says, uh, the legend finally says that he was there to pick up his super suit. And he says that, oh, he also came for his girlfriend's address, the Crimson Countess. Homelander is on the Cameron Coleman show again. He says that, you know, there is no threat. Some people on 4chan are saying that, you know, Cameron Cole says that people are saying that this was done by Edgar to discredit him. Homelander's like, oh, I don't know anything about that, but uh, uh, it's very convenient timing. And then he's actually watching the news and he um, wonders if it was Edgar and the mayor messing with him. Maeve is there. She calls him a paranoid narcissist who thinks everything is about him. 
And Homelander's like, well, it's not paranoia if they're really out to get you. And he says, he's like, you're out to get me, aren't you? And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, William Butcher? He's like, I can smell him all over you. You really will do anything to hurt me, won't you? So he wonders what they're up to. He's like, you know, maybe they brought a supervillain into town. She just like chuckles. He says that he knew what she went through before when everyone was watching every move. You know, it was lonely at the top, but at least they had each other. And he loved her uh, in his own way. So he asks if anything for her was ever real. And she says, you know, from the start, she's like, I hated you. And what's more, she's like, I flippin' pitied you. His face kind of like twitches a bit as, as she's like ripping into him. And he says that he's like, you're completely and utterly alone. You're getting old and bitter. You pity me? I mean, that's actually kind of funny, don't you think? Then he's like, hey, you know what else is, is kind of funny? And then he motions behind her. And I think like Black Noir jumped her or something like that. Then it cuts to Mother's Milk comments that Frenchie isn't answering his phone. Soldier's Boy already has a head start. They're going to need some backup. So uh, Butcher opens up his trunk and shows him a temp V. Mother's Milk's like, I thought, you know, you were out. And Butcher says that, well, I nipped into Dwayne Wee Reads and got some more, didn't I? Mother's Milk says, he's like, my dad wouldn't want it. And Huey's, he's like practically drooling. Like he wants to do it so badly. Starlight barges into Ashley's office. And she's like, what the fudge did he do with Maeve? And she, Ashley's like, Maeve is at the global wellness retreat in Malibu. You know, asking for help isn't easy, and she's being brave. Starlight's like, mm-hmm. she's like, I want to speak with her. Ashley's like, oh, unfortunately, there's a digital detox for patients, but I'm sure you can leave her a message. Starlight like curses and it's like, you can't let him do this. And she's like, to whom are you referring to? And she's like, he's out of control. Yesterday it was supersonic. Today it's Maeve. Tomorrow maybe it's me or you. And then she gets, um, she's like, I get that you're scared. Starlight's like, I am too. She's like, this CEO job can't be worth your life. Long pause, hesitation. And then Ashley quietly says like, I don't have any powers. Starlight's like, you don't need powers. You just need to be human. She's like, where's Maeve? Is she even still alive? And she starts talking. And then, then Ash, you know, she regains her composure. She's like, I am the CEO. Next time, make a flipping appointment. So we see Nate's in the hospital, severe damage to his spine. He may never walk again. On the news, Blue Hawk says that an individual reached for his gun, so he had to act quickly to save innocent lives. He's like, to think that my donation to this community center would be met with such intolerance and all this stuff. Kamiko is on the floor, like right above Nate, like conveniently right above. She and Frenchie are watching an old Judy Garland movie, Girl Crazy. Nina calls Frenchie's phone, but he ignores it. During the song, Kamiko like makes a sound and then she starts talking, he like turns on, you know, stops the movie or whatever. And then she starts singing the song I Got Rhythm along with you know, he's like, Doctor, they during the hallways, other patients and doctors and nurses, they're all singing along. But it, you know, there's a whole big production, all this stuff. They go into cafeteria, but they're really still in, in the hospital bed and she kisses him. So I don't know, maybe she didn't really speak. I, and French is like, oh, I, I think I need some coffee or whatever. So I'm not really sure if she spoke or not. So she smiles when he leaves, you know, when she's alone. And he, he, so he goes to a coffee vending machine. And then uh, Nina Stug grabs him, turns him around, and Nina's right there. So it's like, <laughs> were they just sitting out there, like, by the coffee machine waiting for him? 
And then later you see Kamiko like she's starting to look at the clock. She's wondering what's taking Frenchie so long. So they must have grabbed him and took off. Crimson Countess is like in a she lives in a trailer. She's having a video chat. She's in a private like chat room with user Sir Comes A Lot 779. The private room on the screen, it says it's $19.50 a minute, $19.50 a minute. This user that she's talking to is played by Seth Rogen. So he doesn't have a shirt on. There's like a box of tissues on a table and and Starlight's Wish Lotion is is there. So uh, they're talking a bit and, you know, he's like, oh, this is costing a lot, whatever. So she goes on to bed. She starts performing for, you know, she's about to perform, whatever. But then a door crashes open and someone, which is, it's clearly a soldier boy, right? Someone flies and like tackles her. The camera gets knocked over and uh, Sir comes a lot. It's like, wait, what's, what's going on? You know? But it turns out it wasn't Soldier Boy. It was actually Butcher. So he has her like chained to his chair. He like duct tapes her hands so she can't touch them together and, and send a blast at them. Butcher's eyes are glowing and they tell her that her lover boy is on his way there. Mother's Milk says, you know, Soldier Boy's alive. And she's like, takes it in. She's like, how did he escape from Russia? So Butcher's like, oh, that's interesting. You knew that they had him. So she's like, untie me. He's going to kill me. He's going to kill all of us. So they they wait outside. And then Annie comes up in civilian clothes. And uh, she's like, what the heck is going on? Huey's like, what's she doing here? Um, so she says that Emma called her. And he's like, I just told her that we might need some backup. That's all. Butcher tells them to take their tiff someplace else because they're on the job. So they go around a corner and then he says that it was too dangerous for her. So she questions this. He's like, okay. She's like, you're going to be mad, but we said no more secrets. And then shoom, he teleports out of his clothes like three feet to his left. He's like, I didn't want to call you because you could get hurt. And he's like, I can finally take care of myself and I can save you for once. She's like, I don't need you to save me. She's like, I just need you. Meanwhile, Butcher's Geiger counter starts clicking. Mother's Milk gets up, but then he's feeling woozy. Butcher has drugged his water to knock him out. And Butcher says that he knows that he would never forgive him, but he left him no choice. Mother's Milk's like, why? He's like, you know, you can't draw a line. He said something about you know drawing a line or with his, what his dad, his ideas. He's like, not with what I have to do. And then as he lies on the ground passing out, Soldier Boy walks up in his costume with his shield. And then he looks at Butcher. He's like, oh, you're that a-hole from the lab. And Butcher's like, yeah, I'm the arsehole that let you out. And he says that he he's like, you want the Countess's head on a spike, don't you? He's like, she's inside, yours for the taking. He's like, consider a gesture of good faith. And he's like, good faith for what? Butcher's like, I was thinking that you and I could come to a little arrangement. He's like, what you lot call a team-up. He goes inside and she's like, Ben, is that really you? He looks so young. And Soldier Boy's like, you don't. And she says, she's like, I'm so sorry. It wasn't my idea. And he's like, how much did the Russians pay you? And she's like, they didn't. He's like, they didn't pay you anything. I loved you all those years that they burned me and they pumped me full of poison. I held on to the hope that you would come and save me because I still loved you. And then um, it, it turns out that in the comic, these two weren't lovers, but they were both in the group payback. So she's like, I didn't love you. I hated you. We all did. As trust starts. It's like, okay, seriously, you're just asking for him to, to kill you. 
So he starts to glow. Annie and Hugh are still talking, and then they see a light, and then whoosh, like the wind from the blast. So they start running over there. Trailer's blasted. There's like a, a charred corpse sitting on a chair. Butcher carries M.M. away from the trailer. Annie and Huey ask if he's hurt, and he's, he's like, you know, keep an eye on him. Um, then he tells them, you know, how much drugs does he, you know, he's like, he has this much drug. And he's like, you flipping roofied him? Soldier Boy walks up, Annie's eyes start to glow, and then Hugh stands in front of her. She's like, what are you doing? Huey's like, he's like, we needed a, a weapon. Soldier Boy's our weapon. He's like, he's how we kill Homelander and Newman, maybe. If anyone's strong enough, he is. So she asks if he knew that Butcher was going to do this. He's like, Mother's Milk would never have gone for it, and you weren't supposed to be here, so uh, no more secrets, huh? And she's like, Huey, you're teaming up with a murderer. He says that it's the only way he can save her from Homelander, and he says that he's doing it for her. Whatever it takes, remember? And he's like, come with us. He's like, you and me against the world. Butcher calls him as they walk away, and she's like, please don't go. There's a pause, but then he runs to catch up with them, leaving her behind. That's the end of episode five. Next episode, I guess they're going there. Uh, next, 306 supposedly is the Herogasm episode. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. Then whew, we have Ms. Marvel, season one, episode three. I'm like, I totally blank for a second. Season one, episode three, Destined. It starts off in British occupied India in 1942. We see someone like digging in a cave. They find like a knife and like a helmet. So this lady named Najma, Najma, N-A-J-M-A, says, Faraya, solemn, I found a bangle. So uh, it's the, the, the bracelet, Kamala's bracelet. It's like on a buried wrist. And uh, someone's like, should we be concerned? It's on a severed arm. And then someone's like, well, you heard what the man from the temple said. So other lady comes up and is like, he said that we would need two. She's like, let me see it. So she opens it up, takes it off. And there's a dude asks, like, where's the other one? So the first lady, Aisha, says, I told you, the, uh, the British have probably looted this place twice over by now. So this other lady's like, then one will have to do. There's an explosion outside. Soldiers voice like we will shoot and all this stuff like that. There's other soldiers yelling. So Aisha, so Aisha is, is Kamala's great grandmother. Aisha says it's the British Army. They don't have much time. Um, one of the others says to her, "It's like we don't know what one bangle will do." Aisha says that if there's even a chance that one will take them back home, they have to try. So the cave's getting shaken by the blast. Aisha puts the bangle on. It lights up and her eyes go purple. And she, it's like, did you see that? But the, but she was like looking the other way. Then Najma says that they can't let them get their hands on this bangle. So she tells her, she's like, you go that way. I'll go check on the others. So then it cuts to the present. Najma says, and she's talking to Kamala. She's like, we've been running together ever since. As for your great grandmother, Aisha, that was the last time we saw her. At this point, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That was 1942. How does Najma still look pretty young? Kamala's like, so uh, how did you say you knew her? Was it like, uh, did you guys meet in school or something? So the other two from the cave are there also, and they all, they're also looking young. And Najma's like, not exactly. Uh, Aisha was from another dimension, and so are we. So Kamala just, just nods like, no, of course, yeah. Najma says that they're not here by choice. They were exiled. 
the other lady, I, I didn't learn their names. The other ladies says that when they got close to finding their way home, they were separated. Najma says they searched for her, but you know, all, with all that happened during partition, they assumed that she got lost like so many others. This other guy, Adam, Ad, it's, it's like these names are almost like like you like American names, but slightly different. So Ad, Adam, A-A-D-A-M, um, he's like laughing at some popcorn popcorn video. And then uh, the one lady's like, you know, we've been here a hundred years. And he picks the stupidest parts of humanity to be obsessed with. And he's like, oh, that's rude. Kamala's like, yeah, about that. You all look uh, very good for being around in the 40s. The other lady's like, thank you. And Adam's like, well, not all of us. He's like, Cameron is 17. Then Kamala's like, oh, that's a relief. Najma says to Cameron, she's like, you're right. She is adorable. And he gets embarrassed. He's like, I, I never said that. Not, not that I don't think that. So then Kamala's talking to Najma alone. She thanks her for saving her. She says she didn't know Aisha had any family until she put on that bangle. Uh, she mentions Noor, which means light. She says that there's Noor within them as well, but it's it, that's what slows down their aging. They can't reach its full potential here, but maybe because Kamala is from here, she can. Kamala's like, uh, wasn't Cameron born here too? Najma says that the bangle unlocks the Noor, so maybe one day it will do the same for him. Kamala thinks that bad things are happening because of the, the bangle. You know, she dropped the kid off a building. She got chased by drones. Najma says that the bangle and the visions brought Kamala to her and to all the people that she belongs with. So uh, the people are out there see her as a kid playing dress up, but she, uh, Najma says that she sees her greatness. Kamala asks Najma if she wants the bangle, and Najma says that it was Aisha's wish to bring them all home. Now she must finish what she started. So Kamala asks, she's like, um, where is your home, and uh, what should I call you? He's like, what are you to me? Najma says, in their home dimension, the Noor dimension, they are known as clandestines. So, time out here. Um... I don't know if, if you're familiar with this. One of my favorite obscure Marvel franchises is the Clandestines. Clandestine is like this group of family. This is an Alan, um, Alan Davis comic. So he he drew it. I think Chris Claremont. I don't know if Chris Claremont wrote some of it, but then Alan Davis wrote and, and drew some of it. I love Alan Davis's art. So it was Clandestine. So like Clandestine. I don't know if this is Marvel using that copyright, like using that name. They were almost kind of sort of X-Men adjacent, but they weren't mutants. So I don't know if that's what this has to do. But there is a clandestine, clandestine, clandestine in Marvel. Anyways, so she says they're the clandestines. As to what they are, they've been called uh, Ajnabi, Majnoon, Unseen, but what they're most commonly known as is Jin. And this is Jin with a D. Dijin. Well, I always say Dijin, but it's just Jin. D-J-I-N-N. So then Kamala shows up at Bruno's and he's like, you can't just text that you're all right and not say anything more. And he's like, the police were there asking about Nightlight. And she's like, did the police send the drones? She's like, I was chased by drones. She's like, also, we're trying to drop the name Nightlight. And he he's like, okay, focus. She's like, I'm a Jin. And he's like, Antonic? She says that she found out what she is, and it's not Asgardian or alien or anything cool like that. He's like, where are you getting this information? She says a group of Jin people saved her from the drone stuff last night. 
they call themselves clandestines and Cameron's one of them. And he's like, mm. he's like, did I not say there was something weird about that kid? She says that they told her about her powers and her great grandmother, Aisha. Also, they need her help and she needs his help. He's like, uh, okay, I'm not sure how I can help a bunch of ghosts and their average looking son. And she's like, she kind of looks at when he says that. He's like, I'm going to need a lot more information. She's like, okay, I'll tell you everything I know. But first, you're good at math. Do you know anything about interdimensional travel off the top of your head? He looks at her confused. And she's like, specifically that of the Noor dimension. That's N-O-O. He's like, actually, that reminds me of a paper I read. I think it was by uh, Dr. Eric Selvig from the Thor movies. Um, she asks him, she's like, okay, you reread that. I need to pick up some stuff for the the the, the party, the pre-wedding party or whatever. And, um, she, but then like before she leaves, uh, he's like, oh, by the way, you're trending. So you can see like someone made a boomerang of her like dropping the kid off the building or something like that. At the DODC, Department of uh, Damage Control, actually SCVs pull up to the mosque Agent Deaver is there with some armed, with, actually, I don't know if they're armed, with some, some soldiers. She introduces themselves as Department of Damage Control. They received reports of an unidentified enhanced individual operating out of this mosque. The lead, I think the, so one of the things I like about the show is that it's like educating me a lot about the the Muslim Islam culture. You know, they, they, they use a lot of words that I'm completely unfamiliar with. And I like that they don't really define it for us. So I'm sitting there, do 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 Google searching, you know, whatever. So I think the the dude, and I don't mean to insult him, I call him a dude. The person in charge of the mosque, I think they're calling Imam, I M A M. So he's like operating out of here. He's like, I'm afraid not, ma'am. But if you know anyone who can fly, please send them my way. I'm looking for someone to clean out the ring gutters. So Deaver smiles. She tells her man, okay, fan out and search the place. Nakia is there. She's like, uh, not without our permission, you won't. He's like, you have no legal authority here. And Deaver's like, uh, excuse me? So she's like, Nakia Badadir, Musk board member. Okay, all right, prospective member. But I feel good about her polling. And she like hands her a flyer. She's like, pursuant to U.S. criminal code, law enforcement officers are not permitted to enter a private space without a signed warrant. Deaver's like, yeah, you studied the criminal code in the homeroom? Nakia is like, law and order reruns, but I'm not wrong. Deaver says to the imam, this is a very serious matter. It is in your best interest to cooperate. Nakia says, serious because your person of interest is enhanced or because she was spotted at a mosque, ma'am? The imam says, please return when you have a signed warrant. And as they're walking away, and he's like, uh, excuse me, Miss Agent, next time, please remove your shoes. And they, they both kind of smile at her. Kamala's watching like a video footage of the other night. Uh, Nakia storms in and just like plops down like on Kamala's bed face first. They do a little chit chat banter like back and forth like that. Then uh, Nakia gets up. She sees Camilla's screen. She's like, that's hers. Like Nightlight, which is a dumb name, by the way. And she's like, yeah, I agree. Nakia mentions damage control. An armed government agency came into the mosque today. They stormed in thinking we had something on her, like we need another target on our backs. And she's like, she doesn't seem to notice. And if she does, she doesn't care. And Kamala's like feeling bad. She's like, uh, damage control? She's like, why? What did they want? Nakia says that she doesn't know. They wanted to them to give her up or something. The whole good Muslim versus bad Muslim. Let self-surveil 
our own people routine. So it completely ruined our election results meeting where I, a board member, became a board member. And Kamala's like distracted thinking about this. And then she's like, wait, did you just say you won? And she's like, maybe. And she's like, dude, bro, hugs. Time for uh, the Mendy, which is, again, I was like, what? what is a Mendy? So it's a pre-wedding celebration. So the house is packed with family. They're all dressed up. And someone's like, I, th- I think uh, Amir's fiance is like, oh, this is your family? She's like, oh, we're Pakistani. We rolled deep. So the talk soon goes to damage control agents at the mosque. The imam is there. Uh, he says they didn't seem to know much other that it was a brown Muslim girl. Kamala's mom's like, oh, the trouble this girl is bringing. It's like, her mother must be ashamed. And Kamala's like, hmm. Then uh, her mother's like, oh, Bruno came by earlier. He's like, he couldn't get out of his shift at the circle queue, but he left a box for you. So she sits outside with the like shoe box with like some strings on there. And she's about to open it, whatever. The imam comes out. He's like, oh, why aren't you inside with the party? And Kamala's like, he's like, do you agree with everyone about our, our new masked neighbor? He's like, uh, do you? Kamala's like, I thought it would be cool to have a superhero who actually fights for us. But maybe she's just making things worse. He says that he's like, oh, I doubt that that boy would agree. So Kamala's like, how does she convince everyone that she's good? And he's like, good is not a thing you are, Kamala. It is a thing you do. And then so he like walking. I don't know if he's leaving or going somewhere. So she goes back to the box. She opens it. And inside is a new mask, like a Ms. Marvel proper mask, not like the full on helmet. At the circle queue, Kamala's dad comes in. He's like, oh, Bruno, you missed quite the party. And he's like, can you keep a secret? Because Bruno's like doing some like research stuff about that Kamala asked him to do. He's like, uh, and the dad shows him. He's like, hostess fruit pie. He's like, my wife, you know, she won't, she won't let him eat it. Uh, he said there's something about their syntheticness that he just can't resist him. And then he's he sees that uh, Bruno's looking up some stuff about the gin. So he's he's like, oh, that's just for my cultural study class. It's nothing. But he keeps like pulling the paper. He's like, oh, it's written in Urdu. He's like, I, let me help you with this. So he translates it, supernatural beings of pre-Islamic folklore, the jinn, have had many names across time and cultures. Some call them genies, others demons. Legend tells of a group of hidden jinn, exiled from their home world, and damned to live out their days trapped in our own. They move in shadows, searching for the key that will help them get home. But to unlock such an ancient barrier will require primordial power. He's like, oh, that's interesting. I haven't heard that one before. See you later, Bruno. So Bruno tells Kamala something like he ran her energy through like some test or whatever. Then he noticed that she's like rubbing her knee. And she's like, you know when you bump into a drone, fall off a truck, and you don't feel it till later? Bruno just kind of ignores that. He's, he just mentions the paper that he was talking about. Theoretically, it's possible to achieve interdimensional travel, but you need the base energy of the sun pretty much. So... um, with all these theoretical ideas, they downplay the margin of error. So he's like, if you need the energy of a sun, think about how big the margin of error must be. So she tells him, she's, she's like, okay, you know, try again. Uh, this time, like, like you have a social life. Now go. Cause she didn't understand what he said. He's like, if you help them go home, some things might go boom. And she's like, might, might. So there's a chance. And he's like, Kamala. So she thinks uh, that she has a bangle for a reason. Obviously, she can't be a superhero. So maybe this is something that she needs to do, something good. He blurts out, 
I got into Caltech. And then she like zips around. She's like, what? I mean, that's awesome. I didn't know you found out already. He says that he did and he thinks that he needs to go, but he can't leave unless he knows that she, that everything is okay. She's like, why didn't you tell me sooner? He's like, uh, well, you've been busy. So he says that if she wants to help these people, he will do the research and help, but he just doesn't think today. He can't see a safe way to do this. So she's like, oh, Carol Danvers, just punch a hole through time and space and help them. He's like, yeah, but Carol Danvers is reckless. So, you know, maybe it's a good thing you're not her. Later, Kamala's in the bathroom tending to the, her a bruise like on her knee. Her mom sees it and she's like, oh, I fell off my bike. So then Kamala's like, Ami, have you ever felt like you were up against the world? Like you wanted something so bad and then it actually happened. But in reality, it's just not as great as you imagined it. And she's like, yes, actually. She's like, America was my mountain. Your father and I, you know, we dreamed so much of coming here. When we finally did it, it was so hard. Because she says like Amir was still in diapers. You know, they didn't have anything, whatever. So she says she never felt so alone in her life. Kamala's like, well, what did you do? And her mom says that I found a mosque. And I found Auntie Ruby and Humara. And I found family. So she let them love her whatever mountain she's facing she doesn't have to do it alone so kamala hugs her and then she's like okay it's okay kamala texts that she wants to help but it could be dangerous so she needs more time cameron replies focus on the wedding we'll figure it out it's uh almost time for amir and taisha's wedding amir is like getting ready with his dad then he's like 732 dollars and 49 cents and his dad's like what he's like that's all the money i have in my checking account and his dad's like, oh, I'm surprised you have that much. He's like, you'll find your way after grad school and stuff like that. Kamala's about to walk in when her dad's like, a man has one fundamental choice in life, to live a life in fear or love. The man who chooses love chooses Junun, passion. He chooses faith, courage, and you wear a shalwar kameez every day on the street. You are about to stand in front of God and your family and commit to the love of your life. You are brave, my son, because you have chosen family. A man who chooses family is never alone. So the ceremony begins. All of a sudden, uh, it's interesting because like they, they they're asked, "Do you take you know so and so to be your wife? Do you take your you know?" So you have to say yes three times. So they're now husband and wife. Uh, Cameron comes down front he's like mom have you seen my phone and so she has it she's like you weren't going to tell me he's like oh i was she just needs more time so najma's like we don't have more time cameron says well apparently it might be dangerous uh if if they don't do it right najma says of course it's dangerous she's like why wouldn't it be cameron's like wait you knew you asked kamala to do it anyways she says this place will never be our home it's like we're going to make her help us she's like i'm not asking anymore so at the wedding reception, there's like this big dance for the bride and groom, Kamala's parents, the others are dancing. At one point, Kamala and Nakia are there dancing, Bruno's dancing. Um, then Brown Jovi, the Bon Jovi cover band, are getting ready to perform. Cameron shows up. Kamala asks Bruno if he wants to dance, but then Cameron comes out and asks if they can talk, and he pulls her away. He's like, we need to talk. So Bruno's like, what's up? Cameron tells her, tells Kamala that she's in danger, her entire family is. So he came there to warn her. He's like, they're coming after her. He, she's like, uh, but they're so nice to me. She's like, she'll just, I'll just go in and talk to them. He says that they're not here to talk. So she has to get out of there. They'll kill everyone. 
she has to get out of here because she keeps saying that. So then Bruno comes like storming up. He's like, I think you should just leave. And Cameron's like, seriously, please just back off, Brian. This isn't your fight. When my mother wants something, nothing stands in her way. So he called him Brian again. Kamala, she's like, uh, says that her family is, is here now. And he says that he tried to call her. And then they start walking in. Cameron's like, Kamala, everyone will die. So she's like, oh, I'll distract them. And then Bruno's like, like, how? Isn't that too easy? Kamala goes, pulls a fire alarm. So people are exiting. Uh, one dude is in uh, the back when Kamala comes into the hall, one of the the, the gins. The security guy's like, oh, sir, you need to leave. And he, choo, 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 he does some moves, takes a guy out. Um, and it, it, what's nice about this, this scene right here is Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer comes on. Kamala runs the other way, but she's cut off by one of the other gins. She goes in the kitchen. She yells, everyone have to get out of here. And they just like ignore her. The third gin comes in, like punches a cook. And they're like, ah, no, that's it. They all start leaving. So there's this big fight. Kamala's like doing light blocks and, and they're like moving to attack her. Outside, um, you know, they're all like, what's going on? One of these like, I saw Kamala pull the alarm. And then he's like, you can't see anything. You need to go to DMV and get your eyes checked again. Kamala's like hiding. They're looking for her. Then Najma turns out the lights and she says, just help us get home and it'll be over. So they arm themselves, you know, they're, they're grabbing things. Najma bangs on something and Kamala instinctively puts up like a light shield, which gives away her location. So one, one of the gins, he somehow got a hammer from somewhere. So I don't know if he like pulled it out of his chest or something like that. And he like uh, like swings it at her. She's like knocked back into the reception hall, but she was protected by like a light shield around her her body. This other lady has a spear, so she must have pulled it. And then the other dude pulls out like this whip. So Kamala moves out to the dance floor, and she's like creating a shield every time they like try hitting her. Bruno like throws a gift at one of the guys, like one of the boxes at the dude with the whip. He swings the whip, and it sends a chair flying, and it bangs into his wrist. So uh, it's going to be something wrong with, with his, his arm. He moves to attack Bruno, but then Kamala slams him with an embiggened fist from across the room. Then she turns around, whoosh, swings her giant fist, and knocks the three other ones down. The whip dude gets up. Cameron walks in his path, and he's, he's like, just leave them alone. And he has like this metal ball and a rope. So they start like swinging the whip and the ball at each other. Kamala checks on Bruno. Cameron yells, like, get Brian out of here. And Bruno's like, I swear he gets my name wrong on purpose. So they go out. They go down some stairs. Cameron's still fighting the whip boy, the whip dude. Adam comes at them with his hammer. Then Cameron comes crashing down, lands in front of them. So he's knocked out. The whip dude just glares at them from above. Spear lady somehow comes out like in front of them. Then Najma jumps down from above. So Kamala's completely surrounded. She's like, why are you doing this? He's like, you said you would protect me. Najma's like, why should I protect those who betray me? So the bangle starts glowing as like Najma grabs her arm and like a vision starts to to flare up and there's like this big train coming at them. Then damage control soldiers come in. They like, they have these like weird tech guns. So they shoot like Adam and Kamala ducks. She goes over by Bruno and then they start kind of like crawling away. Agent Devers is there. Uh, the four Jins plus Cameron are apprehended. So Kamala and Bruno go out this exit in the back. She like kind of slams the door shut with like a light blob thing. Naki is walking up and sees them. She's like, what was that? So Kamala is like, oh, she's like, I'm so sorry. And Naki is like, it was you? 
she's like, uh, this whole time it was you and you didn't say anything? Bruno tells Kamala, she's like, you have to go. They're after you. And Kamala's like, wait. And Bruno's like, no, Nakia will take care of me. And Nakia hands Kamala a piece of like, like a shawl or something like that. She's like, you dropped this. Kamala's like, I'll explain everything later. And then she like starts running off. Nakia's like, what just happened? He's like, oh, I'll explain it. Kamala comes home. Her mom's like, where have you been? And she's like, did you pull the alarm? And like, who were those people you were with? They were arrested. And she's like, just be honest with us. You are our daughter. We want to help you. But we can't if we don't know what's going on with you. Kamala's like, I, I, I just, I can't, okay? And her mother and her father are like disappointed. So she goes to her room. Her uh, nanny calls and Kamala's like, can I just um, talk later? And nanny's like, no, you need to come to Karachi. She's like, you know, her parents won't, won't let her go. She's like, can I just call you tomorrow? And nanny's like, did you see it? And Kamala's like, see what? Did you see the train, Beta? And she's like, how did you know about that? Because I saw it too, which is why you have to come. You have to come to Karachi. And she hangs up. So Karachi is uh, in Pakistan. Um, I don't know how Kamala is just going to like magically go there. So we'll have to see. But man, I was saying this is episode. I was like, okay, this is a fine episode. You know, this is kind of low key. It's kind of like, this is fine. And then we get to this big fight. So I was like, all right, this, this, it was kind of a cool fight, but yeah, but the, the problem is they know Kamala, they know her identity. So that's, there's always that big threat. Now they may be apprehended by the, by damage control, but they're probably going to get out. Right. We'll have to see. So that was a, that was a third episode. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm still digging the show. Okay. Then I'm just going to talk a little bit about spider head. So spider head is a Netflix movie that, that feels like it came out of nowhere. Because like the weird thing is, it was directed by uh, Joe Joseph Kaczynski, who happens to have like a big blockbuster movie in theaters, Top Gun Maverick, and it has Chris Hemsworth in it and Miles Teller, who was Miles Teller was also in Top Gun Maverick, and it has Journey Smollett in it, and it's just like, um, how come I haven't heard about this? I, I do remember when the trailer came out, and the only reason I knew. I, that the trailer came out is because I get press emails from Netflix and I, I didn't even, I don't know if she just wasn't in a trailer. I just noticed it, but I didn't realize that the journey Smollett was in it. So it's, um, it's, it's a weird movie. Uh, it's, it's an hour and 47 minutes and it takes place in like in the near future. I, I'm still not totally sure how I, I feel about it. I like that. There's some good performance and everything that I think for me the ending was a little mm, I'm not not quite too sure about it. So basically, what the it's about Spiderhead is like this clinical trial program or whatever. It's it's taking place like in this luxury prison type of thing. It's not really that luxury, but basically the prisoners are volunteers for this program. They agreed to get tested on. So you, you get like this um, like kind of med pack thing that's like put on your back and you're injected with different types of chemicals. And then on your smartphone, you know, Chris Hemsworth and, and his like assistant dude, whatever, they can adjust the different levels of it, you know, make sure it's within, you know, safe levels and, and then they observe what happens. So like it, it starts off, you know, this guy sitting in a chair, they, they tell him a joke and then he starts cracking up uh, like, like. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is like, I knew it. it's like, what do you call cheese that isn't yours? Not cho cheese. 
And then, then they tell him, like, you know, he like he starts cracking up by that. They tell him this fact about some like you know these people who died, and he's still laughing. He he can't he can't um, help it. He just can't stop laughing. So we we find out that you know he's serving several life sentences without the possibility of parole. They mention that he's just like laughing, whatever. And then Chris Hemsworth and the other dude, they like high five each other. So this was like some drug that apparently makes you laugh at things. And uh, they do more tests. Uh, Miles Teller, his his his, uh, you know he he's gonna get tested. We see. Um, he has a flashback with like his girlfriend or his wife, whatever they're drinking. And then he goes driving with either his brother or his buddy. They're driving like way too fast, hits head on into a tree. He goes flying through the windshield and then it, it cuts to, um, this next test with, uh, another inmate, Heather, Chris Hemsworth asks during their incarceration at Spiderhead, have ever them spoken to each other? And they're like, no. Then he asks Jeff, he's like, how's she looking? Uh, he's like on a scale of one to ten, and he's like, um, he's like, I, I, he's just like seven and a half. So then it's Heather's turn. She's like, oh, not you know, whatever. And she's like, I'd say a five on a good day, and and she's like, I'm, she's like, I'm kind of a a bitch. And he's like, oh, can I change mine to an eight? <laughs> so then Chris Hemsworth asks for permission to administer the N40 drip, and then it starts off. And Jeff says like, yeah, she's starting to look pretty good, like really, really good. And you can see Heather's getting like heated and, and bashful, or whatever. And then uh, this, 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 whatever stuff starts getting them talking. So there, I don't know if that's a different drug or something like that that's mixed in with this. So they say that they're gorgeous, and they start getting, they just start, start kissing, they start disrobing, and then they're just going at it, and then like they're just cuddling after. And um, Jeff's like, I didn't think it would be possible to like cuddling this much or whatever. Then he tells Heather, he's like, I, I, I love you. And Hemsworth, he's like, he wants to know what happens when they come down off of this. And like, what happens after? Does the love last? And, and whatever. So this is also when we see the censors. So um, it, it kind of goes on from there. Uh, Miles Teller starts feeling awkward because he seems to like Lizzie, uh, Journey Smollett's character, because she, you know, she's also in this prison thing. And like, because uh, you you know Jeff gets put in in the the room the next day with this older lady, and then um, Mark the, the assistant he's like oh, I can't watch this whatever, and and it seems to work again, so they they keep doing this and there's like this he, then Jeff is like brought into this other room, and um, the the two women the the younger one Heather and the older lady uh, or no the younger with Sarah and Heather but he's he. Chris Hemsworth tells Miles Teller he has to choose who gets darkened flocks, which is apparently this this drug that makes you just rage out or just whatever like that. So they probably would maybe tear up the other person or something like that. And he doesn't want to do it. So it just kind of goes like all this stuff. We find out that there's more to his story as well. And, and then it seems like, you know, like what's, what's the point of all this drugs? And, you know, Chris Hemsworth's thinking is, you know, he wants to make the world a better place. Like, especially like with the love drug, you know, a place where people can find love and, you know, they'll be happy and there'll be no more anger and no more drunk driving and accidents and whatever and everything like that. So it just goes from there and he keeps kind of like pushing things and, you know, cause he's all about taking these tests and, it, it doesn't always seem like to be the, the nicest test or whatever, but 
he's just you know he doesn't really care because he just they're just they're like lab rats you know he has no remorse over what he may make them do and how he used them because he just wants to get you know his his results and everything like that and and we also well then i feel like i'm saying too much but it's so it's just an interesting take and there's a lot of a lot of good use of music in, in in the movie too and but just just it's it's a weird concept and um and then it, it kind of starts taking like it keeps going like a darker area so it's just a bizarre and then, like i said with the ending you know things are kind of resolved and everything like that i just don't know how i feel about the ending it, it yeah i don't know but just the idea and the acting and because and chris hemsworth he's basically like like a villain you know he's he's like the bad guy you know he's not necessarily mustache twirling you know tying people to trains but he's just concerned about the results of, of this you know the tests and everything like that he doesn't he had, like i said he has no compassion for these people no you know he sees them as they were criminals you know why are they there he's just using them he doesn't care you know, he's like they—they they gave up their rights when they agreed to volunteer for the program. So it's—it's it's just very interesting to see Chris Hemsworth taking like a, a darker role. You know, he—he's not necessarily physically harming people, but he's just like he doesn't care. You know, so it's—it's—it's it's, it's interesting, worth checking out. Uh, it seems like some people really enjoyed it. You know, I, I saw it's like some reactions online, and I, I think the biggest reaction a lot of people were like, "How come I never heard of this before?" You know, it, the day it came out. So if you have a couple hours, I would say check it out to see this this different thing. But again, that the whole that idea of making someone like fall in love with you or attracted that just seems wrong. And even like the 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 laughing thing, the other guys like, "Whoa." you know maybe we could like sell this to comedy clubs and chris hemsworth was like you're thinking too small but it's like i don't whatever other use would there be for this and so that's spiderhead and then the movie feature is the black phone so uh this is put out through blumhouse and um it's directed by scott derrickson who did uh he didn't he did he did dr strange and he's supposed to do the second one but he he pulled out he also um, did The Exorcism of Emily Rose. I don't think I saw that one. Um, he did this movie called Sinister. He did The Day to Earth Stood Still. So this is a... It was, it was good. So I guess kind of the good thing about him dropping out of Multiverse of Madness, it, it allowed him to do this. Um, it turns out that this is based off a short story by joe hill it's like did i know that did i not know that did i forget about that so i i, I have to track this down because i i've i've um i've listened to some of the audiobooks of of, of uh joe hill and i i realize i should hear more because I, I i like his stuff and i can't say i don't I, it's not fair to compare him to stephen king but you know it it's quality stuff and uh, it's it's also different, you know. So that that's the other reason why it's not really fair to, to compare it, because you know Stephen King, a lot of his story, at least in the past, you know, he's kind of evolved a little bit, has kind of changed. Because Stephen King kind of fell into his like same pattern, like the way things would would end a certain way, whatever. Anyways, so um, I'm really curious to I have to track down what book this is in. I'm assuming it's in a collection. I ho hope it's in a, in a a collection of, of short stories. Yeah, it looks like 
it was published in 20th Century Ghosts, which is uh, Joe Hill's first published book-length work, a collection of short stories. So I'll have to track that one down, see if it's on Audible. Um, what is uh, the movie about? It's it's kind of a creepy um you know, and, and I, if you've seen the trailer, you know, or just like the poster, it's creepy. But I think what really, really works about this movie is it takes place in 1978. It was a whole different time if, if you're around then. You know, I feel like if they tried putting this in a modern age, it just, it would not work. The, the whole purpose of, or the whole, not purpose, the whole story is there's this child abductor. He's like, he's, he's, he's called a grabber and he's like terrorizing this suburb. He's just, you know, abducting all these kids and no one, they, they have no clue. Like these kids are just disappearing. And while that happens today, unfortunately, tragically, I just feel like it's, it couldn't happen to at this. And I could be totally wrong. And I, and I, I hope I wrong. It couldn't, wouldn't happen at, at the same level or intensity as it would back then. Cause back then, man, people were kids. You know, you would just be out at all hours of night. You walk home alone. you come home alone. You're out late. You hang out with your friends. You know, there's no cell phones, no, nothing, no, you know, no Amber alerts sent to everyone's phones and stuff like that. It was, it's, it's, it's a totally unsafe time when you think about it. I don't know if we're just like ultra paranoid now or ultra protective but things are just so dark and everything so I, I just feel like the movie wouldn't have the same intensity if it happened in a modern age so it's just it's yeah and you know we, we were introduced to the, the kid this kid um Finn Finny he plays little league and he has his mother's not in a picture his his dad is played by um jeremy davies who i think was he what's that, that dude's name from uh he was a like the kind of doctor dude in lost like the, the crazy scientist not crazy scientist anyways he's been in a bunch of stuff but he's like he's like an alcoholic there's a part man it's so bad where um you know he's reading newspaper at the table and finney's like eating a cereal and he's like could you slurp that a little louder he's like i don't think they heard you where do you say not the moon somewhere else or something like that and then uh daughter comes in and i loved her she was like she's such a uh a, a great character i think her name was gwen but she like opens a bread box and like it hits against the counter and then right, right away, she's like, and she's like, sorry, daddy. And he's just like, because he's just reading the paper. It's like, dude, go in the other room. Go in the living room or somewhere else if you want to read your precious paper in silence or whatever. So they just walk to school. And and you just see, like, like there's a fight on the way to school. And there's this this kid who's uh, Finn is kind of friends with. And he's, it's it's like, I feel like, I, I could be wrong again. It's like, I feel like fights aren't this intense these days. But, you know, Finney has problems. Uh, you know, there's there's some kids that are, like, picking on him. And, you know, there's there's a girl that he likes. He doesn't know what to say to her and everything like that. But then people, you know, he sees uh, this one uh, missing. He's like, he, I, he knows that kid, you know, from a baseball game or whatever like that. So kids are, are getting abducted and they don't know any, what's going on. So as you can imagine, you know, I don't want to get into, you know, spoilers or stuff like that. But unfortunately, what's going to happen is 
Finney is going to get abducted. So what what happens is Ethan Hawke, he wears a mask and he wears like a top hat and he drives around in his van, you know, so it's a dark van. I forgot what it said on, on, on the side, but like when he kind of tricks uh, Finney, he's he's walking out of the van. It's like he waits for the timing because, you know, of course, they're walking home and like Gwen's she's going to stay at her friend's house. So she, you know, they veer off. Finney's walking home alone. And then uh, Ethan Hawke comes out with like a couple grocery bags and we're like that. And he like spills, drops them like, oh, eggs on the floor. He's like, oh, I'm so clumsy. And it's like that. And Finney's like, do you want some help? He's like, oh, could you get my hat? And he's like, I'm a magician. You want to see a trick? And he's like, yeah. And then um, so he's going to do something. And so the other thing he does, which, which is just like, it's kind of horrific in a way. So warning, spoiler, slight spoilers, but warning, you know, because then Finney's like, is that a bunch of black balloons in, in there? He's like, yeah, you want to see? And then he like abducts him and he uses a balloon. He grabs him like to kind of hide the struggle and then shoves him in the back. But then he just like lets the balloons go. It's like, well, wouldn't you want to like keep them? I mean, I guess maybe... You know, how, how often does he grab kids and, and stuff like that? Yeah, and then um, he's brought to this, like, basement. There's this like, the concrete room. There's, like, a mattress on the floor. Uh, you know, he because he knocks him out, so he wakes up there. And there's, like, a phone on the wall. He's like, oh, that phone doesn't work. Cause, and you can see, like, the cord is, like, ripped. You know, it's, like, cut or something like that. And he's like, I'm not going to hurt you. And he's like, oh, well, stuff like that. But then, like, later the phone rings. And... um it, this this isn't really a spoiler because this was in the IMDb description, but then he's getting a call from like the other kids who are abducted. So like, where are they calling from or whatever? What's going on here? And you know, how is he going to get out of there? Because like, what his one friend, this tough friend who was gotten this big fight, uh, you know, he, he was telling Finney he's got to start standing up for himself and and stuff like that. So it's basically you know Finney's stuck in this room and you know doesn't know what to do. And then it's almost like at times. Ethan Hawke's like trying to tease him, like trying to trick him into trying to escape so he can punish him. And it's just, it's, it's twisted. And there's, there's a couple like jump scare moments that was like, okay, was that really necessary? But I would say overall, it's, um, I don't, I don't want to say anything more. So it's, it, they do a really good job. And, um, I, I think it's, it's satisfying. And, you know, horror movies, sometimes they fall a little flat. But I think it just it hits all the marks. You know, you got. I think I mentioned there's some jump scares, kind of, and they're 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 a little forced, but not really forced. You know, are they really necessary? Gosh darn it, <laughs> no, they're not. But that's fine. So I I I just really enjoyed the movie, and and I, yeah, I mean it, it's a horrible subject, but it just it it it's just kind of cool with how they accomplish everything. So you should definitely check it out. It's uh, it's really good. And with that, I think that is going to be the end of this ridiculously long podcast. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently talking about 1980s New Teen Titans by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. I'll probably talk about some older movies, not by older means like non-current in theaters movies. 
And I may do some like off my mind, just like random topics, just diving into my thoughts about other things. I've had a couple people say like, oh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on whatever things. So maybe I'll do that. Um, if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com slash heck. What's going to be next week? I think the main feature will be Stranger Things, the conclusion of season four. We'll maybe have Umbrella Academy more or more Umbrella Academy or whatever. All of it, half of it. I don't know. Maybe Westworld. It's like how many episodes are they dropping? Probably too many, right? So we'll we'll see. Um, I'll do and maybe I'll just be briefer. So we'll, we'll see. Um and then the same old shows, you know, there's gonna be a couple leaving, but so that's why I feel like I should do Westworld since like Flash is ending, Superman Lois is ending, uh, Obi-Wan ended, you get the point. So we'll see. But um, other than that, I hope you're doing well. Um, I hope you're taking care of yourself. Hope you're taking care of others. Hope you manage to find time to do fun things. And I hope you remember to be good to each other. Yeah.